That's Billy Ocean, Lover Boy from 1984. Welcome to Poker Fraud Alert Radio, the Druff, Drexel, and Daredevil show. I am Todd Dandruff with Hellas. This broadcast is being done on February 17th, 2016. It's supposed to be at 7.30, but we're beginning more around 8 o'clock, actually slightly after. Sorry for those of you listening live that I'm kind of late. Worse tonight than usual. And before we get to anything, I have to tell you about the free roll, which is starting in a whopping two minutes. So here's the details. And you can get in. Don't worry. You can still get in because you have 25 minutes of late registration. But want to get this out quickly before it starts. 
or I'll try. We have a free roll tonight for $106 cash money. I will send you it by PayPal, bank transfer, Bitcoin, check, even cash in an envelope, though I did this for one user recently and it seemed to have disappeared. I think this person's girlfriend stole it. I'm not even kidding. feel bad about it, actually, even though it wasn't my fault. So take the cash at your own risk. But anyway, I'll send it to you if you want. But it, this is real money. This is not money you get on an online site that you may or may not be able to cash out. $106 this week. It takes place in the No Fraud Online Poker Room, which you can find near the top of the screen. No Fraud Online Poker on PokerFraudAlert.com. You need a separate account to play there. Make sure you familiarize yourself with the rules to play in the free roll. Otherwise, you may not qualify for the free money. You can read those rules at PokerFraudAlert.com slash free roll, all lowercase, PokerFraudAlert.com slash free roll. The money this week came from seven different, seven different sources, not several, actually several too, seven different sources. Not me, but seven different listeners to the show. Danny Deadwood gave $12, Lou Father gave $25, Bad Guy 23, yes, that Bad Guy 23 gave $12, SMI Florida gave $25, JSTAT gave $5, The Shrink gave $5, and Limp Donk Bingo gave two separate do- donations for $8 and $14 to add up to 22 from him. So thanks to all you guys for donating, and I have some more money held over, so if you didn't hear your name mentioned and you donated... I didn't just pocket the money. Don't worry. It'll be in subsequent weeks. I just didn't want to overdo it. I only like to have a really big free roll if it's a special show or something, but if it's just a regular show, I like to keep it down there. Otherwise, if I use it all at once, I shoot all shoot poker fraud alerts load, and then we don't have enough for subsequent weeks. But thank you to everybody who continues to donate to the free roll. Very nice of you guys to do that. The prizes are as follows, and it is that it isn't <coughs> – sorry about that. It's No Limit Hold'em. Starting at 8.10 p.m., which is right now. 8.10 p.m. It's a specific daylight time on the agenda, but I mean Pacific Standard Time. And here are the prizes. $50 for first. $26 for second. $15 for third. $9 for fourth. And $6 for fifth. $50, $26, $15, 9 and 6 adding up to $106. There is late registration all the way up through 8.35 p.m. Pacific Time. You may wonder why there's no co-host with me. Well, even though it's called the Druff, Drexel, and Daredevil Show, right now it's just the Druff Show. Daredevil cannot make it tonight. Brandon, as he has been recently, will join later in the show. He actually wanted to join this one earlier. He's not coming late on purpose. He actually wants to do the, quote, fraud topics this week, at least so he says. But uh, he's just busy tonight till about 9.30 or 10. We may have an interview tonight. We will definitely have a prank call tonight. Whether it goes well or not is left a chance because that's what live radio is like. So let's see what else we have. I want to speed through the agenda because everybody wants me to speed through the agenda. If you want to Call into the show. There's two phone numbers to do so. The main phone number is 775-FRAUD-55. 775-FRAUD-55, which translates to 775-372-8355. You can also call the Mount Charleston line. The Mount Charleston line is an old 70s rotary telephone that sits on top of Mount Charleston, which is a mountain near Las Vegas. It forwards to wherever I am. That phone number is 702 and 
Make sure to show your caller ID, no matter which number you call or otherwise, you will not get through. You'll get a busy signal if you don't show it. If you want to text me during the show or even before the show or after the show, you can text me anytime at this phone number, 775-372-8355. Yes, the main phone, phone number of the show is also our text number, and I will read your text on the air unless you ask me not to at the beginning of the text or unless it's very clear to me it's a personal text. But if you don't ask me not to, don't complain if I do read it. We have a new feature since November, the call to listen line, which is getting increasingly popular. I'm seeing a lot of people are listening even when we're not on the air, and I'll explain that in a second. But the call to listen line is a phone number you can call without an app, without the internet, without a data plan, without a smartphone, just any phone in the world that can dial can listen to Poker Fraud Alert Radio, whether it's live or whether it's our streaming reruns. That phone number is 712-775-8162, 712-775-8162. A great thing to use if you don't want to waste your data or you don't have very good data where you are, you're driving, whatever. That's a great number to use, 712-775-8162. If you forget that tough-to-remember phone number, just go to the radio page on PokerFraudAlert.com and it's listed right there. We do stream reruns, random reruns of the show when we're not live. So if you just want to hear a random rerun at a random point, because it streams as if it's live, but it picks something we've already done in the past, just go to the radio page and listen or call the call the listen line when we're not on the air. We have 24 hours a day, seven days a week streaming reruns other than when we're live. And those are getting more popular as well. I even go back and listen sometimes. It's actually kind of cool to just call in there and hear it broadcasting. If you were to listen to every Poker Fraud Alert radio that we've done since we opened in 2012 and not sleep, just do nothing but listen to the radio, you would have to listen for more than a month before you'd have to hear the same thing again. (laughs) We've done more than a month straight of content for 24-7, so that's why if you call that... uh, Call the listen line when we're off the air or listen to the radio when we're off the air. You'll probably hear one of many different shows. We have enough content to stream so many different things, which is pretty cool. Let's see. If you want to chat during the show, during the live show, you can go in the chat room. You need a flash-enabled device, meaning no iPhones or iPads can get in there. And you also need a Poker Fraud Alert account on the forum that is in good standing. If it's not in good standing or not verified yet, then you can't get in there. I apologize. So that's the chat room. There's only people in there during the live broadcast, so if you listen in the archives, don't bother. It's the chat button near the top of the screen. You'll mostly be interacting with other listeners. I only read it once in a while. However, I will look right now. Let's see what the chat room says. Gia Casas says, Druff for 2016. I think he means for president. It's funny he mentions that. I, I saw someone, an older gentleman, not a poker player, over the weekend who was telling me that I should be running for president. He'd vote for me. It's very nice, but that's something I would never do. I wouldn't mind being the president if it didn't have to go through like the whole election process. That's just so brutal. If I could just like be the president, I, I would like that, even though it would be very stressful and probably take years off my life. Hockey guy, of course, says, fuck you, Druff, as he does every week. Uh... Grenada Rogers saying, Poker Fraud Alert Radio spinning the top 40 hits of 1984. 
Anchor Draw says, I love prank calls, especially to prisons, referring to the fact that we prank called a refugee camp slash prison in uh, the Bahamas recently and got a lot of controversy surrounding that. So, all righty. Uh, free roll's already begun six minutes ago, so get in there if you want to win the free money. $106 up for graft, up for grabs. And for, up for graft, I guess, too, if you want to do that with it. Here are the topics tonight. Poker Fraud Alert exclusive. I love the exclusives because it means we don't copy from other sites. I have an announcement, which I don't believe anybody knows, regarding the dates that the World Series of Poker schedule, the full schedule, will be released. I know when it will be released. Not the exact date, but pretty close to the exact date. And the rest of you don't, but you will very shortly. UB cheater Greg Pearson who didn't get anywhere near the press that Russ Hamilton got, another one of the UB cheaters. But he definitely cheated and definitely helped cover it up and definitely did a lot of bad things when he was part of UB. He now runs a company called Iovation, and it looks like they're about to get licensed by the Nevada Gaming Commission to provide legalized poker geolocation services. Very bad. And if it sounds familiar, there was something similar that happened a few years ago with Ultimate Poker and Iovation, but Iovation was not officially licensed. They were a third-party company associated with another company. Now they're going to get directly licensed. Very bad. We'll talk about what Greg Pearson did, why he's guilty, and how he's going to manage to get licensed despite everything he did. Sorrel Mizzy, another shady guy, except he's a poker player, he's been involved in several scandals over the years. He is accused once again of cheating and multi-accounting. And I know you're probably shocked because in the past, his scandals involved cheating and (laughs) multi-accounting. So we'll talk about what's going on with Sorrel Mizzy. Phil Galfond has been scammed for a lot of money. Phil Galfond has admitted that he was scammed for... One million dollars. Well, okay, a quarter of that. A quarter of a million dollars. He outed the scammer in a Poker News article, and it appears that Poker News is taking a cue from this site and has decided that they're going to start outing scammers. Hmm, wonder where they got that idea. So we will talk about that and talk about why Galfon came forward. Speaking of people coming forward who got cheated, there's a guy named uh, Chauncey who plays at the Palm Beach Kettle Cl- Kennel Club. Not the Kettle Club, but the Kennel Club. I always thought that was a funny name. The kennel is where a dog stays. You know, like when you go on vacation, you, you drop the dog off at the kennel. Uh, but he plays at the Kennel Club, and he dropped 13K. No, I don't mean he lost 13K. I mean, he actually dropped 13K in the bathroom. (laughs) Come on, it's not a laughing matter. And someone else got it. He also got mugged for 13K in the parking lot there. This happened in December. Both things, separately. You would think after all that hard luck he experienced that the Palm Beach Kennel Club would be very sympathetic. They, they wouldn't be refunding him the money, but they'd be sympathetic about it and say, hey, well, what can we do for you aside from giving you the money back? No. They banned him. 
Yeah. If you're a victim at the Palm Beach Kennel Club, they ban you. We'll talk about why. I'll read the letter from the Palm Beach Kennel Club to him. And we may very well have him on the show tonight. He said he wants to come on. So we'll see if we can reach him tonight. The reason I say we'll see, I have his phone number, and he said he wants to come on, but he said his schedule is, I don't know, a little questionable tonight. So we'll see if we can get him on. I want him to talk about this in his own words. I always prefer to have the victims come forward themselves rather than me speak for them. So I'm texting him right now. When can you do it? Hopefully he will be able to. Full Tilt will be merging into Poker Stars, but the software will remain the same. Sounds strange? It is. I'll explain what's going on when we get to that. The Caesars bankruptcy plans continue to collapse. It's stepping closer and closer towards the destruction of Caesars or a major, major restructuring. Don't panic yet. It won't be happening this year, but it's uh, marching on that path. Another Florida casino scandal, the Hylia Park Casino, gets just a slap on the wrist for major violations and theft of tournament money. Very bad story we've covered before. There is a resolution to this that is not good. Are the merged network cash-out problems really over? Is it safe to play there? We'll talk about that as our final poker and gambling topic. General topics. I have put $2,100 of my hard-earned money on... A young man named Donald Trump. No, I'm not a Trump supporter, but I think he's going to crush in South Carolina. And I put $2,100 on it. I'll talk about that bet, why I made it, and why it's not quite as good right now as it was when I made that bet. But I still think I'm going to win. Big story today. Apple is refusing. I'm talking about Apple Computer, who makes the iPhone. They are refusing to help the FBI break into a dead terrorist's phone, which has a passcode on it. Sounds like a no-brainer that they should do it, but they're refusing. I'll explain why, and I'll give my opinion on the situation. Finally, the NBA All-Star Game. I lost some money on that. I've determined that it's a joke, not just because I lost money on it, betting, but I think it's a joke. I think it's not fun to watch. I think it's become ridiculous. And I'll tell you why I think the NBA All-Star Game sucks and should either be done away with or modified. So that's our agenda tonight. Brandon will show up around 9.30 or 10, which is about an hour to an hour and a half from now. And we will get going. Once again, if you want to listen without a computer or without a smartphone, just call 712-775-8162. That's our call to listen line. Also, just want to note, if you're on the West Coast... Turn on your TV right now on CBS, and you'll see Anna Kate, who was on the show last week. She'll be there right there on your TV on Survivor. Tonight is the premiere episode. Like an idiot, I forgot to record it. I'll have to find another way to watch it. Hopefully it's on demand or something, or I'll have to pirate it or something. I don't know. I do want to see it, though. I usually don't like that type of stuff. But since Anna Kate's on it, and she was just on the show last week, and she was on our show in 2014, I want to see it. So Survivor, starting this week, every Wednesday at 8 p.m., you can turn off this show and... Watch Survivor. I'd much rather you watch Survivor and Anna Kate than listen to me right here. Okay. You can record Survivor and listen to me live. So we're going to get going. We're just going to jump right in here. Scooter, who's a new listener, Scooter6945. And it's not the same Scooter as uh, some of you know from the forums. This is a different guy. But he sent 10 bucks today 
so he could qualify for the free roll. That's one thing you can always do to qualify for the free roll is just send 10 bucks. And I appreciate that, but he's already jumping right in the chat room. He's saying, Druff is rubbing one off thinking of Anna Kate. <laughs> and Hockey Guy says he's actually doing that. He's I'm whacking it to Anna right now. <laughs> but uh, no, no. You know, even if I were to do that, I wouldn't do it during this show. I'm going to tell you guys the truth. I'm not just saying this for appearances. I have never once been turned on while doing this radio show. I don't think I've ever had an erection during this radio show, voluntary or involuntary. I've never had like a sexual feeling. I've never had the feeling like, wow, I wish I could quit this and go have sex right now. Never. When I start doing this show, it's like the most asexual undertaking for me. That just sex completely goes out of my mind. I'm probably like thinking about sex the least during this show than any other time. I probably think about sex even more during watching baseball than this show. I mean, at least with baseball, occasionally they'll show like a hot chick in the crowd or or my girlfriend will walk by or something. Here, like with this show, there's just nothing sexual. It's a bunch of dudes most for the most part. There's a few women to listen, but it's a bunch of dudes just like listening to me and talking in the chat room and we're talking about poker. It's, even sexual topics, like I, I don't get turned on by them during this show. This show, this show is just like so non-sexual to me, so – just wanted to mention that. Just just in case you're wondering, just in case you think, I wonder if the reason he doesn't broadcast a video of himself is because of that. Maybe he's whacking it during the show. But no, I would never do that. Some people have asked me, why are you not getting into the 21st century? Why are you not doing a broadcast on Twitch or one of these other sites where you can have yourself on webcam rather than just be audio? Why don't you do that? And my answer is, I I don't like that format. The format I like is radio. Radio is what I grew up with. Radio is what I was a fan of. I'm not a fan, really, of webcam broadcasts, and this is not going to be a webcam broadcast. And I feel more comfortable this way, too, because I I like being able to broadcast without worrying about how I look or am I I playing with my hair or am I making a funny face. Like I, I like just being heard, not seen during these things. So there will never be a video portion to this broadcast. It's always going to be just audio. I don't care if 50 years pass and I'm still alive doing the show. It'll still be audio. Natural born hustler saying I'm just an all-American Jew. Well, <laughs> I guess I am. Anchor Draw is pointing out, Draft is admitted to whacking off in public bathrooms. Jeez. It always has to go this way on this show. Even though I say I'm not turned on during the show, people have to take it this way. I guess it's my fault for bringing up the topic. John Stamos, since we're still on this topic before I get going. He said, Druff puts on a good front, but we know he's really Paul Giamatti's character from Billions and loves a good dominatrix. (laughs) Jeez. Can't believe John Stamos is thinking about me. I've met him before, too. A few times. Okay. So here's the announcement regarding the World Series. It's an announcement about an announcement, literally. I was getting frustrated because I wanted to make my plans for the summer, and I could not. I know the general dates of the World Series, but I'm not available anymore all seven weeks. I used to be there the entire seven weeks. I lived right there in Vegas. I was just there, and I could play whatever I felt like playing. Uh, Times are different now, and I'm a father, and I have other responsibilities, so I can't just hang out in Vegas for seven straight weeks during the World Series. So I like to know the exact schedule so I can put together 
times when I will be there in Vegas for the World Series and times when I won't be. This has, in recent years, come out late January, early February. Well, here we're on February 17th, and there's no World Series schedule. And people are getting so frustrated about it that when I tweeted, hey, where's the World Series schedule? I was getting retweeted and favorited by people who never retweet and favored me. Like even Brock Parker was favoriting my tweet because he must be frustrated about it too. So I want to know the schedule. And I was looking every day. It's not appearing. And I finally said, you know, screw it. I'm going to go directly to the man. I'm going to go directly to the guy who knows. Because there's someone that I can get in contact with at any point who can tell me the answers to such questions rather than me just sitting here and wondering. Because poker players just sit there and wonder. Sometimes I'm guilty of this too. And uh, I realize I don't have to wonder. I realize that... uh, Sorry about that. I I realize that the answer is right at my fingertips. So I contacted none other than Seth Polanski about this matter. Seth Polanski is the VP of communications of the portion of Caesars that does the World Series, and he's, he's very much involved in the World Series. He's, uh, he's one of the bigwigs at the World Series. The, the three bigwigs at the World Series are Ty Stewart, Jack Effel, and Seth Polanski. These are the three guys that are really in charge there. These are the three guys you don't want to get too pissed off or you might get banned from there. So uh, Seth is someone who – I'll give him credit for this. Sometimes I criticize him, but he's very good at communicating. He's VP of communications. He is very good at communicating because whenever I email him, not only does he respond to me, he responds very quickly, even if it's off hours, even if it's something I would expect would take a while to get an answer because he's busy with other things. He always responds really quickly. So this afternoon, I sent an email, and I said, Seth, what's going on with the World Series? Why do we not know yet? And he gave me an answer. Here it is. This is a lesson in this, too. There it is. That was his answer. I screwed that up. <laughs> that really is Seth, though. But here's the real answer. The World Series of Poker full schedule will be presented somewhere between February 21st and March 1st. And if that sounds like a wide range to you, I'll narrow it down. They are shooting to release it between February 21st and February 24th. That's when the that's when they're attempting to get it out. If they don't, it'll be out by March 1st. This is what I've been told by Seth Polanski. And he also wanted to note, and I believe him, that they're not holding this back on purpose. They're not just holding it for dramatic effect. He said, we're not forcing this held back. We just have to finish a few minor details before we release this. He didn't say what they were. It doesn't really matter, but uh, I believe it. I don't know why this is taken up till now, but nevertheless, that's when you can expect it. So you don't have to keep checking this week. It's unlikely to fall this week unless they go ahead of schedule. Start looking on Sunday, February 21st, and it should be within days of then. And at the latest, you'll see it on March 1st. So there you go. We'll probably have it by next week's show. If we don't, we'll talk about it the next week. But I will go over the schedule, tell you what I'm going to play, tell you what I think of the schedule, and tell you how you can buy pieces of me. And I may even play some non-Holdem events this year.
going to read a few texts here because uh, I haven't done that yet. By the way, the World Series schedule really should be released because it's only three and a half months away. You realize that? It's only three and a half months from now it's going to start. In fact, a little less than three and a half months. So people should have more notice than that because you've got to make plans. I don't know why they're so late with this. But anyway, at least Seth answered. At least he answered quickly. I mean, I thought I wouldn't get an answer before the show started, but he answered very quickly. He always answers quickly. He always answers quickly, and he always answers with detail. This is never anyone... You know, Seth is not a guy who sees himself as too busy to respond to me. So I'll give him credit for that. Some some corporate guys just ignore you or give you a one-liner or take two weeks to respond. Okay, here's some text here. From the 510, why the fuck would you bet on Kobe's farewell exhibition? Should have bet on Clay Thompson like me, kid. Got a text from Chauncey Monk, who is we're going to interview about the situation he had with the Kennel Club and getting ripped off there. He said he can come on any time. Good. From the 872, is his free Drexel's dick. This is the guy who wants his Drexel's dick account back, but I can't give it. <laughs> from the 248 saying, Stephen Avery is innocent and Mikon is back. Mikon is pregnant and back. That would be a good trick for a few reasons, especially since Mikon had a vasectomy. And I'm not giving away Mikon's personal secrets here. He tweeted that he had a vasectomy. From the 505, is the call to listen line working? I hope it is. I think I got this text before the show started. Uh, This is from the 707. I didn't get to answer him. But he said he wants to co-host tonight. He said he co-hosted one time last year. He's a Northern California lurker. I'll try to put him on. Try to call him. I'd like to have a co-host here. He said he, he has a few topics tonight he'd like to comment on. And he has a few personal experience. He has some personal experience with a few of the topics. The only thing that disturbs me about this guy's message to me is he wrote the following. Hi, Jeff. I'm the Northern California lurker that co-hosted with you last year. I don't normally get a chance to catch the show, love. (laughs) I don't normally get a chance to catch the show, love. Look, I'm glad that you enjoy the show, but don't call me love. I guarantee I'm not going to see you that way. No matter how good-looking you think you are, I'm not... Don't call me love. I know we're like three days after Valentine's Day. Don't call me love. Now, he was trying to write live there, <laughs> but it came out love. But I'm around tonight, so just read the radio thread and saw the Daredevil was out and was going to offer to come on at the beginning of the show if you wanted. All right, let's try it. Let's give it a shot. Let's see if we should reach him. We're already getting a criticism of this guy from the 510 saying that he's probably a dick from Vallejo. <laughs> Let's uh, let's give this guy a call. Even if he is a dick from Vallejo, we'll give him a call. Team MLK is like hammering calls here. I can't take your call right now, Team MLK. We'll get to you though. Don't worry.
my for someone who calls me love, he's not picking up my phone call. Hello? Hello. Is this the guy who called me love? Oh, that was live. Not <laughs> bad. <laughs> All right. So do you still want to co-host the show with me or have you lost the enthusiasm? Oh, no. I'll, I'll be on. I don't know. Is, is the sound quality all right or would you rather me Skype you back on the headset? No, Skype me back on the headset. You still have my Skype? Uh, yeah. I'll okay. call you back in like a minute. All right. Very good. Thank you. All right. That was the guy who called me love. He's going to be a co-host tonight, unexpected co-host. I should read my text before the show, but I didn't. Uh, Jay Acosta saying he wants to donate $5 in Bitcoin. Jay Acosta, just PM me about it. I keep forgetting to give you my Bitcoin address, and I obviously don't have it memorized, that long-ass thing. All right, so that's the text we've received tonight. And let's go on with the next topic here. TMLK is saying Chad is very angry. Okay. Hockey guy is saying it's Chad. This is such a dirty chat tonight. I think Anna has cum hanging from her left boob. <laughs> Jeez. I don't know what that means. I... It must be something he's seeing to now. Now I really want to download the thing. John Stamos saying he'll give uh, $25 to a trivia game if I decide to do a game on the air tonight. I don't have it prepared, though. I mean, otherwise I would. All right, so is this my co-host? Oh, yes, it is. How's this sound, Todd? Yeah, it sounds good. All right. By the way, why do you have a picture of like a tractor trailer, like a tractor, a digger or something on your uh, Skype? What's the point of that? Oh, the excavator? Oh, an, exca- an excavator. That's a good question. Okay. I guess I just threw it on there randomly. To be honest with you, I've only used Skype twice, and once was to call into your show. So when I set it up, I haven't really changed any of the settings since I've had it, and I didn't really, you know, put much thought into it. Yeah, that's, that's what I always tell people when they see the 2007 picture of me, which I'm yeah. sure you see on there too. I'm not trying to make myself look young here. I just, uh, I just haven't changed it. I think Brandon has an old one up there. I always get fascinated by the Skype pictures. I, I saw I could have uh, taken a video call from you. We could have watched each other during the call, but I, I decided because you called me love that uh, I, I don't want that level of intimacy. Yes. <laughs> okay, so let's, let's get going here with the next topic. And that is the UB thing. Are you familiar with this one with the iOvation getting licensed? Oh, with the the Greg Pearson. With Greg Pearson, yeah. Uh, not too much with it have changed. I kind of followed it when you brought it up earlier when like uh, it had to do with Ultimate Poker, I believe. Yeah. So so here's what's going on. Uh, when iOvation was providing services for Ultimate Poker, we're not talking about Ultimate Bet now, but Ultimate Poker. The excuse at the time being given by Ultimate Poker was, well, Iovation is not directly doing it. They're, they're working for a third-party company who's doing it. Like, that doesn't, that doesn't make it any better. But for those of you that don't know, Greg Pearson was very high up in the UB hierarchy back from the very early days. They, they were uh, providing – his company, Iovation, was providing security I think it was called something else, but it wasn't called Iovation then, but it was... uh... Anyway, his company 
was providing the security for UB, which of course is laughably so that's how the security was. And uh, yeah, it actually wasn't called Iovation. It was. Uh, I'm a little sorry. It's been a while. It's Greg Pearson works for UB, provided the security so- uh, software for UB, and then Iovation was fi- founded later. And one of the accusations is that Greg Pearson's cheating with the super user account on UB, where he could look at everybody's whole cards, was done to fund Iovation, his eventual company that he still has to this day, which is a security company. Uh, When the whole shit hit the fan with the UB scandal, Russ Hamilton's name was dragged through the mud, and rightfully so, because he was one of the main cheaters. But Greg Pearson, hardly anyone knows that name, except real diehards who followed the whole story. So Greg Pearson really got away clean. We even tried to call him once on this show. But he really got away clean. He didn't ever have any criminal charges filed against him. He never had to pay a dime back for any of the money that was stolen. It was very clear that he was involved. He was on tape talking about the cheating and covering it up that Travis McCarr, who was Russ Hamilton's tech guy, provided to us a while back. And there's an email that Travis provided from Russ Hamilton's own laptop where Greg Pearson received the program that uh, was used to look at people's hall cards on UB. So for sure, he had access to do it. And not only that, it was determined that with every release of UB, they had to modify the registry to keep this tool working. So they can't even claim that they put this in a long time ago and it just sat there and they didn't realize Russ was accessing it years later. They had to update it every time they released a new version of UB. When I didn't say a new version, any time it changed a little bit, they had to keep updating it. So they definitely wanted this tool to see whole cards to consistently work. And Russ Hamilton did not have the technical know-how to do it. He was not a computer guy. Mansoor Matlubi, who also was said to have been involved in the cheating, and in fact has been hiding and won't come back to the U.S. ever since this broke. He had no technical ability. The only one with technical ability was Greg Pearson that was suspected of being involved with this. There had to be someone on the tech side that was doing it, and the tech side at the time was managed by Greg. And he definitely knew about this because there's an email chain where he was sent by one of the programmers the file that he needed to make the whole thing work and see the whole cards. So it's very convincing that Greg either directly cheated and benefited directly from money stolen from the players or that he knew about it. He knew about the cheating. So Greg Pearson's a very bad guy. But unlike Russ Hamilton, he has gotten away mostly unscathed. He has a lot of money. He has a respected company called Iovation that there's very little written anywhere on the web except for sites like Poker Fraud Alert and Haley Hintz's uh, articles on FlushDraw.net. There's very little written about Iovation. If you just Google Iovation, uh, I mean, there's a recent story what we're going to talk about about being recommended for by the Nevada Gaming Commission, but for the most part, it's just stuff about the company. Nothing about how it's founded by a UB cheater with likely UB cheating money that was stolen from us. And that this guy got away with it, despite 
so much evidence that this guy was involved. So this is really bad. Yes, yeah, it was IE logic. I knew I knew it was something with an I that was before I ovation. IE logic was what Greg Pearson was originally involved with that provided the security for UB. But he was a very high ranking employee at UB, Greg Pearson. He was the main tech guy there. The tech guys at UB answered to him. So, getting back to the present, Iovation applied to be able to provide geolocation information for legalized Nevada gambling. The reason geolocation information is needed is that Nevada state law allows for online poker to be played online, you know, obviously online, and, uh, and also sports betting to be done online. But you have to be in the state of Nevada. You have to physically be located. You don't have to live there, but you have to physically be located in Nevada to do these things. And if you're outside of the state, then number one, you're breaking federal law. Number two, you're breaking state law. So in order to prevent this from occurring, they use technology called geolocation technology, which basically locates where you are at the moment when you try to do these things. And it uses a few factors. It uses your IP address, and more importantly, it uses your cell phone, which you register to it, where it locates where your cell phone is, and it, it's, it's done in a way that you can't fake it. There are ways to fake the GPS in your cell phone. But this isn't done with your cell phone's GPS. This is using the towers that your cell phone's communicating with. So there's really no way to do that because you can't communicate with that tower unless you're relatively close to the tower. So you can't be in California communicating with a Nevada tower because your signal won't reach there. So there's really no way around the cell phone thing unless you just want to leave a cell phone with a friend in Nevada. And then I guess you can get around it that way. But there's no way technologically to get around it. So that's what geolocation is. Originally, Iovation was providing the identity verification for Ultimate Poker, one of the legalized online rooms that has since closed. And as I said, they were providing it through a third-party company. So Iovation was not licensed in Nevada. They were not hired directly by Nevada, by, by Ultimate Poker. They were providing services to the company that was licensed. So Iovation now wants to be licensed. Whenever you want to get licensed by the Nevada Gaming Commission for anything related to gaming, they have to investigate you. And the whole point of this is to keep shady people out of gambling. This was originally started a long time ago, before most of us were born, to try to keep mobsters and other criminals out of the legal gambling enterprises. Of course, in the early days in Vegas, that wasn't very successful. But uh, but nowadays, they, they really try, supposedly, to keep the undesirables out of gambling, out of legalized gambling. So you would think when there's a hearing, an investigation of Iovation, who wants to be licensed in Nevada to provide these services that immediately they would find from a simple Google search everything that Greg Pearson has done and not allow them to be part of it. 
Forget about the cheating. Greg Pearson, during his time with Ultimate Bet, was offering games to U.S. citizens, which were illegal. So he was doing that. I mean, forget about all the cheating stuff. There was just that alone that they could have disqualified him. So, thankfully, some people went to the Nevada Gaming Commission and said, whoa, 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 do not give this guy a license. We do not want him in the legalized online poker market. He should not be here after everything he's done. And they tried to provide evidence about everything that Greg Pearson said Greg Pearson had done. So Haley Hintz, who has been very closely following the AP and UB scandals since they broke, she was going to the Nevada Gaming Commission and providing them with her mountains of evidence, but they didn't want to see it. The Nevada Gaming Commission, the employee she spoke with, said that they wanted a single page of smoking gun evidence against any particular employee of Iovation. Which you can't do. This is a complicated story. You can't put this on a single page. They wanted something simple like... Uh, here's a video of, of Greg Pearson cheating on UB. I mean, that's not what they asked for specifically, but that, that's what they're looking for. Something like very, very, very simple, straightforward, and impossible to refute. Not like this with Greg Pearson, where uh, we don't have 100% direct smoking gun evidence you could put on one page, but if you add everything together, the circumstantial evidence definitely makes him look very, very guilty. They didn't want that. They didn't want to look into the obvious truth that he was uh, a high-ranking official at UB that was offering games that were illegal without a license, including to Nevada residents. They didn't care about that either. They wanted like a single smoking gun piece of evidence that proved that he's unfit. So what does that say about the about the gaming board? Either they're extremely lazy or they're intentionally burying their head in the sand about this one? No, I think they're just stupid and lazy. I think they don't understand all this stuff. I think it's kind of like too complicated for them to understand it. So they're like, oh, shit. Like, we don't feel like learning about UB and the cheating and the online poker cheating and uh, iOvation, IE Logic. Like, you know what? Just give us something simple. Give us something easy that we can just – Read and say, okay, he's guilty and, and, and deny him. Otherwise, forget it. We're just going to approve it. So uh, Haley tried to condense it to things that were most incriminating, but it didn't work. This is what uh, they put out for their agenda for... Uh, I guess it'll be tomorrow, February 18th. Application for licensure as service provider. Geolocation service provider only. Gaming Control Board recommends approval. Condition number one, iOvation is limited to geolocation service provider only. Two, iOvation must notify the Gaming Control Board of any new contracts or changes to any existing geolocation contract within 30 days of execution. And three, any change in the ownership interest of the licensee must be reported in writing to the Gaming Control Board of 30 days, 30 days of such change. It's BS. Like, those aren't very big conditions. They're just saying, 
All you can do is provide geolocation services, and if anything changes with your company, let us know. But let us know in one page or less. Yeah. <laughs> now, the weird thing, and I can't figure out what this means, it says at the bottom in parentheses, Reed voted no. Now, I don't know if they're talking about Senator Harry Reed. I don't know what he has to do with this or if it's a different Reed. And this article I'm reading about it does not describe what that means, Reed voted no. If, if, if so, if it really is Harry Reed, then it's the first good thing he's done. But uh, I don't know what that means, but that's at the bottom of this agenda for tomorrow. Supposedly, John Mahaffey of, uh, I think it's uspoker.com, is that... Uh, He's a he's a poker journalist. Is uspoker.com? Yeah. John Mahaffey of uspoker.com is going to go there tomorrow to try to speak against Greg Pearson, so good for him. Very happy that someone's going to show up and do that. I would do it, but I'm not there. So, Iovation, first of all, they were providing the security at UB, and you saw what happened. Greg Pearson was a top tech guy during the entire time of the cheating. Iovation, Greg Pearson's company, was founded with mysterious money that just showed up all of a sudden shortly after the cheating scandal. Another thing that was done that didn't necessarily hurt us as players, but also should have disqualified Greg Pearson, was the fact that they lied about where the company was incorporated. Everything Iovation was doing was coming out of Portland, which is where Iovation is currently and where Greg Pearson has been for a very long time. Well, this would have meant that they were offering online poker from the U.S. They weren't just offering it to the U.S., they were offering it from the U.S., because a lot of things that that uh, was done for UB, as late as 2009, by the way, because as Haley Hintz found some proof of that from a fax that was sent, all the business that IE Logic was providing for UB Greg Pearson's company providing security there. It was all being done out of Portland. They claimed that uh, they were in Toronto, but they were not. Toronto was like a it was like a bogus corporate shield, but in reality, everything was really taking place in both Costa Rica and Portland. And Haley Hintz came up with a fax that was actually sent to Ted Forrest in two thousand nine. That showed the fax number, where it came from, with a 503 Portland area phone number. And she sent that to the Nevada Gaming Commission, but they didn't seem to care. Pitt Forest, by the way, was a minority owner there for a while. So... This was after the UIGEA was passed, and as late as 2009... Greg Pearson's company was conducting business for UB in Portland, which is very illegal. It's bad enough to provide this stuff to people in the U.S., but to actually do it from the U.S. makes it even worse. Somehow they didn't care. Haley sent this in, they didn't care. So I think that they they just don't understand online poker very well. They don't want to learn about the scandal They don't want to put the effort in. They don't want to put the time in. They don't want to pick apart all this evidence. As far as they see, Greg Pearson was in charge of the crime. There's no what they call smoking gun against Greg Pearson that they can condense into a page. They don't feel like looking into this Portland connection. They they just don't feel like doing it. I think they're just lazy. Yeah, unfortunately, Todd, I think a lot of people involved in government now 
just are kind of intimidated by the internet as a whole. So they kind of just write it off since they don't understand it. That's pretty much what's happening. And I, I just don't understand. Even if they want to say, well, there's no proof Greg Pearson really cheated. Yeah, it's suspicious, but we can't prove he cheated. Fine, throw the cheating out. I and mean, we know he did it, but throw it out. Just make it simple. He was operating from Portland, supporting UB, an unlicensed illegal site, offering it to Americans from America. That right there. Yeah, that's even worse than what Poker Stars was doing. And you can see that they were, you know, getting singled out on all, all like those bad actor clauses. And this was way worse than that. Right. They weren't even operating from the U.S. And they weren't yeah. cheating people. But to put yeah. that aside, like they, yeah, they, they keep, they're having trouble getting licenses in various states in the U.S. to operate. And they didn't operate from the U.S. So, and this is just geolocation. Like, the, I don't see why they even want to approve this guy. It's not like Nevada is going to take a big hit. If they don't approve Iovation, it's not like this is a major company that's going to provide a poker room that's going to make the state a lot of money. So they're looking past these things. This is just a geolocation service. There's so many of them that could be chosen. There are geolocation services operating right now that have nothing to do with Iovation. So I don't know why they should get a license. It doesn't help Nevada at all. They're just not doing their due diligence even when it's being presented to them on a silver platter by people like John Mahaffey and Haley Hintz. So it's very disappointing. It's, it's, it just makes me feel like this is all a sham, this whole process, that these people who cheated us are just going to insert themselves into the legalized online poker market and get away with it. They'll just be right there. And that's, that's why I've been fighting so hard to get people fired who are involved with this, uh, people like Annette Oberstadt and people like... Uh, Bonnie Lane hosts, and none of them were nearly as bad as Greg Pearson. He's been one of the worst cheating figures poker's ever had. He and Russ Hamilton were the worst, too. If you want to blame two people, the two people most culpable for stealing the most money from poker players, that would be Russ Hamilton and Greg Pearson. Oddly enough, if Russ Hamilton tried to apply for a license, he'd get rejected because he was all over TV and the news reports and everything like that. He's the face of the scandal. But Greg Pearson got away. And it's not like Greg Pearson was just a programmer there and it's you know he, he can claim, oh, I was just doing what my boss told me and I wasn't cheating and these are these are false accusations. He was the head of security, he was the head of software there. He had a very, very big managerial role on the techno technical side there. So how you can say that someone like that was not aware or involved in the cheating, when they especially, especially when they had to update the registry every time that they updated the software to make it work. Obviously. Obviously he knew. And was very now, likely doing it. Now, is this the same guy, I may be off base, but is this the same guy that whose wife had some kind of weird like sex problem with like a minor yes. or a student or something? Yes. His wife was accused of having sex with a minor, a, a male minor. I think he was 16 or something. Okay, I thought that was Yeah, and for whatever guy. reason, uh, Greg stayed with her. You, you'd think he would ditch her. Like, Imagine finding out your wife is having sex with a 16-year-old boy. Like, I'm sorry. That's like, that's like the worst. That's worse than finding out that she's having sex with like another man. Like just – that just seems really weird to me. 
It's it's beyond just cheating. It's like cheating and just like really weird. Yeah, and it's like if that's what she likes, well, I can never give her that because yeah. how could you ever go become sixteen again? Yeah, you can't. That's so what I would think. Feel weird, right? Right. Not only is it just kind of weird and sick, but like you think, okay, well, that's what she's fantasizing about when she's with me. She's like uh, picturing a sixteen-year-old boy instead. Like, like I would never want that. Anyway, he he stuck with her, and I guess Greg didn't have much money at the time. And another rumor that this one's not verified was that he started doing the UB cheating to raise money for her defense. So uh-huh. that would, would be... make a hell of a some kind of like, you know, mystery TV episode. <laughs> that would be that would be a good episode of, of <laughs> something like that for sure, like Law and Order or something. Yeah, that's uh, yeah. So that that's that weird side story. I don't know why Greg did, just didn't ditch her, unless he was like turned on by it in some weird way. Maybe he was like one of these cuckold guys that gets turned on by his wife having sex with other dudes. But this is like a 16-year-old boy, I think. 16, 17. Something like he was underage. He wasn't like, he wasn't like a little boy, like 10 years old, but it was like a teenager. Now, that, the whole cuckolding thing, that's something I've like never understood. I just thought that was like a term, but I didn't realize it had as much prevalence as it probably does. No, no, it's, it's, it's a thing. Like, sense. Yeah, I don't understand it either. There, there's some guys who get turned on by their wife or girlfriend having sex with other men, either while they're there to watch it or not there to watch and just hear about it. For some reason, that's like a big turn on to... And like this isn't like an open marriage. An open marriage is where both sides do it. So like your wife has sex with someone else, but you have sex with it with the different women also. Uh, but this isn't that. This is where only the wife does it and the guy yeah, stays faithful. That's why it never made any sense to me. It, it doesn't make sense to me either. I, it must be something that... Some guys get. To, I, I always think that maybe it might like me like be a, a gay or bisexual thing where something like the other man gets sexualized in some way. Because like to me, anything involving other dudes, like I don't want to ever think about. Yeah, that's instant turn off right there. Yeah, that's any anything involving other dudes. I I don't want to hear about other guys that my girlfriend has been with. I, I just don't want to hear about it. Like I know it's I know they're not virgins before they're with me, but I just, I, I don't want to hear about it or think about it. I just I I don't want to. Other guys watching when I'm having sex. I just, I just don't want other guys there or involved in any way. It yeah, just... you brought that up on. I think you brought that up on radio, or maybe it was Brandon or the two of you discussing that. And yeah. I'm, I'm I'm with you. It's like you know there's a past there, but there's no need to go digging into it. Yeah, it's just anyway. I, I don't know why Greg stayed with her. Very weird story, but he did. I think he's still with her. Weird, weird dude. Obviously, <laughs> if you're capable of you know committing those kind of crimes and stuff, obviously you're probably not quite right. Yeah, that was a lovely crew over there at Ultimate Bet. And uh, Russ Hamilton, by the way, the biggest motivation he had, supposedly, for doing this cheating was he was really obsessed with this Ultimate Blackjack tour that he created, and it needed funding. And that was supposedly his idea, that he's going to fund it with cheating money. Because that's what was so important to him. Even though he was very big into UB, too. UB didn't excite him too much. He, he was really into the Ultimate Blackjack tour. He thought that was going to be a huge thing. It ended up being a failure, but he thought it was going to be a huge thing. So he needed funding for it, and that was the way he did it. Also, interestingly, uh, when the numbers for the UB and AP Aruba tournament were low, Russ would use the cheating to get additional people there. Basically, that would be the way they'd accumulate seats, is by winning through, uh, through cheating. Yeah, kind of like it's weird. Kind of like having props, but for a tournament. Or something. Yeah, that's that's except it was props paid for by us. But yeah, in fact, yeah. I may have been paid for with one of that uh, one of those uh, cheating seats because I was given a seat by 
AP, but then had to wear a UB cap. And this is right as it was just starting to come out what was happening. Not on UB yet, but only for AP. It was just being figured out. Like a day or two after I made that first post mentioning a super user on there. Then I left to go on this Aruba trip where I got a free seat from AP. So I always wondered, maybe that seat came from Russ Hamilton cheating. So that was, uh, I'm not sure if they would directly win it through satellites, through cheating accounts, and then just hand them off to people like me without us ever knowing, or if they just directly won money and that's how they just funded the sponsored players like me. But yeah, something I don't like to talk about is uh, for one tournament, I was a UB sponsored player. Uh, don't worry, I don't think you'll get the scamitar for that. <laughs> so, I actually wore a UB, a UB cap and everything. Ooh, that picture would be solid gold if somebody had it. Yeah, it's, you know, and it would have existed if I didn't take a bad beat, probably, because I got pretty deep in that tournament, and there really were a lot of bad players in that tournament. Like, uh, I got pretty deep on, and I was on day two, and even though I just couldn't get very good cards and I was short-stacked, like, everyone at the table was so passive and easy to run over. Someone even at the table commented, they called me the short big stack because I was playing like a big stack with a short stack. But it was working. That's the funny thing is that uh, I was able to run over everybody and uh, I got busted in that tournament just before the money. Not quite on the bubble, but very close to the money. When I had ace five and the board was queen five five and a 75-year-old man to my direct left had king five and a king hit the turn. Oh, man. So that was the end of me. Games otherwise, are good. I, Games are good. Otherwise, I may have I may have made it all the way to the you know, very very deep, and maybe I would have been. They, this wasn't on TV, but there probably would have been pictures of me in that UB cap. I, I was very disappointed at that moment, and uh, I even had people telling me when I busted that, like, "Oh, I just want to let you know, man, you were the best player at the table." And I like I wasn't used to hearing that because I you know, I was mainly a limit player. I was like, "Wow, I'm deep in the tournament, and then I'm being told I'm the best." I'm being told by people that I'm the best player at the table, and I and I was the best player at the table. Like I. And I, I don't feel that way a lot of times at the World Series in these no limit events. Like there's, uh, I I don't think I've ever felt except for the, like maybe a really good table draw at the beginning. I've never felt like deep in a World Series tournament that I'm like way better than everybody there. But I, I felt it at this one back in '07, and I'm a better no limit player now than I was in '07. So it was a good tournament, but uh, yeah, I had a UB cap on. So anyway. This is very bad. I hope that John Mahaffey gets through to them tomorrow, but he probably won't. Not through any of his fault, but just they don't seem to want to hear it over there. And prepare for IOvation to be providing the geolocation services. So they will be accessing the data of where you are, which is kind of scary. Think of Greg Pearson, everything he did. His company's going to have data from your cell phone of where you are at every moment. That's basically what geolocation is. In fact, I get reminders from WSOP.com every so often. Just to let you know, we're tracking you, so text us stop if you don't want that anymore. Well, so here's a question for you. When they're doing that, like I assume when you sign up for a poker site, you have to like accept some kind of thing, like accept the geolocations. Now, does, it, does that mean they can track your phone forever from there on out? Or if you like delete their software or something, will it go away? Well, that's why there's that thing where you text stop to them. So I don't know what the procedure is going to be with iOvation, but like with the World Series of Poker on their site, you have to text them stop if you'd want them to stop tracking you. Oh, okay. But like right now, I haven't turned it off, so they're tracking me. They they see exactly where I am at every secret location. Now, sometimes it's a little bit off. Sometimes they can't get it 
closer than like within a mile, but sometimes they get very close. In fact, I, I posted a link a while ago on Poker Fraud Alert of there was a website you could use to test geolocation technology, and you'd uh, you'd enter the info and it, it would verify it was you by like texting you first, so you couldn't like locate other people with it. Like it would, it was something like you'd enter your phone number and it text you a co- verify yeah, like text, code. Yeah, verify code. You verify yeah. it back, and then it tells you where it found you. And it's it was pretty close. It got within like I think a half mile of where I was. So, all right. Not much more to say about that. It just it just sucks. It just it really disappoints me. I really hate seeing it. It's it's kind of depressing. I kind of always thought, okay, you you get to the legalized side of things, and this is all going to stop, and people like Greg Pearson won't be able to participate. And if they do participate, this will come out, and they'll be shut out. But no, they just don't want to hear it. And you know, it's not just gambling. It's like I, I feel like there's a lot of industries. We're kind of higher up executive types like this. There's kind of like a good old boys club where they can, will kind of hire, they kind of like recycle the employees. You know, like well, I've seen where a lot of guys can screw up at two jobs and then they'll just get accepted to another, almost kind of like coaching in professional sports. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You, you know, just... they, they kind of get recycled around. And I know some, some people personally who lived in my town who worked in like loan officer type jobs who, you know, they ended up sticking a bunch of people for money, ran, ran up a bunch of debt, filed for bankruptcy, left town, went and became a politician in another town for about seven or eight years, and then came back after that because they thought it was like a cooling off period. Now they're right back here in the exact same industry doing the same thing they were before. Yeah, it's crazy. And, and by the way, someone's saying in the chat that it doesn't work this way anymore. They don't track. That's what T-Buck27 is saying. And I just got this text from WSOP.com a short time ago, like a few days ago, saying that they're tracking and that uh, I need to text them stop if I don't want it to continue. I got this a few days ago, so I don't know what he's talking about. I think he's incorrect there, unless that text I got is wrong. But, like, these would come through every so often, including one a few days ago. That's what made me think of it. Wait, so what was T-Buck saying that they only trace your phone when you go to play? I don't know what I don't know if that's what he's saying, but yeah, here's what here's what it's I just got on Friday this past Friday at five or four p.m. Reminder: mobile phone location enabled with WSOP. Reply: stop to cancel. That's that's what they've always texted me for years. They they seem to do it every month. It seems like every month on the twelfth they do it. In fact, it was exactly five o four or five o three p.m. every time. I never maybe that. it's some notice they're required to give. It must be. See, he keeps saying they don't use your phone any longer, but I'm, I'm getting those texts. It sounds like they do. Unless that's a, they're just sending these texts automatically and they're not using it. I mean, I haven't checked into it in a while. but If they're not using the phone, how are they doing it? Just with IP? Because IP can easily be faked. Yeah, that seems pretty flimsy. Yeah, I don't... Oh, Tilted Stone, who was involved in the... Original, uh, oh, no, that's a different person. Never mind. That's Tilted Plastic, and I forgot. Never mind. I was going to say he was involved with the UB software, but that's a different guy. Never mind. He's saying, IP, this puppy monkey baby saying it's IP address. I don't think I believe it. 
I don't know why they would drop the phone thing because that's really the strongest thing they're using other than leaving the phone with somebody else. You can't fake that. You can fake the IP very easily with a VPN or anything else. So how strict do you think they're going to be? Like, say a Las Vegas operating online poker company, say it was found out that clients were easily getting around their geolocation things and that they didn't do enough to protect this. You think, like, big deal, little deal, or no deal? Uh, I think they'd probably get some warnings or some fines. I've always wondered what will happen to the person who does it. Like if you're the if you're purposely trying to play in Nevada rooms when you're in California and circumventing the protection, will they just confiscate your money? Will they fine you? Will they try to send you to jail? What are they going to do? And uh, and will they go across state lines to get you? Will will they just put a warrant out for you in Nevada? But if you don't come back to Nevada, you won't be in trouble. Like I've always wondered like what will happen if you do that. I've I've never gotten a clear answer on that. Yeah, I've never heard of anyone. Uh doing that or getting in trouble for that so i don't know if there's even much of a precedent for it yet well in nevada people wouldn't do it because it's pretty much a fail site so most people aren't going to want to commit a crime to play on there yeah that's true in new, in new jersey is a little bit better so i don't know if people outside of jersey are pulling this but we'll get to someone shortly though who is pulling this to play on poker stars through a vpn who is also accused of some other things we're talking about sorel mizzy so i want to call someone now who says that he was a victim twice of once a theft and then a mugging in the same month at the Palm Beach Kennel Club, which is a poker room in West Palm Beach, Florida. His name is Chauncey Monk. I did not know him until a few days ago when he texted me or he tweeted to me to take a look at his thread on 2 Plus 2 about what happened to him. So... Rather than describe this on my own, I'm going to call up Chauncey. I do have his phone number, and I will see if uh, if he answers. Knowing our luck on this show, he probably won't, but we're going to give it a shot. He said I can call him, quote, any time, and it's pretty late where he is. It's in Florida, so it's already after midnight. But he is a poker pro, so after midnight doesn't mean much. Poker pros tend to have pretty late hours. Myself included. Hello? Hello, is this Chauncey Monk? Yeah, this is him. Yeah, hi. So I'm Todd Dandruff with Tellus on Poker Fraud Alert Radio. Uh, yeah, a- yeah, I've been... I've been listening. Oh, you've been listening. Okay, very good. So I haven't told much of your story. I I told the story in the intro, but uh, I haven't told it in detail. And uh, I always like the victim to speak for themselves rather than uh, me telling the whole story for them. Uh, Just just to introduce this, though, uh, you're a player. You're a professional poker player, plays mostly live at the Palm Beach Kennel Club in uh, West Palm Beach, Florida. Is that correct? Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, and uh, so you had a very unfortunate December 2015, to say the least. Uh, yeah, I guess that's what you could say. Yeah, so I I got this story tweeted to the Poker Fraud Alert Twitter account by you. Yes. And I actually, uh, yeah, a friend had, had recommended I'd sent a story to a bunch of friends, and a friend of mine listens to your um, 
listened to your radio show and recommended me post my story to you. So Yeah, that was, that was a good decision because I always want to cover these things. And whenever I hear things like this, I always try to offer – would you like to come on my show and explain it? We have about a thousand people that listen between live and, and the archives. Yes, I'm saying archives sure, on purpose. Yeah. I'm saying it that way on purpose, in case you're wondering. Uh, but we have about a thousand people, so it'll get your story out to a thousand people, and that's that's a good thing. And uh, the more pressure that's put on organizations or people that wrong others in the poker world, the better. And uh, yes. so I, I thought that you were wronged in a few ways here. I, I don't know. I didn't think you had that much as far as uh, remedies legally that you can do, but still at the very least this can be publicized. So uh, let's, let's start what happened in December. The first thing that happened that I guess uh, you, you have a lot of cash to play at yes. the games there at uh, the Palm beach kennel club. And, uh, you have a safety deposit box there where you can store the cash and the chips, but yes. apparently it's it's closed sometime late at night. Can you explain that? Um, well, yeah. Well, basically, and I, um, they're bigger games there. I, I was staked for a lot of like bigger PLO games and Hold'em games, and I had a huge issue with, and I don't know if you know it or most people know it, but a lot of the games in South Florida are private, like the bigger games are set up by a host, like they have a poker host there that sets up those games. I was all having a lot of trouble getting into those games, like, and that's probably what started off such a horrible rapport with me and this poker room manager is that I would go to the poker room manager, I would try to get in these games, they would lock me out. At, at one point, like, a player was running these games, so it was always, like, a main thing to me to, like, always have money and always be there right, at, right on time when these games started, like, that next day, that I could get into them, you know, so that somebody couldn't pull, you know, if a whale walked in, you know, they obviously were going to give my seat away to somebody like that. So, um, so you're saying you had to, that they, they they didn't want you in the game, so unless you were right there to grab an open seat, that they would try to give it away yes, very at, quickly. Yes, at, at times I was invited to these games, but there's a lot of times I was locked out, you know, if a whale was coming in from some location, you know, if a whale was in town and he would obviously get the seat above me, but like... If I, you know, I had no advantage. Like there was, a, they they had lists and stuff, and they they usually basically they did whatever they could to keep me from getting seats. And other pros among myself had to battle that same fight. Um, yeah. So so they was, were <laughs> right. So they were. I, I don't want to get too much away from the main points of what happened here, but, but yeah, 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 you're you're basically setting up. They already didn't like you because you were complaining about that situation. So yes, and I think that's what caused most of the bad relationship that happened. From that point on, yeah. So, so you, so I guess this. Why do they close the room with the safety deposit box? You say they close at four a.m. Yeah, well, they're only open. They're only in, in Florida. They're, the casinos are like this. Dog traps only open from ten a.m. to four a.m. And then on the weekends, it's open twenty four seven. And I and I didn't. And for whatever reason, I was playing all that day, and I got into a two five game after I had been playing PLO, so I had a ton of cash on me. Well, when I went to, I had played two five until like five thirty or something. Whenever the incident happened, that I dropped this money, I tried to go to the cage and I couldn't go to my box. Well, I I, I'm, I'm confused bring, there. Bring I'm, I'm sorry, I'm confused. If they close the room at four, how are you still playing at five thirty? On the weekends, they're open twenty four hours. Okay, so so what you're saying is on the weekends they're open twenty four hours, but the box is still closed at four. Yes. Correct. Okay, so that's that's a big flaw there. That they do you know when they reopen on the weekends? Ten. Uh, they're open. They're open twenty four hours. On no, the I'm saying the boxes. Open, they, they, what hours can I the use? Box, 
I, I believe you can come in at like 8 a.m. or something and, and get back in your box, but I'm not exactly so, sure. So for some reason, for, so for whatever reason on the weekends, the safety deposit boxes, which for those of you that don't know are very important to have at uh, any card room where you bring a lot of cash in because you, you don't want to walk back out in the parking lot with all this money, uh, that those boxes are closed between 4 and 8, 8 a.m. on the weekends. So if you finish playing at that time, you're just screwed. Uh, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> So, so I get so at five a.m. or five thirty or so, you quit and you couldn't get into the boxes. So, so then what happened? Um, I just proceeded to. I went to the restroom real quick. I walked out of the restroom. I usually have my money separated in like hundred dollar bills, like I have all my hundreds and then all my small bills just wadded up in rubber bands. I walked to the door. Um, got halfway home. I realized I grabbed my ID to get into the gate. I have to have an ID to get in the gate to my house. I realized, oh my gosh, I'm missing a wad of $100 bills. Immediately called my buddy who was playing still. He's still in the game I was playing. I told him to go to the floor. He went to the floor. Um, by the time I, and this, I live only like five minutes away. Within 10 minutes, I'm back to the casino. The floor showing me a picture of this guy. And uh, basically, he just gets away on foot. Now, the, the picture of him, was it clear or was it uh, not very clear? It's not very clear, and I have like a picture of him posted on my two plus two link. Like, if you go through the through the thread, you can look. I posted a picture of what they have. Like, their gaming cameras at the at Kennel Club. Um, they're basically just for like the gaming use. Like, they want to see the tables. They don't want to. Like, this guy was there for hours. He he had it was from what the poker room manager told me. They have him going to the cage. They have him smoking outside. They have him coming in, in, in and out of the, in and out of the main entrance multiple times. Now, how do they identify um, him? If, if there's no cameras in the bathroom, as I assume there's not, how do they identify he's the one who's, who grabbed the money that he found well, on the floor of the bathroom? Well, you can see on, you can see on camera me walking out and the money. I'm I like grabbing, I'm like grabbing my car keys. I'm wearing sweatpants. The money falls on the floor. He's like within that, within that frame. He's right behind me. He sees it. He picks up the money. He heads for the door and he walks out. So you can I, I thought you dropped the money in the bathroom though. Was it in the bathroom or by the bathroom? No, right outside the bathroom. Oh, right, right outside, outside the bathroom. The bathroom right outside. You know what's funny? I, I don't want to start talking about me here, but I, I can relate to this because I actually dropped seven thousand dollars in the commerce bathroom about two years ago. <laughs> I I was uh, I usually don't have a lot of money in the bathroom, but I I had been I thought a game was open. It turned out it wasn't. I'd already taken money out of my box. And I had the money in my pocket. I'm like, oh, crap. So I went to the bathroom, and somehow it just fell out. And I went to go sit down at the table. I'm like, about five minutes later, I'm like, I want to make sure I didn't drop that money in there. I reach in my pocket, and it's gone. Like, oh, my God. And I was sure I was out $7,000. I got up. I sprinted to the bathroom. And amazingly, it's just sitting on the floor. So I, I got luckier than you, and I, I, I yeah. recovered the money. I could not believe it. And the, a security guard actually saw me sprinting to the bathroom. So when I walked back out, he's like, what were you running for? I said, I dropped this money in there. He goes, whoa, man, you were lucky. So I, yeah, I was nice, lucky. Nice run, good. <laughs> so, yeah, I ran a lot better yeah. than you did, for sure. So, so, so this guy, so they had him on camera picking up your money. I didn't know that. See, that was, I missed that. I thought that uh, somehow they just determined it. So they have yeah. him on camera picking yeah. up your money. They, yeah, they had his picture posted, like, in the break room, and actually, like, a dealer that had worked there hadn't, hadn't knew this guy, so um, that dealer, like, gave me his phone number. Um, he's like, he, this dealer owned, like, a barber shop, and this dealer explained to me, you know, I'll check into this. He was at my barber shop. He said, basically, you know, 
um, let me let me talk with my barbers. If they know who this guy is, if I can get a name or something for you, I'll let you know. And the casino, they didn't know who he was, even though they had his picture. They said they didn't know who he was. Yeah, they didn't. They didn't know who he was. Um, the poker room, my manager assured me that like he would look into the issue. Um, blah blah blah. And actually, a second incident happened where this dealer or this dealer had noticed that this guy had come back in like weeks later. So this dealer, um, instead of going to like this foreign security who was scared that basically um, that this guy would like know who he was and that he'd get ratted out. So he called me. And so I ended up getting a call one night, a couple weeks later that this guy was there. So um, I rushed to the casino to try to ID this guy immediately went to the floor. Um, The floor brought me into the security office and like, they explained explained the basic. We looked at the cameras, and they he said, "Yeah, he just left as you got here." Well, as far as I knew, I thought the floor was going to handle this with the poker room manager. Like weeks late, weeks after this robbery, when I'm talking with the poker room manager, the robbery where I was had a gun pointed at me. Um, the poker room manager basically brings up this entire in- incident and says, "You know, I knew nothing about it. Why, you know?" And I'm like, "Well, that I I it basically blames me." And, the, and, the, and now these two people are fired. Like well, we're, fired we're, we're, we're getting a little ahead here. Let's let's stick to the. the I'm yeah. trying to do the story sequentially, sequentially, so everyone understands. So, so you with this thing with the dropped money. Before we get to the actual robbery, the, the dropped money. This dealer who you knew there tipped you off that this this guy who did it, who t- picked up your dropped money, was back playing there. You ran down there to co- to go confront him, but then by the time you got there, uh, he was gone, and yeah. uh, and so. Then uh, a few weeks later, you reported and you were making reference to this that again you had about thirteen thousand dollars on you. I, I think you know they like to say the number thirteen is unlucky. I think in your case, uh, you should never ca- you should never carry yeah, thirteen yeah. thirteen thousand dollars ever again. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you should make it uh, twelve or fourteen. Don't be thirteen. So you had thirteen thousand dollars. I'm not again. exactly sure what, when I dropped the money how much I had. When I reported it, I said it was in between ten and thirteen thousand dollars. Yeah. I don't know exactly. I don't know exactly. I, no, it was roughly around in that number. Part yeah. of it was my. I know there was around. There was at least ten thousand because that's what I had from my backers. And of course, I ate all that money. Own my, of my. I ate all that money, but I had a portion portion of my own money that I was using to play two five that was in with that money. So yeah. Well, if you covered it anyway, then it's around thirteen k. If you covered it all anyway, then it doesn't matter which was yours and which was the backers. If you covered it, yeah, it's the same yeah. thing. So yeah, exactly. so so you. Uh, so then what happened? So a few weeks later, you had 13K on you again, and, and again, the, the box was closed. It was after uh, 4 a.m. No, no, the box was not closed. Oh, so what happened um, here? So I was playing late one night. It was like a, it was like, I think it was a little after the New Year, so it was like January 3rd or January 4th or something like that. It was just a regular day of the week. The room closed at 4 a.m., um, I had been playing in a bigger PLO game that day, and instead of going to the cage, I decided to keep a bunch of chips in my bag. Like, I had pumpkins, um, which are 1K chips for those who don't know what a pumpkin is. Um, I had probably around 3K in cash and about 10K in chips in my bag. And um, for what I should have went to my box, but I had a game that started, uh, a game that I was invited to play that next morning at, like, 1030, so... When you come into the kennel club, usually the cage, it takes them a while to get the, for whatever reason, for them to get to your security boxes. I don't know if the, they just let the lady who runs that, she comes in late or whatever reason, but I've always had trouble 
doing that. And so my reason for why I put the money in my bag, and I know it's not a very good reason, is I wanted to get in that game the next morning. I didn't want to have to deal with waiting to get into my box. So I was like, I'm going to put the money in my bag, go home, first thing come in the morning, be able to get in this game. Um, yeah, I proceeded out out of the casino. There's a security van. I, I pay, and I, and I obviously I pay the extra $2 to park up close to the building, which they have like a security guard in. Um, I walked out to the to the parking lot. Um, basically, somebody there's a guy in a van. He jumped out of the back of the van, tapped me on the shoulder, asked me for my bag, showed me a gun. I dropped it. I ran to the secu- uh, security guard that was in an SUV at the end of the lot. He appeared to like have no idea what was going on. I, you know, I'm like screaming help. You know, I'm panicking. Uh, I get to him. He takes off towards the suspect as. As, as I'm running to the security guard, I, I can still see the guy running. He's, like, jumping fences. He heads to a car lot. For whatever reason, I chase him. I'm, chase him. I dial 911. Um, a police officer from the kennel club um, pulls up uh, in the middle of the street. Basically, I get in his car. We start looking for him. Never find him. Now, okay, now i, I got to stop you here because I'll tell you, when I first read this story about both things, Something came to mind, and you know, keep in mind I don't know you, so I, something came to mind at first, and that was I wonder if this guy's telling the truth. I wonder if he just lost this money some other way and is making this up. That's a nothing against you, but I, I there yeah. were there were some actually incidents of this at the Rio where people were showing up for the World Series and their money was quote stolen from their room, and then it would come out later or become very clear that they lost the money being degenerates and they made up these fake thefts and blamed Scott it on Scott Montgomery 2.0. Yeah, that was another one who did it. So, so uh, we, have, we have a co-host on here, by the way, that other voice. Yeah, so yeah. so uh, I was looking in your description of what happened to try to see if I thought that you were telling the truth or if you were just making it up. So people in the chat were saying the same thing. Either this guy is like the most unlucky person ever or he's something else is up. So from what I got here, Yours, and I, so I saw that uh, the letter from the Kennel Club, which we'll get to shortly, but uh, from what I can tell, both of these things were verified in some way from the casino? Like, they they verified that... Uh, um, yeah, I have, like, police reports. I have... That's all posted on my 2 plus 2. Like, well, police reports for both of the... Well, both the police the report doesn't matter. To them. Anyone can report anything to the police, but the, was there actually... There was video evidence of the guy picking up your money. Was there any video evidence of the guy who robbed you even if they don't have that much? Did they at least see yeah. anything happening or see yeah. him running? Yes, they have video evidence of that. Like, they've turned that all over to the police. Yeah. Um, I haven't, like, viewed any of that. I haven't viewed anything, but, yes, they have. there's video evidence of all this, everything yeah. that's happened. And that's, and that's why, and from reading that letter from the casino, which was a, a pretty hostile letter, I will say that the letter, which I will read to everybody who may be doubting this guy, pretty much acknowledges all this really happened. They're not saying, well, sorry, we don't know if this really happened. We can't do anything. That was not the standpoint of the letter. And if that were the case, if they were really doubting and thought he may have been making it up, they wouldn't have, they would have taken a different tone. They would have said, we, we can't verify any of this occurred. They, they did not say that at all. In fact, they seem to be acknowledging that these things happened and they knew it. So as, as much as this might sound like a guy who shot off 26K and is making up stories about having it dropped and having it stolen from him, uh, it seems this is really true. And that's my that's my strong opinion here based upon everything I see. So for those of you that are doubting, I think this is real. I just wanted to get this out for – I'm sure some of the listeners, including people in the chat room right now, 
are thinking, oh, this guy's full of crap, but he's not. I, I, I'm, I'm, I yeah. think it's a high chance. There too many people who believe me when I tell them the story. They don't understand how a casino could ban you either for all this stuff, though. Yeah, and, and so you're, you're presenting a lot of evidence. You've uh, you've posted links to things. Uh, you give a lot of details. See, like the Scott Montgomery thing, which my co-host brought up, that was when Scott Montgomery was in, claimed that he had $2,500 uh, robbed from him in the Bellagio bathroom. And, but yet he never went to the police about it. He wouldn't uh, provide a police report. He wouldn't discuss the police. And he wouldn't ask him about the police. He wouldn't answer. And he claimed he took 15 minutes before going to security about it. So, but he but he threw the black guys under the bus. <laughs> yeah, he claimed to. Yeah, he claimed to some black. It was a black guy in this story too. A black guy who jumped out of the van. But the thing is, I believe here there really was a black guy who did it. Whereas Scott Montgomery, I think, made up the whole thing. He just chose a stereotypical uh, black guy from uh, you know, robbing him. So I I believe that this really happened. So let, let's let's go on this. So you could so you couldn't find this guy who robbed you. So another thirteen k is gone. So so then yeah. what happened after that? What occurred? Um, well, like, like it, it kind of shocked me. So, you know, I took a couple of days off from like playing. Um, basically I told my backers and my, I told my, and I, I had to cover that money once again, you know, so probably damaged about 80% of my own role. Um, I went and, uh, the poker manager had me come into his office and he brought in a bunch of floor guys and kind of explained to me, basically I was told that I was not supposed to be talking about what happened um i was told that if i was going to talk about what happened that i needed to play elsewhere um three days after that i had had that discussion with him i had came in to uh reload one of my horses i needed to get money out of my box i had not like talked to anybody i didn't post anything on two plus two facebook twitter anything um one of the floors pulled me aside gave me a letter saying that i was ejected um i tried calling the poker room manager that night he never responded um, ever since then, uh, no one from management, no one from the poker, like the poker room management will talk to me. They will only, um, the only person that's been able to talk to me has been their lawyer. Um, that's who they refer me to anytime I've tried to talk to anybody. Um, and then basically this lawyer sent me this letter saying yeah. reasons why they banned me. Yeah, I'll read, I'll read that letter shortly. But, uh, uh before I read the letter, uh, two people also got fired over this whole thing. Yes, and like I was saying, um, they, for whatever reason, he brought up that incident of the time that money came in. Because the first thing he brought up to me was, you know, I, I've been working so hard on that incident about this guy that picked up the money. You know, he, he says, I'd be willing to bet you any amount that he's never came back in. And I, I immediately said, okay. Well, I said two weeks ago, and I don't remember the exact date, I said, he came back in, he came back in. He had no knowledge of this guy even coming back in. And that's, I guess, when he just, he can the can the dealer. Now I'm, I get along real well with that dealer. Like I know him outside of that poker room. Like I understand what he was doing. He didn't want to get involved in the thing, and that's why I came in. So well, so what did he tell the I dealer? Really, what did he tell the? De- he, it says in your write up they they fired the dealer who tipped you off about the guy coming back in and the floor manager that night. So what was the they reason? Told he told the dealer that he didn't follow protocol. That he should have went to like security or floor which he kind of tried to did he had he had tried to find the floor he was on he was on like a five minute break in between switching tables or something and he he'd went he had called me he said hey he's here i don't really want to get involved with this guy i don't want to go to security in front of this whole room and have to id him because he's a customer in my shop and this guy he had kind of explained before to me he said you know the guy's kind of weird he's kind of twerky like i don't want to 
I don't know what this guy's capable. Yeah, of I doing. understand. I he's, he's a, yeah, he didn't want to just jump up from the table and go to security, and then suddenly security comes to the guy he knows who did it. So he he discreetly yeah, just yeah. T- he discreetly called you and said, hey, "Get down here, you handle it." So that I mean that's that's yeah, understandable. Yeah, and yeah. and so they fired the dealer and they fired the floor person. That why they fire the floor man. Um, I guess they fired the floor because the floor didn't report that to like Noah. Like no, Noah's the poker room manager there. I guess they didn't. They didn't report that. He didn't report that. I don't really know why they fired the floor. I just know that the dealer told what the I had, what the dealer told me basically about it was the reason they fired him was because he didn't fire follow a proper pro- protocol or whatever in the matter, which I kind of disagree with you know like this guy is actually a really good dude he'd worked there 13 years he never had any infractions never been written up got a wife and kids you know his yeah. wife works there too like an outstanding guy there you know i that's the one i person i do feel the worst about this entire situation yeah like, that's pretty bad that he, i know he, he tried to help you and then he lost his job it's pretty bad uh so you got a letter i see dated january 8th 2016 from what looks like a a large law firm called carlton fields there's offices in yeah. a whole lot of big cities around the U.S. And you even you even posted your address on this thing. Your address is here. I, I guess you don't mind people seeing yeah, that. Yeah, it's an old it's it's an old address. Oh, it's an old so address. Okay, I thought you were just being brave. All right. So anyway, here it is. It's uh, dear Mr. Monk. This is Chauncey Monk who's on the phone with us. The undersigned and this law firm represent the Palm Beach Kennel Club. We have been provided with your emails concerning the incident alleged to have taken place on December seventh, two thousand fifteen, at the Palm Beach Kennel Club. Based on information we've gathered, we have been able to determine that while you were at a, while you were a guest at the kennel club, you were walking through the poker room and apparently allowed your money to fall to the floor. We have also been able to determine that another person picked up the money you dropped on the floor, and a short time later, this person left the kennel club without returning the money. So, uh, right there, by the way, for the you doubters, that this is the lawyer of this law firm who said that they've determined that this happened. So, they, a lawyer of a major firm would never write this if it wasn't uh, true, if they weren't sure it was true. They Put based on information we gathered, they put not based on your claims. Based on information we've gathered, so a lawyer would never say that if they didn't have proof that happened, because that's admitting that it happened. So they would never say that if they didn't actually see that it occurred. So this definitely occurred. For those of you who who have conspiracy theories that this guy just lost the money, is making up stories. Thereafter. We understand that you were, for lack of a better term, broadcasting to other patrons the fact that you routinely walk around with thousands of dollars on your person. Several weeks after these statements were made, you left the kennel club and apparently proceeded to the parking lot with an unknown amount of money. You proceeded to the parking lot with this money despite the fact that you have the use of a safety deposit box to safeguard your funds. You made an intentional decision to proceed to the parking lot with cash and unescorted even though an escort was offered to you. Now, you said that uh, they never offered you an escort. They're just making that up? Never once ever in my life, and I have witnesses and other players that were with me that night that can say that they were never offered escorts. I don't know why... Somebody would say that. I think it's just like a security guard, you know, trying to save his job. Or I have no, I have yeah, no idea. It sounds like BS. I've never, I've never heard of that either. Yeah, I've, 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 I've never high... been in a two-five room uh, in a room playing two-five where they've offered escorts. Look, I've, I've played. Have... I've played five hundred, one thousand of commerce, and and you know, left the table with with tens and tens of thousands of dollars, and probably eighty thousand dollars. I walk off the table with. Now I put it back in my box, but they didn't necessarily see that. Nobody said, "Hey, can we bring you back to your car?" They they don't they don't care. They, you, you take your money from the table, and if you want an escort, you ask for it. I've never heard of it where they offer you an escort when you get up from a yeah, poker table. I don't table. know why, yeah, why they would just randomly offer me an escort yeah. the night I was robbed. You know, I've, ne- I've never 
I know a lot of poker players there, and I've I've asked all of them has if they any of them have ever been offered an escort, and they've all said no. It's never been current. I think that lawyer's you know, confused. Know. I think the lawyer was told that you were it was available to you, and you chose not to rather than it was offered to you. But it, yeah, it's a dumb thing in the letter. I don't I don't believe they offered it. Anyway, going on. In the parking lot, you were apparently approached by an individual who allegedly demanded your chips and money. The individual then left the premises. To our knowledge, there were no other incidents that evening leading to us to conclude that based on your statements to other patrons, the individual knew you and was waiting for you in the parking lot. So he's claiming here that that, that this person knew you would be there and was waiting for you rather than just like a random who just jumped out and grabbed money of anyone walking out. Now, what's your response to that? Oh, yeah, that's probably accurate. Um, I guess um, when I had talked to the police officer who was working this case, they had told me that um, other people had walked in front of the van, so they obviously were targeting me. I mean, um, in the, at, at the kennel club, they have, and it's it's really sad. They right out in front of the kennel club, they they have a big sign that says no 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 loitering, and there's homeless men, there's um, people shooting dice, there's all sorts of people that are out <laughs> in this area. I've, I've seen people sleeping on the benches there, you know. So it's not hard to tell if you go into the casino. You can see where the, they have a a, section, a a pit basically where you play the bigger games are played. Anybody, anybody can go over there and, and look. You know, anybody can tell. You know, who just stalks the casino can say, "Oh wow, this guy's catching up a ton of money." You know, he does it all the time. He's obviously playing bigger games. He probably well, no, but they're, they're saying here they're saying here different than that. They're not saying that there's just someone kind of watching for who's cashing out. They're saying the individual knew you. And that knew you just typically walk around with money and then waited for you specifically to leave rather than someone just like watching the cage and seeing who's about to walk out. Yeah, I I, I wouldn't say they knew me. I, I would say they probably planned this out, though. I, I would agree with that. Okay. So going on, it says, we've also learned that you approached at least one employee of the Kennel Club and asked that employee to inform you when a specific individual was present in the poker room. Again, this leads us to conclude that you know or at least suspect you know one or more of the individuals who are involved in these incidents. Your request that the Kennel Club employee interferes with Kennel Club business operations. That, that, that's a stupid thing to say. I mean, you, you can request what you want. Of course, you can say to an employee, hey, tell me if you see this guy around. I mean, that it's yeah that, i don't understand their that one thing, yeah their whole thing was and i had talked to this lawyer on the phone is he said you know you were interfering with an operation that involved police and i said i never once requested that that dealer call me he did it out of his his own you know and even if you do out of his own. even if you do that's fine yeah. you have a right to ask what you want they don't have to do it but you can ask there's nothing uh you're not an employee there you don't have to uh yeah Behave I wasn't trying their... to interfere with anything. The, I did immediately what they told me to do once I seen the guy was was to go to was go to uh, a floor or security. Immediately when I walked into the room, I went and found the floor. That's immediately the first thing I did. And the only reason I I didn't I didn't get that. I, and the only reason I did that is because I wanted to get I didn't want to get that dealer involved. You know, I didn't. Yeah. I would have just called and said, "Hey, that guy's supposed to be there," but I didn't want to say, "Well." How? Then they asked me, "How do you know he's here?" I just wanted to go in there and be like, "Hey." Um, I found out that, that that guy's here. He's on table X, yeah, uh, seat four, you know. So so here's what he finishes off with. In your email, you ask what you could have done to prevent this. First, it is clear you could have suggest- safeguarded your funds while you're in the poker room. Second, you could have utilized the safe deposit box provided to you. Finally, you could have availed yourself of the escort to your vehicle that was offered. Based on the totality of these facts and circumstances, the Kennel Club came to a difficult decision to ask that you do not return to its private property. 
We appreciate your previous patronage of the Kettle Club and wish you the best in the future. However, please be advised that any, if any false or malicious statements are published through the Internet or other forms of communication, including false claims to the media, the Kettle Club will take all appropriate actions, such as claims for defamation, and seek damages from you. So that's, that's pretty bad. Sincerely, Joseph Iano Jr. of Carlton Field. So they're throwing in this thread at the end, which is saying, don't tell anyone about this. Now, they can't tell you you're not allowed to talk about this because that's interfering with your free speech, but they're scaring you that if you say anything that's uh, slightly inaccurate, that they're going to come after you and sue you, which is a way to try to silence you, which I thought was pretty crappy. Oh, yeah, yeah. So so anyway, that's that's what's going on here. Now, I – upon reviewing this on my own, I I thought, okay, it, it would be very hard to sue them for really anything here and be successful. The thing with with dropping the money, uh, once you drop it and someone picks it up, that's not their responsibility. Uh, n- number two, when you get mugged, that's unfortunate. But again, they didn't mug you. Someone, you know, a third party did. And the most you could sue them for was providing inadequate security, which I, I believe they did. And I saw other people posting in that 2 plus 2 thread that these parking lots very scary there. So I, I believe yeah. you that there's a... A bad element there, and that they should be providing better security. But that's that's still a hard thing to prove. Yeah, that it, it's a hard it thing is. to collect damages for that the security wasn't uh, sufficient because you're you're only paying two dollars. It's not like you're paying uh, a lot of money for top-notch security. You're paying two dollars for a lot that's closer to the door than w- yeah. with a security guard nearby. But there's no guarantee that every crime is going to be stopped by that security guard. So. Uh, it would be very hard legally to do anything, but it seems like that uh, what's really bothering you here is that they have banned you and you want to come back. Now, here's my question to you. After the way they've treated you and probably will continue to treat you if you come back, why do you want to come back? Um, well, it's just like the home, adv- home field advantage option. You know, um, I don't know anybody. I moved down here nine months ago from Iowa. I'm from northwestern Iowa. Like I have four guys. I live in a poker house right now that all play at Kennel Club. Um, I know all the rigs, I know the whales, I know the fishes, um, the action's good. Um, I have to travel now 45 minutes uh, one way to go play at another place that I don't know who the whales are, who the fish are, blah, blah, blah. Um, how far How far are the other my... places from you there? Like if you don't play here, is there anything else close to Palm Beach? Um, there's basically the, all that they have in West Palm Beach is the kennel club. So I'd have to travel down to um, Pompano Beach, which would be Isle Casino. That's about 35 miles away. There's another smaller casino, um, Coconut Creek, which is, I don't know exactly what the city is, but I could keep going farther and go to like an hour away would be Hollywood, Florida. That's the Hard Rock. Um, There's some casinos in Miami. Miami's a little more than an hour and a half away with traffic and everything. But, yeah, I'm planning on moving here in a couple weeks to get closer down south. So that I can start playing at all those places. Yeah, I think that's I better. My main, yeah, go on. But I guess my main thing with why I wanted to play, and I don't want to play there anymore, but before and why I'd kept this quiet for over a month was the hopes that this would cool down and that maybe I could talk to somebody reasonably, like a manager, um, the guy who owned it or something. Like all those requests have been denied, but I was willing to like sign a non disclosure agreement and not post any of this stuff, but I've just kind of just had it with everything with how they've handled it. So I've just basically decided, you know, it's just best to move on from this, go play somewhere else, and just kind of get my story out there so that people know 
if they do, for whatever reason, are in the area of West Palm Beach, they know what happened at this place. Yeah, and you, something else I forgot to mention here is you said that uh, some of these $1,000 chips that were stolen from you during the robbery, not the money you dropped, but the money that was during the robbery, some of those have appeared back at the Kennel Club, that people have come in with those chips to try to cash them, yes. and the police have got... Now, how do the police know that it's those chips that were stolen from you and not someone else's chips? Um, well, basically, what would hap- what, ha- what had happened is, a couple days after, um, somebody had tried to bring in, um, those, bring in chips. Now, th- like, pumpkins are only given... There's only so many bigger games, so they kind of know... The Kennel Club kind of knows who has those pumpkins. Obviously, I have them because I played in some of the bigger games. But they had confiscated some of those chips... And I basically, the lawyer had told me that until the case has been, like, solved, like, he's not, they're not going to release any of the chips to me based on, I, I, based on because they can't prove ownership, whatever that means. Well, I can tell you what it means. It's because uh, the, the reason they confiscated them, I'm assuming it's the same over there as it is in Nevada. In Nevada, if I walk up to the cage, let's say with a $5,000 chip, and I say, I'd like, I'd like $5,000 cash, please, and they ask me, where'd you get it? If I either say, duh, I don't know, or... Oh, somebody gave it to me. They'll take it away from me. They'll confiscate it. Why? Because you are not allowed to use those chips as payment for anything. You cannot give those chips to anyone else to cash for you. You you have to cash your own chips, period. And that's so the chips don't become a second form of currency. There's only one legal currency in the United States, and that's U.S. currency. And so, for tax reasons, I'm sure, to track people's income and stuff. Yeah, it might be that as well, but I've, I've always heard it's a currency thing. But whatever the reason, uh, I assume what happened is was someone showed up with those chips, which I believe probably were stolen from you, tried to cash them yeah. because the guy who who robbed you didn't want to come back himself, obviously. He sent his friend down there, and uh, this friend didn't realize that he has to have a reason to have those chips. So they said, what, what game were you playing? How did you get these? The guy yeah. couldn't give a good answer, and they took it away from him. But at the same time, that doesn't prove that these were yours. It just proves that... These weren't his. So so they took yeah. them. They probably told the police. Is, that, is it the police who told you this about the chips? Um, yeah. The, the police officer had told me that they're Kennel Club's property and they have the right to, like, they have the right to not give them or give them to me. It's their decision. That's what, what I had heard from the police. Now, when I had contacted the lawyer, this, that's the statement he gave me. He said, you cannot provide, you cannot provide proof of ownership. Well, yeah. So, so that's the problem is they can't show for sure that these were your chips, that this some, just that somehow these guys got these chips that uh, they shouldn't have had, but it may not be yours. Now, I believe it was yours, but the question is, didn't they get this guy's info and, and have the police investigate it from here, like who that guy knows, and maybe get him to roll over on the, the guy who robbed you? Why didn't um, they do that? And it's, like, it's like an ongoing investigation. I've called a couple different times and asked about it. They said they're like all I've really been given is kind of a lame answer. We're we're exploring all possibilities to catch the catch this guys. Like basically, what I was told from other sources of, of lawyers that I talked to about stuff like this is that the reason that they won't charge whoever this is is because the prosecutor probably doesn't want to put this guy in the stand because he was wearing a mask and it'd be hard for me to identify this guy for whatever reason. So they're trying alternate routes to prove that it was him. Um, but you would think that they would at least I, tell you that, that like, like they got the guy who tried to turn him in and they're going to try to question him. They don't have to give you his info or anything, but the, I'm surprised they're yeah, not even telling they, you that. And they, they have, they've said that. They've said that they've caught, they've caught multiple people. They, they caught the guy who, dropped, who, um, who was driving the van. They found the ID, oh. ID. They found the license plate number and stuff. 
but I guess I haven't heard any information as of now. Yeah, I would keep pursuing this. An arrest. I, I, I would like keep that. pursuing this, and, and if you're not getting good answers, I would, I'd, I'd go to the lieutenant or the captain. Uh, don't let them just push you aside. You have a right as, as a citizen to get a resolution to this. They can't just tell you. I mean, they, they don't have to give you every detail of their investigation, but there has to be some conclusion when it's over. And if they've told you this much that they've gotten this far with it, if, if they knew nothing, if they said, sorry, we can't find the guy, we can't find anything, you know, this may have happened, but we can't find any evidence. Sorry, then there's nothing you can do. But it sounds like they've gotten pretty far with it, and, and from this point, they should be able to go somewhere with it. And you you need to keep pressing and, and don't let them off. And if you're not getting good answers from who you're speaking to, I would uh, uh, go above their head to the lieutenant or the captain and and, uh, and complain that uh, there's all this evidence. Yeah. How, how is this not resulting in an arrest or something? Now you're right at the kennel club. Unfortunately, this is a crappy law that allows casinos to confiscate chips and keep them, which unfortunately incentivizes them to confiscate as much as possible because they keep them and they make money from it. So, oh, yeah. so they, they try not to find the owner. Uh, in fact, a, a poker writer whose name is Nolan Dolly, a lot of people know who he is, I was very surprised he did this because he's been in Vegas for decades, but he, he foolishly went into the MGM to cash a 5K chip some years ago and admitted to them that he was given this by a friend who owed him money. So they took it from him. And I said, this is ridiculous because if they're going to take it from Nolan, the next question should have been, well, what's your friend's name so we can give it back to him? Not, we're just taking it. It should never be allowed that they can just take it unless it's impossible to identify the owner. So in this case, they, they didn't want to know who his friend was. They wouldn't return it to his yeah. friend or to him. So I go, wait a minute, if it's not Nolan's and it's his friend's, they should give it back to his friend. They shouldn't just keep it. But the law allows them to keep it in Nevada, and I, it probably is the same thing in Florida. So, of course, they're not dying to give you those $1,000 chips because they'd rather oh, keep yeah. it themselves. So I'm, I'm afraid you're not going to see it. But I would, I would keep up on this because if they can get a confession out of these people who tried to bring the chips in, and if they say, oh, on, on that night you know, when you got robbed uh, – you know, this guy gave these to me to to cash, or you know, once they link it to that, then the, then they won't be able to claim the Kennel Club that these weren't yours. Whereas if it's just random yeah. people who had chips that they shouldn't have, then they can hide behind we don't know that's yours, so we can't give it to you. So I, I would keep pressing that once you once this gets resolved here. So yeah, yeah. Anyway, the other things I think the Kennel Club is doing that's that or did that was not right. Uh, they have to improve the parking lot security. If everyone's complaining the parking lot security is crap, they need to beef up security. Otherwise, they're being irresponsible and putting their customers in danger. Uh, also, yeah. they need better cameras to where they can see more. There's no point of having them if the images are too blurry. Yeah. They need to invest in better cameras. And, and also, closing the room with the safety deposit boxes while they're open is a mistake. If they want to close it at 4, when the casino closes at 4, fine. But not on the weekends. If the weekends it stays open 24-7, that room needs to be open 24-7. And if it's not, they need to be very clear to everybody, be careful, get all your money back in by 4, or otherwise it's going to close. Otherwise, that really leaves people in bad shape during the hours you really want it to be there. You want it to be there at 4 a.m., 5 a.m. That's when the crimes are most likely to occur, not in the middle of the day. So yes, that's, that's, that's bad on their, fault, uh, on their part. And regarding banning you, to me, it looks like that they think you're just a headache, that you've had two things that have happened to you that, that made you upset and, and, and uh, 
caused controversy, caused you from uh, you know trying to, to having to complain about it. Uh, they probably, as you said, weren't happy that you complained about shutting, being shut out of games, and and that uh, yeah, you you don't like how the security is there. You don't like uh, uh, the fact that their cameras weren't good enough. They're like, this guy's a pain in the ass. He keeps getting his money stolen, which we think is his fault. And then he blames us for it, of the things he thinks we're doing wrong, and he bitches about the games. They probably just think, this guy's a major pain in the ass. F him. We don't want him here anymore. So, And Todd, I, I think they're trying to protect their image, too, a little. Because like they were saying, when, when he got robbed, they were trying to say, like, oh, it's a person who knows him. And it's his fault for carrying the money. You know, and, and draw attention away from their poor security and make it look like, oh, you know, it's it's the patron's fault because they were acting irresponsibly. You know, it's not our environment. Right. Our environment's safe. That's a good point. Like, oh, this guy, all he has is undesirables following him around. He brags about carrying money everywhere. We get crimes committed here. We just don't want this guy here anymore. You're, you're probably right. They're saying that just for appearances. So they, it looks like they're just uh, pushing someone away who's a magnet to crime. I, I felt that they're – claim in the lawyers claim that you were going around bragging you had money so therefore they're almost like saying it's your fault that you got mugged it reminds me of when people say to women who wear short skirts that it's their fault they got raped it's it's very similar to yeah. me but like <laughs> that's it, exactly it, how i explained it, it to people too it shouldn't matter if you if, it, people could say it's stupid that you talk about carrying cash all the time but that doesn't mean that uh, that you deserved it in any way, or that it's your fault, and and they they have to provide security. Now the sec- again, the security doesn't have to prevent every crime, and it's not necessarily their fault if the security fails to prevent a crime. But if the security is known to be bad, and if everybody's afraid of that parking lot, then they are doing something wrong. And uh, yes. so, uh, like in the Rio a few years ago, people someone claimed that uh, there, there was a claim someone had been mugged in the parking lot. It turned out it was a drug deal gone bad, and everybody was freaking out over nothing. But uh, I did say that I felt a little uncomfortable in the Rio parking lot, even though I hadn't seen the crime commit, committed there. It's very big. There's no security presence. It just feels like anything could happen there and no one will know. And that's – fortunately, I've never had anything bad happen there. But I thought when I'm walking through there, I wouldn't be surprised if someone just like pops out and pulls a gun on me. Like, Not that it's a terrible area, not that there's criminals roaming around there, but there just isn't much of a security presence and it's very large. So – Yes. Again, there I felt they needed more security, though it turned out the incident that was reported was it was a drug deal that went bad. So that's obviously not the Rio's fault. But this is even worse where there's a lot of riffraff hanging around the parking lot and they're not doing much to stop it. So that's uh, other than no loitering sign, which is laughable. So uh, this kind of seems like the blame the victim mentality. They kind of just want you and this whole situation to go away. And that's why whatever rake you bring the room is, is not nearly worth to them. Yeah, yeah, exactly. What they think's happening. So I, I think you've, you've made the right decision to get away from there. And what I would do from this point, not only move somewhere else and stop going to this place, but also keep up on the police about this promising case. And then once they get some resolution, which I really hope they do, then go back to the kennel club and say, okay, they've proven these guys were working for the guy who robbed me. Uh, now, now give me those chips back and keep pressing them if necessary. Uh, sue them. You can even sue them in small claims court if you don't. You know, hiring a lawyer may be too expensive to get this amount of money back. Yeah, yeah. But you can sue them in small claims. I, I wouldn't let them off for this here, especially if you get some police determination that these were your chips. If the if they can't conclude that, then you're you're pretty much out of luck. Uh, unless you could yeah. find a lawyer to take this on contingency or something for the security aspect, you may want to try that as well. Try to call a few law offices. Uh, that that'll do this for like keeping thirty five percent of the settlement and see if they'll take the case for the security breach for the secure the lack of security there, which may 
may be an alternate angle. Uh, whatever you can win from them, I think they would deserve because it just seems like they are uh, uh, sweeping this under the rug and trying to push you away because they have their own level of fault there and they're trying to cast it all upon you. Not that you did everything perfect there. I think you admit this yourself. But, yeah, uh, yeah, 100%. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that's, that's too bad what happened here. So I, I wanted you to get your story out and have people know about the Kennel Club the way it is there. Watch out for the parking lot. Uh, know the security cameras are crap. Uh, and know that uh, if, if things go wrong there, they pretty much want to wash their hands of it and cover it up. And not having yeah. those boxes open when there's gambling going on there is a total fail on the casino's part. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it was news to me. Like, that night I did it, I couldn't believe that they weren't open. You know, I had no clue, so I had no choice but to go home or wait four hours. Yeah. I, I, I still don't understand this whole thing with uh, the closing the boxes. It's so weird. It's like it's like idiots running it who don't realize they're not open, that they're open past four on the, on the weekend. They're like, oh, we'll just keep it to four every day. It's just so weird that they do that. That's, that's the oddest part of the story to me, believe it or Are not. Are we sure this isn't the Caesars property with all this dysfunction? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I would kind of expect it from Caesars. Actually, some of these, these Florida rooms are just really dysfunctional and crappy. Like they, they make Caesars look like they're well-run. So this doesn't even surprise me too much. So anyway, Chauncey, I, I hope it works out for you and you know, keep up on them. A lot of times the squeaky wheel gets the grease in these situations, and especially with the police. Like you, you watch TV, you see these police shows, you see these very dedicated cops who just won't rest yeah. until something's solved. And unfortunately, that's not real life. Unfortunately, you've, you really have to keep on their back sometimes to make them uh, – see these things through otherwise they want to do as little work as possible so uh yeah say so yeah, i keep up on them and uh, especially since they have leads to this uh, there's nothing you can do if they don't know anything and can't find anything but it, since there's a lot of leads they have already with these people caught who tried to cash in the stolen chips i think that and they, they got the van where this was done i mean this is uh this is pretty strong stuff yeah. i think they can go somewhere with it so should at least should at least get half of it back for the for the robbery half yeah, you should. Well, yeah, he didn't, I hope. yeah, hopefully you get something and keep up on it, and I hope it works out for you. All right. All right, and thank you for coming on the show. Yeah, good luck, man. Yeah, no problem. All right, Thanks good luck, guys. Have a right. good night. Good night. Bye. That was Chauncey Monk, who you can see on his his Twitter is a C Monk three three three, I think. Not to be not to be confused with Silent Monk. <laughs> yeah. So uh, so that's. You know the chat stealth monk. The the chat room is still critical of this guy. They they just love to be critical in the chat room. But look, I believe it, and I was the first one to call out the BS at the Rio, the thing in the parking lot there, the people who claim that their staves are broken into. Every one of these stories has missing details and weird things and stuff that doesn't add up, and and a lack of police reports. And th- this guy wants it all out there. This guy's just putting everything out there. And, and I think the, the way he told the story, I think in the beginning got a little confusing, like he was jumping ahead. But I think his, the evidence he has uh, supports his case better than how he was able to tell the story, if you know what I'm saying. Yeah, well, that's why I was trying to direct it to where everyone understands it. Sometimes yeah. people just aren't used to telling these stories on the radio, so that's why I was stopping him and go, well, well let's just stick to the part we're talking about. And if, if you can go on the Poker Fraud Alert Scam Scandals and Shadiness Forum, and you'll see I laid out like a cliff notes of his story so you can – understand it better if this confused you at all. But I, I think the, the Kennel Club is kind of shady and kind of a crappy place. But not as bad as another place in Florida. So segue to another Florida poker room story. This is the Hialeah Park Casino in Miami, which unfortunately this guy would probably be playing in. I should have, before he hung up, I should have warned him not to play there. Uh, 
pretty bad things happened there in August of 2015. We talked about it previously on our show that uh, money was disappearing from the prize pool. Uh, people were being seated at tables basically at their request. Like I guess if they tipped the floor man, they could be seated at a table with more fish instead of just being placed randomly, which is really bad. Yeah, that that's really terrible. Uh, the number of entries of the tournaments were not released to the players and uh, nothing was given regarding the number of rebuys or add-ons that uh, a lot of times the money that was taken was done out of sight in a back room rather than through the casino cage. Uh, the total number of chips on day two did not match with what was post- posted in the tournament clock of the number of chips that were in the uh, in the tournament. So basically they were stealing from the prize pool at the Highlight Park Casino, and uh, there ended up being an 11-count indictment against the Hialeah Park Casino. Now, it's not against individuals there, but against the casino itself, an 11-count indictment by by the state. So, it seemed like that they were going to get in big trouble, maybe lose their license, maybe pay a massive fine. Maybe have to compensate the players in some way. People are like, oh, good. If an 11-count indictment against the room for this whole thing, great. The regulators are doing their jobs. So for these pretty bad violations that were all intentional, this wasn't just like oversight or incompetence. This is intentional weird stuff that was going on there. That was clearly money being stolen out of the prize pool. And the only reason this came out was that participants in the tournament called up the Florida Sun Sentinel newspaper and complained about it. So, a few people got fired from there as a result of all this. But what about the Hialeah Park Casino? They they obviously committed a lot of a lot of violations. This is the reason they have regulatory bodies in place. So they ended up getting fined. The decision just came down. And the fine that they had to pay was one million dollars. No, that should be the fine that they should have paid. Instead, they paid a whopping twenty thousand dollar fine. <laughs> twenty thousand dollar fine. Can you imagine after they steal from the prize pool there and do everything they can to cover it up, steal add-ons, steal rebuys? Seat people at tables at their request in exchange for tips so they can get at better tables with more fish. Even if they claim this was a one-time incident, they might have still turned a profit on the whole deal. Yeah, right. (laughs) So $20,000 for all 11 counts combined. Here's the article. It says, Hialeah Park Casino will pay a $20,000 fine to settle alleged violations stemming from an August 2015 poker tournament according to an agreement approved by the state gambling regulators this month. State investigators found that Hialeah's card room violated 11 rules during the August 25th to 30th tournament with a $250 entry fee and guaranteed $200,000 prize pool. Participants called the Sun Sentinel with complaints soon after the tournament saying the final prize pool chip counts and number of entrants did not add up. Hialeah, quote, neither admits nor denies the violations. 
Whenever someone says that, that means they admit it. Yeah, that's pretty just question <laughs> admission of sorts. Thailand neither admits nor denies the violations, according to the settlement signed by Casino President John J. Brunetti Jr. The stipulation and consent order approved by the Division of Paramutual Wagering noted that Hialeah officials cooperated with the investigation and voluntarily made personnel and procedural changes since the event. Well, that's great. So they, they stole from the prize pool before, but they've they fired people and made procedural changes, and that just makes it all okay. So yeah, what if so, they stole so one So time? did UB. Yeah. <laughs> but the document did not spell out how many employees were involved, whether they lost their licenses to work in state-regulated casinos and poker rooms, or whether they might face criminal investigations or other sanctions. That's a good point. You know, these people who got fired... They should be banned from working at any casino in Florida and uh, and be facing criminal charges. Why aren't they? Yeah, they should have to go work security at a drone shop. Yeah. <laughs> a $20,000 fine might seem like a slap on the wrist for a poker room that raked in over $8 million in 2015. The most lucrative paramutual card room in Miami-Dade. But Hialeah might be paying in other ways with monthly state figures showing a drop-off in overall play, both cash and tournaments, at Hialeah's card room. In August, Hialeah's poker room took in 802000 Last month, during peak tourist season, the card room took in 699000 Okay, so they had a, a little bit of a drop, and maybe this is bad publicity for them, but uh, that, that doesn't mean that they shouldn't be fined or maybe even lose their license or, or, uh, or have to compensate players or something. I mean, $20,000? So $8 million they raked in 2015. And uh, so if you divide that by 365, which is the number of days in 2015, that comes up to about $22,000. So they paid less than one day of rake for all this. So this took place over six days, and they're only paying off one day of rake to the state for what happened here. That's a pretty good deal. So, so tomorrow, they'll make back that rake, that, that fine they just paid. That's great. Yeah, what's to keep you from doing it again if that's all the penalty? <laughs> it's a joke. So uh, this this was uh, posted by Kev Math, by the way, from the investigation. The highly a poker manager is also placed players at specific seats rather than putting them at tables with random opponents. I already mentioned that. Players note that seat position is vital to the game because it helps it to be at a table with weaker players. The state also found the surveillance video did not properly cover parts of the poker room, including areas where cash was handled and money was kept in poker room manager Nelson Costa's office rather than a casino's cashier's cage or vault. Yeah, that's great. So the, they they handle the cash for these transactions out of the camera's view, and then the poker room manager just held all the cash in his own office. That sounds real And safe. I'm sure they're not giving receipts for any of these rebuys. Yeah, of course not. Either. They did this crap at the World Series, by the way, in 2007. That's part of the reason they changed some of the staff. Uh, at the World Series, I, this affected me because I finished 10th in one of those tournaments. The 1K with rebuys tournament that's no longer there. I remember thinking that. when I I didn't rebuy, but I watched other people do it. And Is that the one where Daniel shot off for like 47 times? 48K, yes. For, Daniel <laughs> DeGranu bought in 48 times there and didn't even cash. That wasn't one of his better World Series. So so uh, I bought in one time and finished 10th. So I, I, I outperformed DeGranu big time on that one. But I watched people rebuy or add on, and they didn't get anything back. They were just handed chips in exchange for their cash. 
So I was like, wow, that's kind of shady. And then I did play other tournaments where I did rebuy or add on, and they didn't give me receipts. And I remember thinking, for tax purposes, this is going to be tough because I can't prove that I rebought. I could have rebought ten times for all I could claim on my taxes, and they wouldn't know whether I did or didn't. Or the reverse, I, I could you know, honestly say what I rebought there, and the tax man could say, no, you can't prove it. We're not recognizing that as a deduction, which is a disaster because uh, I, it's, I really did rebuy to some things. I didn't do that one. But there's other ones I did rebuy and didn't cash, and I couldn't prove it. So they've done away with that. The World Series, they don't have any of those rebuys anymore. Uh, all rebuys now have to go through the cage. The way they do at the World Series now, which is much better, is that you can enter other flights. So if there's a day 1A, 1B, 1C, you can, if you bust 1A, you can enter 1B. But this all has to be done through the cage and through the computer. So there's no way that uh, employees can steal. So this is a, a much better situation. I mean, there, there's criticism these days of the World Series. But uh, these... In these ways, it's improved, where they've uh, they've eliminated a lot of the opportunity to steal like this that was going on before. So I heard from many sources that there was stealing going on from those 1K with rebuys events, and since I finished 10th, obviously some of that money was mine. So it sucks, but nothing I can do. Anyway, uh, watch out for the Highland Park. I mean, I guess they've, they've uh, fired some people, and I think this uh, Nelson Costa has been fired as well, but... Yeah, he, he's been fired. Costa's been fired, and a few of his staff members have fi- been fired. But the new card room manager is from within the company. He's the casino's director of compliance. His name's Angel Garcia. He's the new card room manager, and he's also still remaining the director of compliance. But this this is a very poor response from the state of Florida. They should be going after people like Nelson Costa and the others who did this. They should be making sure that their licenses to work in the state in gaming are revoked, and they should be fining Hylia Park much more than $20,000, especially given how much they rake every day. This is not a, a business that if they get fined a million dollars can't stay in business. They definitely could. They, they need to hit them with a real fine that hurts, even if it's uh, one where they can still stay in business, something that really, really hits them. And even better, maybe force uh, restitution to the players who played in these tournaments. People. So Florida, you cheat and you get a slap on the wrist, but you get robbed, then then you get banned from the property. Yeah, that's, that's right. Uh, I, I guess it's okay if the casino cheats in Florida. It's just always uh, – the victims just don't seem to do well in Florida. So not a good scene over there. Haven't heard from Brandon. Let's see if we got any texts in the meantime. Yeah, I wanted to talk to Brand, see how his trip went. I actually used to live down in the in the Palm Desert area where he was at. So really? Was gonna, yeah, see what he was up to down there. Yeah, Brandon told me that uh, he was really enjoying it there. He happened to go when it was unseasonably warm. Uh, some people have the incorrect impression that it's just like summer the whole year over there, but it's not. Oh, no, it definitely cool gets cool into the 60s and 70s during the winter. Yeah, it does. And uh, But there's been a, a heat wave for most of the month of February in, in Southern California, and that includes Palm Springs. But you could have gone to Los Angeles, and it would still be the same 88 degrees or so. In fact, in some parts of L.A., it was over 90 yesterday. Today, in L.A., uh, it's actually raining. So uh, Yeah, same same up here north. The storm just blew in tonight, heavy winds and rain. Yeah, yeah, it's actually a, a storm. It's not going to be there a long time, but it's covering a large portion of California that's uh, bringing rain. But uh, yeah, I forgot you're in California, too. You're northern. So 
Ken Scaler, I don't know if you've heard him on this show. Oh, I'm a big I'm a big Oh, Scaler you're a big fan. Man. Well, Ken Scaler loves the Palm Springs area. He said that uh, he loves living in L.A., and he really could never live out, leave L.A., but if he had the money, he would buy a second home in the Palm Springs area. He loves that area. So he could go to Coachella, right? Well, that, that's where he got familiar with it, from, was from Coachella. Yeah. But he, he just said he just loves the area in general. I think some of it is because he loves the heat. He loves when it's hot outside. So since it gets so hot over there in the summer, in fact, sometimes even hotter than Vegas, well, that's weird because when I lived there, one of the things I noticed was there was like no like homeless people. There was no people looking like Ken Scaler because <laughs> I think it was just too hot, which was totally like a foreign concept for me because there's a lot of homeless problems um, kind of up in the northern part of the state where I live. I would think, though, it would be easier to be homeless in a place where it's hot during the day, but then at night it's it's warm and you can sleep. Well, I know it's hot at night, too, but I, I'd much rather try to sleep when it's uh, – you know, ninety Hot degrees at night. Then, then yeah. if it's like thirty degrees at night and I have nowhere to go in, like that's that's it's really hard to sleep when it's cold. So, but in fact, I I find it just much easier in general to fall asleep when it's hot rather than cold. There was actually this really fail like uh, reality TV program about this guy supposedly down there who slept in these metal tubes off the side of the highway and was trying to become a professional golfer. And I think it only la- it was like on the golf channel as some total <laughs> fail series, and it was like obviously like so fake. The guy was like riding his bike and like trying to fight these legal battles all while like trying to refine his game. But you know, it's yeah, tough so- to, it's tough to golf if you're homeless because golf is very expensive. Yeah, yeah, there's there's so much so much of this reality TV is fake, and we've had to. Dave Learman on this show before, who's been on a lot of like little reality programs, and he's he's basically made a career of faking things for reality programs and the way it goes with these reality shows is sometimes it's completely faked and they know it's fake and sometimes if you bring a story to them they think is interesting they purposely don't check up on it like even if it sounds very suspicious they just take you at your word on purpose because they want to cover it and if you're you sound believable to them on the surface then it'll sound believable to the audience. So they, they especially in, the audience who's watching that type of stuff. Right. So they, they like have like willful ignorance. So that's how Dave Lerman was doing this over and over. He just would make up stories of things and he'd be on court shows, he'd be on uh, reality shows, he'd be on all these different things with a different backstory every time. He even had fake girlfriends he'd be on with and the whole thing was just for money and they'd never check on it. It was on purpose. They and he also was hired sometimes to do news stories and, and like uh like someone would come to them with a claim about something, but then we're afraid to appear on camera and and make the claim about it for whatever reason. So then he would stand in and claim to be, you know, he'd use his own name, but he'd take their story over and he'd say it was him. Huh? You and know, then, I enjoyed the segments. I was when when you had him on. I was wondering if you were ever going to have him back. He, it was an interesting insight. Yeah, yeah, we can have him back. I talk to him all the time, so I'm, I'm still friends with him. So I can uh, bring him on again sometime. So let's go to the next topic here. Well, we were on Ken, and then I think I kind of got off. Yeah, that's okay. We get on tangents all the time here. So let's talk about uh, Sorrel Mizzy. There's really a lot of big stories this week. We've, uh, I mean, the, some weeks it's it's kind of thin, and I have to talk about whatever I can find. But there's a lot of stories which I could consider like a lead type story, and, and yet there's like several of them this week. Oh, so, the Lithuanians would be loving it with all these poker gossips. That's right. <laughs> Lithuanians are they're poker gossips. They, they used to get mad at me on Never Win Poker that. Uh, that I was spending too much time on the forum just like posting about things that they felt were 
not uh, SEO worthy, just like infighting on the forum. Yeah, shooting off. <laughs> yeah, and, and that they, they were unhappy I was spending so much time on that and not enough time on poker gossips. They, they emailed me that, that they were unhappy about it. They wanted more poker gossips. So, Sorrel Mizzy is one of these characters in poker who's always involved in controversy. And there's a reason for it. You, there's a reason that certain people always seem to have stories following them about shady things that they're accused of doing. And others can be in the poker world for 15, 20, 30 years, and you never hear one bad story about them. And it's not because, like, Sorrel Mizzy just runs bad with being falsely accused. It's because when you have someone over and over who is accused of these things, it's because they're shady and it's because they do a lot of bad things. And, I mean, look at me here. Even though I get involved in controversies, even though I'm outspoken, even though I have some enemies in the poker world, you've never heard stories about me cheating anyone. You've never heard of stories of me cheating at poker. Even the people who hate me the most will admit that when I'm at the poker table, whether live or online, I always play an honest game, and that I've never stiffed anyone out of money. So there's a reason for that. There's a reason you don't hear those accusations about me, and that's because... I don't do it. And the people you hear these accusations about all the time, it's because they are doing it. So anyone can be falsely accused once, but over and over and over, if someone gets these accusations from many different people who are unrelated to each other, uh, you know there's something wrong with them. So Sorrel Mizzy, by the way, who's admitted to some of these things that he's been accused of in the past, so it's not even like uh, there's any doubt that he's done some things. He has a pretty shady history. I'm going to go over his history and then what he's being accused of currently. And this isn't getting all that much play in the poker media, so I think it's important we talk about it here. This is not a poker fraud alert exclusive because it was brought up to 2 plus 2, but it's really, it's kind of sat under the radar to some degree. The Phil Galfon story, which we'll get to also, that's been getting a lot of publicity recently, but the Sorrel Mizzy one is not. Back in 2007, this is the history, by the way, not the current story, he was part of a big scandal where he bought an amateur poker player's account during a big tournament on full tilt. A guy named Chris Vaughn, who worked for Bluff Magazine, was playing on full tilt and got down to, like, I don't know, the final 27 in this big tournament, and Chris Vaughn knew he was not very good. And it ended up being arranged between him and his friend Sorrell Mizzy, who was a very good tournament player, that Sorrell would just take over, that... uh, Vaughn would disconnect on purpose, Sorrell would reconnect, and he'd take over. And Sorrell ended up winning, which I bet Chris Vaughn would not have been able to do because he wasn't very good. There was a huge skill difference between the two. This was an F-Tops event, right? Yeah, there was an F-Tops event. I'm yeah. pretty sure I actually played in this tournament because I remember all this going on at the time. Oh, okay. Yeah, wow. So, so Sorrell did something very bad there. See, one big thing about tournaments, which is different than cash games, is that while you may have a lot of really, really good players entering along with you, if they bust, they're gone, and you don't have to face them anymore. So sometimes the people who make it to the end are not the best players in the tournament. In fact, often they're not. Often you have players at the end who are kind of there just from luck and are much easier to face than some of the best players who may have busted earlier. And that's different than, like, you go to a high-stakes cash game. Usually almost everybody there is really good. So it's a disaster in a tournament if somebody can take over for an amateur who was lucky enough to get that far. If a good pro takes over the account, that's very, very bad and dishonest, and it really screws the people who are remaining in the tournament at that point. 
Now, there's no question this happened. Sorrell admitted it. Chris Vaughn admitted it after this was caught. So this was done. This really happened. No question. But that wasn't it. That was over eight years ago. But that was far from the end of the controversy that Sorrell Mizzy was involved in. He used to play on poker stars under the name Zhang Bizan, 24. And he was banned from poker stars in late 2008 for, well, shock upon shocks, multi-accounting. So there, there were accusations against him in 2008 that, uh, that he was multi-accounting there that he was uh, playing on different accounts there, that he was uh, entering the same tournament with multiple accounts. A lot of multi-accounting and cheating accusations against Sorrell Mizzy in 2008. And finally, PokerStars, after doing an investigation, uh, decided that they were done with him. And they banned him in late 2008 from PokerStars. So let's move up now to 2011. Sean Deeb reported that Sorrell cheated John Raisner in open-faced Chinese by doing what was known as bottom dealing. This is at the PCA. I guess they were playing it uh, and dealing themselves. And uh, that Sorrell was dealing from the bottom of the deck, which is a trick, that an old-time trick that uh, cheaters have used when they deal their own games. And that's, that's even scummier than multi-accounting, in my opinion. That yeah, that's... Really that's, that's right. you do it too into your friend or your plan. And... Right. And, I, and I've talked about this before, that there are different levels of cheating. There's the, there, the, the lightest level of, of cheating, I think, in online poker is uh, like multi-accounting cash games where you're not yourself, but, uh, but you're not sitting at the same table as yourself. You're just playing on a different account. That's, that's still wrong, but it's, uh, uh, that's the lightest level of cheating, where the highest level of cheating is super using, where you can just see everybody's cards. So... This is this is in between there. Well, this is close close to the top as far as how bad it is. You know, dealing cards off the bottom of the deck when you're dealing yourself. This can't be done online, obviously, but uh, this is one of the highest levels of cheating too. Is uh, is doing that. So uh, there's a thread on uh, February 19, 2011, from Sean Deeb saying uh, Sorrell allegedly bottom dealing versus John Raisner. I'm not going to read that whole thing. You can. Go to the Scam Scandals and Shadiness Forum on Poker Fraud Alerts. There's a link to that thread on the Sorrell Mizzy thread I just created. I had a few dealings with Sorrell Mizzy myself. Not about cheating, but uh, some scummy behavior. Around 2008, before he got banned on Poker Stars, I was playing the 200-400 limit game and Sorrell sat. Now, Sorrell was not a good limit player. He was a good no-limit tournament player. He was not a good limit to hold him cash player. So when he sat down, everyone wanted to play with him. He was seen as a fish in those games. Not a gigantic fish, but uh, definitely worse than all the regulars there. So he sat down in my game, or maybe I joined a game he was in, whatever. And I ran really bad. Really, really bad. Lost a lot of money very quickly there. Then Zhang Bazan 24 his account just pops up and leaves. Well, that's his right to do. He won a lot of money, too, in a short time. 
He hit and ran, but whatever. This is right to do. Then I look and I see him sitting at another table. He just popped up from the table and left. So again, he didn't leave because he was having bad luck or anything, or he was doing anything wrong. He just popped up and left to a different table. So I sat down with him again. Other people sat down with him again. Everybody moved over to the other table. Well, he decided he didn't want to continue playing everybody there. He decided that there's only certain people he wanted to play. And I was one of them he didn't want to play. So he sat out and said, I'm not going to play you you and you and you. You guys need to leave. So everybody else accepted this and left. I did not. I said, no, you can't do that, especially after you hit and ran. It's it's, it's one thing if you just call clobbered for a lot of money and now you want to uh, face someone heads up or – or, or you, know, you just want to be you want to try to get your money back against a few people here you just crush the game getting really lucky and then you move to another table and say no 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 you can't sit here I'm surprised all the other regs actually got up and left yeah I was surprised too but but the, a lot of people like the, the, they over respected what I what what people would request like it all started when people because poker stars didn't have heads up tables yeah people saw, would say heads up please right but say, that's different i understand that. yeah yeah people just want to play each other and i was explaining that i was explaining that at the table i was saying to sorrel look if there's an existing heads up game going then fine if like if people are playing heads up and i sit as the third player even if one of the two is a fish if they've been playing like a heads up grudge match i can understand even though i don't have to i can understand respecting that and i did respect it but where i can't respect it is where uh just someone decides in the middle of the game that they're just going to leave and, and uh, sit at a different table and no one's allowed to sit there with them except for the people they pick. That's not – you can't do that. Nor, nor it kind of reminds me of like in No Limit, like people like going south taking money off the table. Yeah, that is what it's kind of like. And, and I also had it before where people would uh, jump to another table. One of the sharks would sit down with them and say, hey, do you want heads up? And they go, oh, yeah. Well, they go, no, no, that's, you can't do that. It's one thing if you you've both decided to play heads up independent of this, but you, you can't sit with a fish when he hops table and say, hey, do you want heads up just to keep other pros from this? That's bullshit. So I would say no to things like this. So I said no to Sorrell. I'm not leaving. You can't just – this is essentially the same game being recreated on another virtual table. Like can you imagine in, in a live card room a fish pops up from the game, moves over to an empty table, then people get up to move over to the next table where he's sitting, and so let's start the game here, and the fish says, no, 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 no. You only I only want the three of you to move here. The rest of you can't come. It's and, obviously a ridiculous request. Yeah, so I, I said no way. I said if you're gonna, you can't sit in my game, win a bunch of money, sit in another table of the identical limits, identical game, sit alone, and then say only certain people can come play with you. No, I said no. So he's arguing with me. He's calling me names. I didn't care. I said I'm not leaving. He said I'm not gonna sit back in. I said that's fine. I'll just sit here too. And then he said, all right, man, you know, I'm getting really pissed about this. If I, You better leave. If I see you again, I'm going I'm to punch you, he tells me. So I said, I don't care what you say you're going to do. I'm not leaving. Keyboard cowboy. Yeah, I, I, I don't, he can threaten me all he wants. I'm not leaving. So I wouldn't leave. So what did he do? He left. So that happened. And uh, I've seen him around since then. And, of course, you know, nobody punched anybody. It was all BS. But uh, – uh, I did prank call him much after that, about five years later, in 2013. He was kind of a side character in a story that involved Seriously Serious and Zach Hart, known as uh, Zek Deo from Quad Jacks, the owner of Quad Jacks. Uh, basically, Sorrell paid $3,000 to Zach for a website to be designed 
at uh, SorrelMizzy.com. And Seriously Serious did all the work. And then uh, Zach didn't pay him. So, uh, you know, Seriously Serious is very upset about this, and uh, we, and he took this public. And that was actually the last anyone saw of Zach in poker. Zach tried to defend himself on 2 plus 2 and looked really bad. So then uh, after he made a fool of himself, he pretty much left poker in shame. But uh, uh, we, since this was Sorrell's site, now Sorrell didn't really know the story much. He knew a little bit of it, but it was, it was a kind of a combination prank call and also to try to resolve it, to try to get Sorrell to pressure Zach to pay seriously serious for it. And uh, there's more to the story I don't remember, but we called Sorrell about that, and I called his Alvin Finkelstein. So it was, it was kind of like a half prank call and half serious call. But again, this wasn't really Sorrell's fault, but that was the last contact I had with him, and I don't think he ever knew I was pranking him. I think he really believed like an attorney was calling him. And by the way, for those of you wondering, it is not illegal to prank call someone to say you're an attorney. It is illegal to say you're the police. You can't do that. You can't be the police or any other law enforcement. You can call and say you're an attorney. The only thing you can't do by pretending to be an attorney is actually practice law. Like I can't show up in court and pretend to be an attorney. I can't file documents that only an attorney could file on behalf of a client if I'm not an attorney. Uh, I can't take money from someone for legal advice if I'm not an attorney. I can't give someone legal advice pretending to be an attorney, even if I don't take money, if I'm not an attorney. But to prank call someone or even to call someone on behalf of someone else just to scare and pretend to be an attorney, that's totally legal. You can totally you can do pose that. as one. You just can't actually represent yeah. as one. You, you, you can pose as one. You just can't practice law is basically the, the way to say it. So – so anyway, that's that's what I did. Is uh, and there was a purpose for the call. We were really trying to get uh, Sorrell to pressure Zach to pay seriously. Serious. Zach sold it to uh, seriously. Serious. See, it was something like uh, like the whole thing didn't get completed, and then uh, the whole thing fell apart, and then Zach like did a tiny bit of work at the very end and sold it as his own work. It was something like that. So it was basically seriously serious claiming this is all my work, and Zach sold it sold it as his. Yeah, I think he slapped some like logo up or something on the bottom of his, and then like took all the money. I remember yeah, the story yeah. So, so, so anyway, that was my last contact with Sorrell. But again, that situation wasn't his fault. I don't blame him for that, but I blame him for everything else he did. Now, Choice Center. We've talked about that on this show. This cult-like self-help group that uh, Negranu is very big into, and so is Antonio Esfandiari. Sorrell Mizzi joined Choice Center. A lot of people who join Choice Center are ones who feel like there's some sort of hole in their life, either an emotional hole, which I think is the reason Negreanu joined. Negreanu got involved in it shortly after his mom died. And my theory on this was that Negreanu felt like there was really no one who loved him anymore. There were people who really admired him and liked him but not loved him. And I think that he was vulnerable to that sort of thing. Antonio, I don't know. Uh, But a lot of the other people who joined were ones who had some kind of life leak issues, gambling addictions, drug addictions, whatever. Uh, poor poor responsibility with money, degenerate habits. So a lot of the guys you knew of in poker who were degenerates joined it. And a lot of the same people who joined it were ones who were hiring that life coach, Sam Chuan. It's, it's the same sort of thing, like directionless poker players who were successful at the table but pretty much a mess with everything else in life. So Sorrell definitely qualified as one who would be typical of joining this sort of thing. Someone who had a shady past, did some bad things, uh, seemed to always be cheating and multi-accounting and 
doing other dishonest things. So he joined Choice Center. I don't know who referred him to it, but he joined it. And supposedly he turned his life around. Supposedly he became much more honest and, and he was a changed man. And he, he uh, all that stuff was behind him. He realized the error of his ways. He realized that he was a scumbag before, but now he has grown as a person. The new Sorrel Mizzy would not do things like that anymore. The new Sorrel Mizzy is an honest guy who you could always trust to do the right thing. <laughs> now, on to the more recent accusations. This is a few years ago when he joined Choice Center. Here are the recent accusations. Someone made a fake account on 2 plus 2 so they could post anonymously about Sorrel and raise some concerns about things that have been happening recently. Shock upon shocks, it was again about cheating and multi-accounting. I know, you can't believe it. You can't believe it. Multi-accounting and Sorrel Mizzy. Who would have thought those would go together? The accusations were as follows. Number one, Sorrel was playing on PokerStars with a VPN, a virtual private network, while in the U.S. to try to make it appear he was playing from another country where it's okay to play there, but he's really playing from the U.S. Now, that by itself is not a big deal. It's a big deal for PokerStars, but not for the rest of us. But uh, that was the beginning of the accusation. But it gets much worse. Number two, Sorrel was multi-accounting during the most recent WCOOP main event there in September of 2015. One of Sorrell's accounts made the final table of the main event of the WCOOP. Sorrell also noticed that one of his friends was doing quite well in that tournament. Rory Brown, who plays there as Mr. Kingball, was also at the final table. But Rory did not know that Sorrell was there too, because Sorrell was under a phony account. Because he was multi-accounting. So Rory believed that Sorrell was only an observer of the tournament because Sorrell went to Rory and said, Hey, good job, man. I see you're, uh, you're at the final table of this thing. And Rory said, yeah, yeah. And he said, Oh, cool. Cool. I want to watch along with you. So Sorrell says, Oh, uh, anyway, what's your strategy there? How, how are you going to play this final table? Are you going to be aggressive? You know, who are you going to bluff? Uh, how, how are you going to play this thing? And Rory freely told him, <laughs> Rory told him exactly what his strategy is going to be coming in and how he's going to play each person and you know, his impressions of people at the table and and Sorrell's just sitting here going, mm-hmm, 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 yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, tell me more, tell me more. Brandon, tell me more. The fraud show? That's what it is. We're talking about Sorrell Mizzy, that fine gentleman of poker. What, Sorrell who? Sorrell Mizzy, the, the Never cheater. Never heard of him. Okay, well, so, so anyway, uh, he, Rory still didn't know that Sorrell was at his final table. He thought Sorrell's just making conversation because he's watching it. What show is this? Uh, this is the Mark Hoke show. Welcome. <laughs> Trader Ruski? <laughs> no, uh, we, no. We have some guy from Northern California uh, who, who listens to the show. He co-hosted with me once, and he just – Joe Seabock. Yeah, they, he, he no, crushed – No, I'm not crushing hella grapes, but I actually do live about 45 minutes away from that winery. Oh, wow. Well, he could be then. Maybe this has been Seabock all this time. I, I really don't really know who this guy is. That's the funny thing. Well, Good evening. So. Good evening, Brandon. How was your trip to the desert? Good stuff? I, I, I had a great time. Very nice uh, trip. Palm Springs is, is quite lovely. You know, I, what I, 
I don't get, you know, Vegas doesn't have this, but I, what I enjoyed the most, and, you know, people are going to think I'm insane because there's beautiful weather and golf, and, and I found the best deli that I've eaten in years in Palm Springs. It's hmm. called Sherman's Deli. Druff, have you heard of this? No, I'll have to go there, though, next time I'm in Palm Springs. I mean, you like delis, don't yeah, you? Yeah, I do, yeah. I mean, very. I'm not just talking like you know. Just you've been to the, there's one deli in Vegas for the most part, Bagel Cafe, in which I, I'm. I think we've eaten there before back in the old days, haven't yeah, we? Yeah, yeah. And that's not. I mean, would you even call that like a really good Jewish deli? No, I, no, it's I, not. No, not at all. So, uh, but yeah, I, I was in Palm Springs for uh, four days. Had a great time. Uh, I now that I have permission to speak more of it, I, I will say that I was actually. For the first time in my life, I was on a private jet. I was on a uh, four-seat, I guess, I guess it's a Cessna, uh, that one of PFA's very own members now proudly owns. Wow. And uh, actually met him, he picked me up, and I met his wife for the first time, or a significant other, and uh, I had a very, very good time there. Very good. Um, but, uh, yeah, you know, I'll tell you, it, it, it's I was a little nervous being on, like, I mean, a, a, it's a single engine. I mean, it, it, it's a fine fine aircraft i mean i'm not gonna lie but four seats and a single engine i mean if one of the engines or the only engine goes it's it's bailout time oh yeah things can be pretty touch and go sometimes yes in the the turbulence and stuff yeah but i mean even that kind of airplane i I don't i didn't ask but what would you say that goes for it it was 11 years old about five million maybe three million i don't know yeah it's not cheap though no. The the big expense of those things is storage and upkeep will yeah. actually rack up probably more than the value of the plane over the years. Yeah, that, that's true. That, that costs and, a lot and too the, to run it. The cost to take trips with yeah. it as well. Okay, so so let's you know I, I don't want who is this again, Druff? This, this uh, is some guy from Northern California. He has a good radio voice. Yeah, he's 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 you know Thanks, I liked Brandon. it. I liked it the time this guy was on here uh, a while ago, and then we never had him back. Just. He never, really never came back. He just he's kind of just sub hosts once in a while, which is now. Do you have a file on him? I mean, I, I have nothing. I, like if this guy did something really bad, if, if he murdered someone, I couldn't even tell you much about him. Does he have a screen name on the fraud site? Uh, no, I'm not a not a forum. No, like I know nothing about him. That's the funny oh. thing. I know and yet nothing. You're hosting radio with him. That's kind yes. of cool. <laughs> well, I, I've, I've, I don't know. I've been around forever. I've, I've since the very beginning, I even listened back when like Eversol and those guys did those radio wow. shows. Yeah, he seems to know a lot about stuff that happened on these Wait, sites. Wait, this might be that lurker guy? Well, there's a lot of lurker guys. No, but remember the one guy that said, talk to me about yourself, I'll tell you what I think of you, that guy? There was a thread on the fraud site, remember? No, I, 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 no I don't know. It's not him. That guy's from Texas. Well, anyhow, so Sormel Mizzy, when I last heard about this Mizzy, he was bottom dealing that Chinese poker. Right, right. So, so since then, now he now he made he's been playing poker stars from the U.S. using a VPN, and then he he multi accounted to make right. a final table during the W Coop. Everyone knows that he lives in that same development where uh, the the barricade took place. Right, right, in, in Vegas. Uh, so the Rhodes Ranch. Right. So, so, Ranch. so what happened, Brandon? Just to catch you up, is that he made the final table under one of his fake accounts there, and then. One of his friends made the final table too, and he like was talking to his friend about the, like how. Oh, sorry. So he was giving him advice how to play it. No, no, he's asking his friend how he is going to play it. And Worse. Just going, mm, so what are you going to do, and how are you going to play this guy, and what do you think of that player, and what's your strategy, and like so the guy's like so his friend, his name is Rory Brown, who plays there as Mr. Kingball, is like just giving up all this info how he's going to play the final table, not realizing that Sorrell is there too, and so so then it got even worse. Then Sorrell asked Rory. Hey, how about I ghost you during the final table? How about you just tell me all your hands, tell me all your whole cards, and I'll give you advice on how I would play the hands. 
You know what they need to do? This is what they need to do. It's probably never going to happen, but they need to make uh, like a sign, a vote, whatever. A poker commissioner, kind of like the Roger Goodell, that kind of power. <laughs> and then somebody like that, lifetime ban. Well, that's a, I've said this before. I've said lifetime that. Lifetime ban in every poker room. You sign up and you're part of it. You know what I mean? Like even yeah, if it's I, Pachanga and everyone has to honor it. And like Pete Rose <laughs> – not eligible. I've said that before. I've said that there should be some cooperation between all the poker rooms that serial cheaters are just shut out from every room. Yeah. So, so, so anyway, yeah, he tried to get like Rory. Russ Hamilton then would have to like go to India to play poker. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Or maybe Russia. He can go there too. So, also, so, so he tried to get Rory to tell him his whole cards too, like, like live super using. So Rory fortunately would not do that. He said, no, no, I don't really want to do that. But, uh, but anyway, uh, you know, I, I hope I do well. I, I got to go. So Sorrell at least knew how he was going to play the final table and the way he saw each opponent and his general strategy. He just couldn't get the whole cards because Rory wouldn't give it to him. So Rory ended up finishing sixth. I don't remember where Sorrell finished, but uh, uh, Rory. Rory was the friend he was screwing with here. Rory, his name no, is, I mean, is this someone I know? No, is his it... name is, I've never heard of him before. His name is Rory Brown, and he plays as Mr. Kingball. I never heard that. Yeah, I haven't, I haven't either. But anyway, so this, this came out recently. A fake account was registered on 2 Plus 2 who posted this story. There's also an aside to this story that the guy posted that Liv Bory, who's friends with Sorrell, knew about this whole thing. And she didn't report it to PokerStars, despite she being a sponsored pro there. And when she was asked to explain her cavalier attitude towards the cheating, if she knew about it, like why would she not report this, uh, she said that Sorrell had post-Burning Man schizophrenia. <laughs> And that's referring to the Burning Man Festival where Sorrell attended. And, and Surely you jest. So, so, so is, that really what, is that really what she that, said? Well, that's what this, this guy who posted on 2 Plus 2 claims. That Liv said that and that, uh, that Sorrell attended this in early September when it takes place and that uh, the W Hoops in later September. So he, he wasn't in a right state of mind because he had uh, schizophrenia for the drugs he did at the W Coop. You know what people say to me? Enough... I'm sorry. Go, go ahead, ahead North California. Oh, this... Go ahead. <laughs> So he's in good enough state of mind to go through a final table at some huge tournament, but yet his ethics just magically haven't come back yet. Yeah. So, excuses. so once again, these are accusations from a third party who made a fake account on 2 plus 2. So you may think, what if these are all just made up? What if poor Sorrell, who's, who's the salt of the earth and has always been so honest in poker, what if, what if this time he's being falsely accused? Well, apparently not. Rory Brand himself showed up to the thread and said the following. I cannot go into detail on the topic regarding Sorrell publicly, as this is between me and him and stars at this point. I am not confirming the specifics of the original post, which include a number of factual errors. What I will address is the original poster's allegation that Liv was somehow defending his alleged actions. So right there you can see that there's something to this. Like he's claiming there's some, a- some factual errors, but if this was all just made up and false, he'd say this is totally not true, this never happened, Sorrell didn't do this. Here he's saying, yeah, this is between me and Sorrell and stars. Obviously this happened. Maybe there's some details wrong, but obviously this happened. But, but Rory mainly showed up just to defend Liv. Maybe he has a crush on her or something. But he said, I called her in November around five to six weeks after the W Coop when these allegations first surfaced as she was a mutual friend of both of ours. I was having issues with Sorrell not only regarding this but also some other non-poker topics. She suggested I ask him about it because they didn't have any evidence. Concerning the non-poker issues I had with him, she pointed out that Sorrell had been really going through something that began in October, and I should be considering this when judging his actions since late October. <laughs> I guess that's uh, post-post-burning man schizophrenia. 
in no way did I see Liv defending any allegations about him in the W Coop. These accusations weren't claiming she was defending it, more like she was just kind of taking a cavalier attitude. When I asked Sorrell about it, he said that he had been coaching Binder, Nuthut, and that was all. I don't know what that means. Uh, This is my statement about the issue. While I've spoken privately to some people, I do not have any evidence against Sorrell, so I will not speak of it publicly anymore. Sorry, he says, I do not have any evidence for or against Sorrell. However, I will talk to Poker Stars and help their ongoing investigation regarding W Coop. So this sounds like he doesn't have any smoking gut evidence that he can present to the public, but uh, obviously he's very suspicious about this and there's something to the story and he was more kind of showing up and saying Liv didn't support this, but it it, it does seem like Liv's just making excuses for him. So, so Brandon, you, you had something to say about all this? Yeah, I was going to say when people ask me questions in general that I don't want to answer or I just feel put off, I just say, Daniel Schreiber, I'm a goddamn subscriber. <laughs> and that that's, I've been saying that a lot lately, like just randomly. Is that weird? But like you can say it in different ways, like say you're walking... You know, in a casino, and you see a really hot girl. Then you say, "Daniel Shriver, I'm a goddamn subscriber." Like, you know what I'm saying? I, you I can think, say it like in an angry. Go ahead. I think you're developing Tourette's. That's what I think. <laughs> Anyhow, I, I stick with what I said earlier. I, I think Northern California hosts will agree. The you name a commissioner, okay, you get somebody really old and angry and pissed off, kind of like Bud Seelig, okay, and then they just start banning people, and then they have to go to like North Korea or something to play poker. That's, it's very, very simple. Yeah. Something has to be done. And, and by the way, as I mentioned a little earlier, Sorrell is part of Choice Center, and that uh, so he got to be friends with Esfandiari and other people who were really into that. But it seems like those friendships are souring as well. Uh, the poster on 2 Plus 2 said this, It is common knowledge in the high-stakes community, you won't see him at any super high roller events. The guys who are buying pieces of him have completely written him off. He owed a lot of money and sold his place in Vegas to pay back all the debts he has from complete degeneracy. Antonio Esfandiari put the word out when he found out about this. So I guess uh, Antonio and others have turned their back on him, and they, they're just so tired what, of the shit. What's his leak? I, I've never met the guy. I don't, I don't know either. Before. Is it drugs? Is it? Oh yeah, pills? drugs. Drugs is some of it too. He posted something on Twitter like uh, the pills. I bet something about how he 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 disappeared from Twitter for a while, and then posted like. Uh, Okay, I'm going to be staying off drugs now. Like, like he disappeared for months, and then they like, came back with a proclamation that the drugs are over. So, he definitely has some drug issues. And let me ask you: If you had to lose all your money, would you do it? If you had to, I'm saying, yeah, would you do it like the Michael Mizrachi way and like Bakara one hand of a t- at a time, or would you do it on pain pills and at least feel good about it? You have to though. Like they're like, oh no, I look at it like this. It's like Brewster's Million. Remember a great movie? I, lo- I it's very underrated. Yeah, that is, that is underrated. You're if right. they're going to make a good remake. I mean, they make all these remakes of these awful movies. Some of them are good. Why haven't they done a new Brewster's movie? They should. That that was I, for those of you that don't know. That was uh, where where uh, Richard Pryor, who played this uh, character Brewster, had to spend what was it a million dollars? Then I think his name was Monty Brewster. Yep, he had to spend a million dollars to inherit a hundred. Yeah, within like thirty days. But the thing that the, the twist of it was, he could not acquire any assets. Yeah, so his most brilliant move. Remember what his most brilliant move in the movie was? To circumvent this? No, I'm forgetting he what. He bought a stamp worth like $87,000 and then used it to mail a post. Oh, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, so yeah. Uh, Why not remake that movie? Well, you know, if, if I'm going to – if I would blow all my money, I would just want something fun. See, I wouldn't want pain pills because I wouldn't want to do drugs even if they're free. Uh, like, but, but I would – you know, something – 
just blowing it like Mizraki. Part of the way he blew it was by having that like, good entourage. They drove around in a bus and drove them around everywhere. At least he, so at least Mizraki was like having some fun. Tellus, like a Todd would tell us tour bus. Yeah, maybe I could have an entourage and uh, and things like that. Who'd be in your entourage? It'd be you. It'd be Scaler. <laughs> <laughs> Who else would you guys be riding? I, I, I don't know. Maybe. What was that other misfit woman? The one that was always angry on the phone. Oh, uh, Stephanie. Stephanie. No, no, I, no, I, could, I couldn't. Else? No, I couldn't bring Stephanie and Cully bring, around there. Yeah, bring Marty, and he's in the back. See, that's the problem. I, I, I have to limit all those people. Most, most of the people I put on this show, like, it's characters I don't think I'd want on the bus. So who would be on the bus? I, people you probably wouldn't know. Hmm. Yeah. So, so, so you're saying I don't know any of the people that, that you really care about. <laughs> you know a few of them, but yeah. So. Uh, Anyway, it looks like uh, Sorrell's in uh, trouble again. I don't know if PokerStar is going to do anything about this, but uh, wait—is he still part of PokerStar, or you mean because he cheated, or because he uh, VPN? Well, the VPN and the cheating in this tournament too. Yeah, but is there proof of any of this? No, is Stars all- is looking into it. It's kind of just like coming out now. I don't know why it took so long because this is back in September, but. Uh, but uh, Rory Brown just posted about this. That stars are still looking into it. They're investigating. For some reason it takes two or four months to the the the, the refugee story. It would have happened four years ago. Yeah, I know Not everything's delayed years. now. Really, four years? Come on. Yeah, you know. Find that guy a phony. No, I'll tell you one person who'd be on the bus who you might know. Uh, actually, you weren't. Paul part- McCartney can't even get into a Grammys concert. What does this world come into? You know, you were you you weren't part of this episode. But for those of you that did listen, uh, one person that would be on the bus would be Poker Will. <laughs> not poker will. Uh, sorry, photo will. Not photo poker. Will. Photo will. I'm sorry, I messed that up. Photo will would be on the bus. And uh, so, so, so let me ask the, the two gentlemen, so I can get caught up. Sometimes in the show, they'll actually, you know, briefly recap what's been covered. Uh, I'm looking at the agenda for this evening that Druff posted. Did uh, did you gentlemen talk about the upcoming release of the WSOP schedule? Yes. Okay. Did you guys talk about the UB cheater? Uh, yes. Nick Pearson. Yes. Yes. Right. yes. We're talking about Sorrel now. What about that golf on? No, we haven't talked about that yet. What about the Palm Beach Kennel Club? Yes, we even had the guy on. Oh, oh lovely. Well, uh, full, tilt, full tilt merging? Yeah. Uh, no, we haven't talked about that either. Caesar's bankruptcy? No. The grinder is doing something. The grinder, Miss Grinder, is at Hylia Park doing something? Not about her, but yeah, we talked about Hylia Park. Well, as you know, she works there. Yeah, that's right. Remember my idea yeah, yeah. of having them all work? Yeah. Remember all the, yeah, okay. The merge network? No. And the you general stuff? the general topics. And the general stuff, no. So let's talk okay. about Phil Galfond. Did you see what, what he released, Brandon? No, no idea. Uh, Poker News has decided to come up with a novel idea. I can't. I, I'm. I think this is a very creative thing and something I've never thought of. Uh, that is to have a site which discusses uh, people who scam and cheat in poker. I I don't know where they came up with that idea, but uh, Poker News is now doing a series or trying to do a series where people come forward with those who uh, rip them off in poker, and then Poker News publishes their story. So it's, it's PokerNewsFraudAlert.com, I think, is the site. And uh, so, that Sorrel Mizzy. So they didn't do Sorrel Mizzy, but was, you know, because uh, the, the victim of Sorrel Mizzy, this Roy Brown, would have to step forward. But Phil Galfon stepped forward because he was a victim. And uh, this has been getting a lot of publicity. Unlike the Mizzy story, which is getting very little, this one's getting a lot. And that is that uh, – uh, he, that uh, a guy borrowed a lot of money from him, 250k, and then just stiffed him. So uh, he came out and told the whole story. Let me uh, let me find this here. I'm just getting something into the newsroom here. It seems like uh, Jay Serialist. He's not very happy. I don't. I'm trying to read it. No, about he's this. never happy. Okay. 
honestly, I don't really know or care why he's not happy. But something about his grandma. I, I don't know. But I was. Uh, I tried to help him out with getting Bovada working, despite everything. Did it work? Yeah, it worked. I, he claimed it happened on its own without my help, and I, I, I gave some good suggestions. Anyway, so here's what Phil Alphonse said. He, he, he. And for those that don't know, Phil Galphon back in the day he went by his more famous name. Oh my God, Clay Aiken. Yes, yeah, and he's married. He, he's married to some actress now. I don't yeah, really, I remember reading that. Yeah, like some soap opera actress or something. So, Phil Galphon, who still plays high stakes poker. Uh, this article was released on February 16th, yesterday, on Poker News. It's called, Speaking Up About High Stake Thieves. He said, This past week, I played a big game at Ari with some very successful players. At one point in the night, the conversation turned to debt, or more specifically, people who owe us money. A couple of the stories were about those who'd fallen on hard times and were unable to repay a loan, but the majority of our tales were about outright thieves, people who set out to scam, cheat, or steal from the beginning. It's disturbing how many of these people are out there and how they play among us without everyone knowing what they really are. A couple of the names mentioned were people I'd heard of but never heard anything bad about. At least one was present in the ARIA room as we were having the conversation. We were laughing about it, I suppose because we'd all survived despite being stolen from, but it's decidedly unfunny that all these people keep their reputations intact to steal or scam again. Many people don't out these thieves for fear of upsetting them or for fear of losing leverage. Many believe that their debtor would pay if he were able to or that they are close to a resolution. In some cases this is true. In many others the debtor is simply keeping up appearances in order to maintain his reputation. Others don't speak up because they're embarrassed they were scammed or simply because they want to avoid drama. They prefer to put the whole, orde- whole ordeal behind them, hoping that in the back of their minds that one day they'll miraculously be repaid. The problem is those who set out to steal from others never have any intention to repay. They are often good at playing a part and they benefit from our instinct to stay quiet. We, meet, we need to fight this instinct, not only to pressure those who owe us, but also to show other would-be thieves that they can expect to be outed and to protect good people from becoming victims. The stories I heard from my friends are theirs to tell, but I'm going to tell a very recent one of my own. I hope that others will follow suit. Sam- no, I was almost on that list. Really? You scammed uh, Phil Galfond? No, Bob Loria. He claimed $144. Oh, that's right. That's, no, 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 $168. Because $168 because he quit suddenly in Fantasyland and I didn't pay him <laughs> within three days. And then he blew up Twitter. That, that'll, be the, that'll be part two of the series. Uh, Bob Loria. He's been paid since. And, uh, Negotiated. Jeff literally negotiated a settlement <laughs> for one hundred sixty-eight dollars. <laughs> yes. Samuel Tuil. Have you ever heard of him? T o u i l. He was in the Bible. Maybe. No, he he plays a plays occasionally in high stakes cash games in Vegas. He was in Vegas playing regularly this past winter in between baccarat sessions, and I found myself in games with him on occasion. He seemed to be losing far often, far more often than winning, but also seemed to have an endless stream of reloading money. One weekend, that stream dried up, and Sammy needed some money until his next wire arrived. Here's where the trouble begins. The very short story here is that I loaned him $250,000. The long story as to why I did something so seemingly stupid is, well, long, and it involves other people who I don't want to get involved in public drama. While I'd like to expound on this part of the story that so I look less naive, it's not the part that matters. I'm guessing that some people told him he was good for it, and then it turned out he wasn't. Anyway... I'd like to make it clear that I'm absolutely not telling this story for sympathy. I made a decision. I knew the risks. I'll handle the consequences. I'm sure many of you will think that I made a dumb decision. As it turns out, you'd be right. Obviously, you know where this is heading. Sammy lost the money and left, telling me I'd get my 250k the next day. The next day turned into the next week because, quote, banks were closed for Christmas. I knew I was in trouble after Sammy attempted two angles during that session. The first was your typical shorting a pot trick putting in less money than owed and hoping no one noticed. In another hand, after shoving, Sammy's opponent said call and flipped his hand up. 
Sammy threw his hand directly into the muck and argued vehemently to the dealer that his opponents had fold. While they refused to side with him, Sammy tried to appeal to his opponent's sympathy for some of the potback. That didn't work either. Days later, I was told another player in the same game saw Sammy angle a third time, successfully shorting a pot against me. Immediately, I was worried about, getting my, about my chances of being repaid. However, as I said, Sammy clearly had a lot of money. I remained optimistic, as it seemed clear he intended to stick around and play more poker, and 250000 wasn't a large sum to him. Over the weekend, I found out that Sammy was playing at the Bellagio. I didn't want to play, but I decided any, to anyway in the hopes I'd be repaid. After that session, I managed to get back just 50000 now, I don't know if he means he won 50000 off him or, or that he's got him to call for 50000 Probably the latter. If you're wondering why he was playing in a game instead of repaying me, trust me, I was too. He continued to insist that a wire was coming the next week and that he would pay me then. He needed the money he had left to gamble through the weekend. Don't worry, my friend, he repeated over and over. Some other players spoke up on my behalf, asking the Bellagio staff if there was anything they could do. Sammy had more than he owed sitting in the... He had more than he owed me sitting on the table, unfortunately, but not all surprisingly, their hands were tied. After leaving for a short while, Sammy claimed that he had lost the rest of the money at Baccarat. I continued to press him that night to repay me. Eventually, he got angry and threatened to claim that he lent me $50,000 that night on camera and that I owe it to him. So I guess the 50000 he got paid back, Sammy was threatening, if you take this public, I'm going to claim that I lent you this money you owe it to me. And it's on camera. He left, insisting that I'd see my money on Tuesday. He didn't have it on Tuesday, at which point I had to leave for a family trip. I gave him my wire instructions in the name of other players in Vegas that he could give the money to. He acted very serious about making sure he got all the proper wire details. From that point on, he dodged me for months. Last week, after receiving a letter from my lawyer, he finally told me he wanted to talk. I called cautiously optimistic for him to pick up. Sammy answered, then pretended to be confused by my lawyer's letter. He told me that he borrowed 50000 and paid back 50000 and that we're square. I told him the conversation was pointless and said goodbye. So, I'm not going to go on the rest. He's just kind of justifying why he's telling this whole story, just you know, because it's important to out scammers, blah blah blah. Wait, so what happened now? Let me read the whole thing again. <laughs> okay, so here's the beginning. Uh, Jesus. My name's Phil Galfon. I play at the Aria. No, all right. So here, here's so basically the the guy. Uh, so he lost the hand. The, the guy owes him two hundred fifty thousand, or owed him two hundred fifty thousand. Paid back fifty after a lot of pressure. And uh, and then when when he demanded the rest, the guy claimed, "Well, uh, the the fifty I gave you was actually a loan to you, so you owe me 50. And then in the next call, after he got a letter from the lawyer, he's claiming, "Well, that fifty was me paying you back the whole fifty I owe you," and just pretended like the other two hundred didn't exist. So so basically, he screwed Galfon out of two hundred thousand, and almost two fifty if if Galfon hadn't been uh, pressing so hard. So Galfon went to Poker News to tell the story. Poker News tried to go to. Sammy Tuil and ask if for his side and he wouldn't give it. He just said, I don't want to talk about it, which means I'm sure he's guilty. So uh, this guy's being outed and Galfon is, is making the point that you should not be quiet when someone owes you money and is, is dragging it because, as I've said for a long time, scammers love secrets. They don't want these things out there. It seems intuitive to not report these people because if you if you report to the public what's going on then the person who owes you is going to be mad and they're not going to want to pay you out of spite but that's not really true they may be mad but they're not paying you because they can get away with not paying you if you make it public or threaten to make it public then they will pay you if they can or they'll start paying you because they know they want to borrow from others and once a story like this gets out no one's going to loan them ever again so 
they really, really want to protect their borrowing power. And I'm not, I'm not saying you should do this just uh, so others are victims. I'm saying that uh, if you want to get your money back, they need to know you're going to go public. You shouldn't be Mr. Nice Guy. After the beginning, you should give them a little time. But after uh, more time passes and they're clearly dodging you or giving you BS stories. Like what happened with you and Neverheat. <laughs> Don't bring he poor Neverheat into well, but this. He ruined his borrowing power with the crack cocaine, no? Yeah, it's only $100, though. It adds up. I know, Quincy I, Beans, boom, another hundred, another hundred here, another hundred. Well, no, there. don't don't drag poor Quincy Beans into this. Poor Quincy. No, I'm not. Poor. I like Quincy Beans. He, he, no, he he ended school. up. No, Quincy Beans ended up. He was the one who was a victim. Not uh, he well, didn't do anything. Yeah, but still a hundred dollars. I know. But yeah, uh, yeah look, this. Uh, the thing is, if somebody has scammed you, especially in poker, especially someone who's known in poker, or even semi-known, doesn't have to be like a Phil Hellmuth type, just anyone who, who people know even a little bit that uh, might be borrowing from others, if they stall paying you back, number one, try to get as much evidence as possible, text messages where they admit to owing the money, emails, whatever, anything you can reproduce if, ne- if necessary, if they deny it, and then start gently pressuring them. Well, first, be very persistent. Call every day. Text them every day. Be very persistent. Don't let them stall you for weeks. Okay, I'll get you back to you in three weeks. Don't let them do that. And number two, if they won't pay you, then start gently threatening that you're going to bring it out. Not like, you better pay me now or I'm going to 2 plus 2 or going to Poker Fraud Alert. But you say things like, uh, I'm trusting you to do the right thing here. You know, Making this public uh, isn't the way I'd like to go, so let's just uh, let's just get this done. Things like that. Where, uh, or I, I, I don't want to... I don't like making things like this public and turning them into a spectacle. I really don't enjoy doing that. Uh, I, I'm trusting that you're going to pay me and, and we won't have any further problems. Things like that, where you're acting like you're trusting them when you're really not, but they get the message. And, in fact, that was the advice I gave Mikon regarding Eric Lindgren before all this info came out about Lindgren being uh, a deadbeat. Uh, when he told me Lindgren owed him like $30,000. Hold on, but let's say it right, please. Let's not give, uh, what do they call it, a misrepresentation. Uh, Todd. Yeah. Oh, do you need me to fill in the? Oh well, okay. that, that, it wasn't Mycon's thirty thousand. Exactly. Like, it, it was out money. Of that, out of that thirty, Mycon's share of it was about twenty five hundred. Okay, so I'm just saying he'd tweet and he would say he stole this money, he owes me this money, but the large part of it was for what's the one? Yeah, the the one guy in that. that, that Lived in Chicago. Well, it was like for a fantasy football thing where yes, several people, he, several like people went together on it. Really yeah. good at fantasy football, and he got the most of it. But anyhow, Mike got a token piece. He didn't even pay uh, an entry fee. Oh, I didn't know that either. Leak. So, okay. anyway, the point is, yeah, it was less than uh, it was about seven percent of what the amount. Okay, was. but but my point still remains that I, I gave Mike on advice that uh, you right. need to just every day text him. Don't just. And I'm saying it's a little misleading. People are like, wow, Mike on Lingrid on Mike on 30k. That's not the case. Okay, I mean you're correct there. That's uh, that's that's a good clarification. But and then uh, people think he was balling. Why does he need <laughs> to borrow money for the slots when he's, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Well, 30k is nothing in the poker world anyway. That could be gone in a second. So, but you're right though. It wasn't Mike. I'm saying for some in general, that's a lot of money. Yeah. Well, no, but it was. Yeah, it wasn't mostly Mike's money. But anyway, I told him just keep every single day pressure him. And number two, when he doesn't respond positively, he doesn't keep. He doesn't pay you. Start. Gently referring to that this may have to go public, and sure enough, that's her ass on the internet, and then it all just yeah. Comes well, to but him. he didn't have Lingren's ass. If he did, then they would have gotten paid a long time ago. But uh, right. 
but he did get Lindgren to pay him with with my advice. So it, Lindgren had to piss at first and, and was uh, was going, now, "What you threatening me?" Let me ask you something. He posted, as you remember, my ass on the internet with the little Donkdown logo. So does that mean that my ass is owned by Donkdown? <laughs> Did I not own the rights to my own ass? You know what? It's very possible that that if you post a picture of your own ass, that Mike kind of could file a DMCA claim to make you take it down. <laughs> I hired that one guy that makes the YouTube videos and knows all about that. The guy from the one site? The guy who made the funny YouTube videos. Oh, serious, serious, serious. Yeah, okay. Guy. He said the guy from that one site. That's going to confuse me. I like him. Yeah, no, I like him too. I'm glad he's remember back and forth. remember he kind of was torn because he worked for the one guy and then he did the other guy. Yeah, I know. I know he. I know he was kind of close to Mike on for a while, but he now made the right. He's on the fraud site. Yeah, I know he made the right decision. He, he joined Absolutely. the right team. So, anyway, that's so. If there's somebody who owes you money, just bring it out. And in fact, uh, Eric Ryland currently right. has a situation. Well, you owe me a hundred dollars. I do. I, thought, I do. <laughs> Should I put you on the Phil Goff on site? No. You, you just did. You put me on my own site saying I owe you $100. But uh, Eric Ryland, by the way, there's someone who owes him money. and uh, Ball sniffer. He, he's close to bringing it out, and uh, you know, he, he asked if I can mediate, and I said, sure, well, I'll mediate. Someone owes Eric money? Yes. Someone... Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah, I've so always he's... rooted for that. When does he finally turn 21? <laughs> I think in eight years. Do you remember, like, he was, like, the last of the people on the forums that wasn't even, like, close to 21. Yeah. I remember he used to write, like, in two, three years, when I'm 21, everyone's <laughs> going to know my name. Do you remember that shit? Yeah, yeah. No, the sad thing is it's been so long since all that, like, like even, like, he a 10 years. He used to go crazy. He'd go on full tilt poker in the chat when, like, they had the red pros playing. And if one of them acknowledged him, remember, he'd write, like, he'd post the chat transcript. Yeah. he was so happy that uh, Aaron Bartley or what are yeah. the other – what are the other mutts that used to be on there? <laughs> well, he used, he used to claim to talk Who's to this? Mike Matisau and stuff. Who's that? Traderuski? <laughs> yeah, it's it's Traderuski's north northern what, Cal affiliate. What what what? what were, remember there was like a Lynn, like that Asian woman, or no, Lynette something? Yeah, yeah, Lynette Chan. Chan. Lynette Chan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, there were like 125 pros on there. It was ridiculous. Right, but before they were Patterson. Yes, yes. What was the one dude? Uh, it's like the father and a son. Uh, God. Yeah, I don't know. Stuart Patterson. I think. The, I think the only thing Stuart. I think the only thing Stuart. Yeah. The only thing Stuart Patterson did to become a red pro was being a wheelchair. I think that was his accomplishment. Was being in a wheelchair. I'm not even kidding. Like he didn't do anything. Well, no, not, uh, Barry Boatman. No, yeah, Bar- no Bar- oh, yeah. Barney. Yeah, Barney Boatman. Yeah, Barney yeah. Boatman. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, really? Come on, Barney Boatman. So. Jeez. Yeah, so uh, what was I going to say? I, I so got Ryland got rolled. Well, yeah, no, can you give us a little bit more without? Uh, it had to do with something like like a private site he was playing on, like like one of these home game online poker sites that's closed to the public, and someone rolled him who was running one of those sites, or something like that. So uh, supposedly there's going to be like some mediation. No, he texted me a couple of times asking me to stake him. Oh, yeah, I know what I was going to say. In, you know what in... I responded? No. But what do I say when I feel uncomfortable? Nothing? Daniel Shriver. Shriver. Okay, okay. Damn subscriber. Absolutely. Here, you want to hear something uh, disturbing, Brandon? I like this guy. When I joined Never Win Poker, if someone, when I joined, was nine years old and three months, they'd be 21 now. God, it's amazing. Nine years old and three months, when I joined Never Win Poker, now they'd be 21. So I think even Ryland's got to be 21 by now. You know, if if the one guy that does this show with us uh, doesn't come back... And then, how does remember you took my name off it when I didn't come back for a yeah. while? 
we should change the name to the Druff Drexel and the guy from Northern California. Show. I, I thought you were going to suggest that the Druff Drexel and Daniel Schreiber show. Yeah. <laughs> You know, Daniel Schreiber has, like, one career, like, decent cash in his whole life. That's it. Well, we should get him on here. He probably won't he be too hard to get. His last cash was uh, $520 two years ago. In, what, how do you pronounce it? Chocata? Chocata? A Chocta. Yeah, that one. <laughs> how, much for, how much for the Ewing guy who's going to be spewing? <laughs> <laughs> this guy's good. And you know nothing about him, Druff, honestly? No, nothing. He's just one of these lurkers who... One day said, I'll be a co-host. I'm like, well, it's better than doing it myself. Okay, I don't know who you are, but I put him on. He did a good job. I was like, you know, I have no idea who he is, but he did a good job. So then tonight he texted me, and I didn't see the text at first that he wants to co-host since Daredevil can't make it, and you're not going to be here till later. So I thought, okay. Uh, but actually, I didn't think, okay, I didn't see it. And then I, I was reading the text on the air, and I saw it. I'm like, okay, I'm just going to call now, him. I have to be honest. I do take a little bit of, a, of objection in the uh, the preamble, the the radio thread, you wrote that Brandon is going to be late this evening. But in theory, I'm not late because we made an agreement uh, off the air that you would do the poker thing, such as the what Full Tilt and Melanie Weisner and Sorrel Mizzy and the blacklist of Phil Goffin. Then I come on and we talk about the NBA fail and the politics and the fun stuff. So oh, you're I'm early this. tonight, Brandon. Well, that's my point. So oh, when yeah. you wrote on the thread... Uh, Whittles that I was going to be late tonight that was also misleading like MyCon being owed 30000 by Lindgren. Would you agree? Yeah, I probably didn't phrase that well. Thank you. That's all I wanted. Because I really wasn't late. Like, if you would have said, hey, I need you on a nine, you know, whatever, but this is remember we talked about, I come on when the poker stuff's over, you know, yeah. and then it's Yeah, yeah, no, I, I, no, I thought tonight, though, you, you would have come on for it. You just uh, had to go to dinner or something and... Uh... Well, yeah, but I that, that, That's what I was on... thinking when I wrote that. It was like, uh, it, 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 okay. it wasn't, it wasn't like I wasn't thinking like, oh, Brandon just doesn't want to come on for this, so he'll be late. Like that's why I, I, I really thought that you wanted to come for that stuff, but couldn't. Anyway, here's here's a text I got from eight one seven. Hello, Todd. What area code is eight one seven? I think it's Texas. Are you losing your touch? You used to be able to snap it off. Yeah, like... a little bit. You know, it's just it's just there's so many area codes and we get confused. Hello, Todd. I would like to listen. I'd love to listen to Chico Loco before he gets deported by Donald Trump. I've been talking with many Trump supporters and feel like a good number of them are the most ignorant and uneducated people in America. They go crazy when they hear the they hear the words "Let's make America great again," which I believe was a political riot, a political line that the Ronald the the Ronald Reagan used. Well, I never heard that from the the Ronald Reagan. Uh, you're probably confusing this with the "Morning in America" commercial from 1984 uh, when he was running against Mondale, but that was something different. That was less uh, that, that was less gimmicky than than uh, "Let's make America great again." Here's the Morning in America commercial that uh, got to be well-known over the years after it ran. It's morning again in America. Today, more men and women will go to work than ever before in our country's history. With interest rates at about half the record highs of 1980. By the way, the reason this commercial was going is that uh, the country was in a really crappy circumstance in 1980. The interest rates were the highest they'd ever been. They were just insanely high, you know, like uh, uh, as high as 20% in some cases, would you believe? And uh, and so so four years later when Reagan was running for re-election, the interest rates were way down and uh, unemployment was way down. Everything had improved big time in those four years. I remember I had like a couple hundred dollars in like my passport savings account as a kid and I'd like 
find out that a month later I made like $8 in interest. Remember those yeah, days? Yeah, yeah, you were making a lot of interest back then. Yes. That was the good side, but the bad side is, uh, is that uh, uh, everything did was – Did you have it, a passport it, savings account? Yes, and, but in, infla- inflation was, was just eating your money so quickly that whatever you had wasn't worth much and very quickly. Nearly 2,000 families today will buy new homes, more than at any time in the past four years. This afternoon, 6,500 young men and women will be married. And with inflation at less than half of what it was just four years ago, they can look forward with confidence. To- what do you think the chances are that these people showing getting married would be together 32 years later? I think like very few of them would be, even though these are fake weddings. But uh, uh, By the way, this commercial, doesn't this sound like something from the mid-'80s? Could you picture, like, just from hearing it, does it sound like something that could ever run today? No. J- just from the way it's being narrated? The future. It's morning again in America, and under the leadership of President Reagan, our country is prouder and stronger and better. Why would we ever want to return to where we were less than four short years ago? And Todd's area code game is still pretty on point. 817 is the Fort Worth area. Oh, good. Good. So, so anyway, uh, that was the famous Morning in America ad, and uh, Walter Mondale got crushed in that election. He lost every state except for Minnesota. He also won D.C. Mondale, but and it was even close to Minnesota. Yeah. So that's his home state. Yeah, that was his home state. And Reagan went there at the last minute to try to pull a fifty-state sweep when he saw he was going to probably win the other forty-nine, but it, it didn't quite you know, work out. What year uh, did did Walter Mondale? He ran. Did he only run one time? Yes, in 84, yeah. You know, 84, and he's from the same state as that, that Ryland kid. Yeah. You know, Ryland wasn't even a glint in the eye of the man who raped his mother when yeah. Mondale went, <laughs> ran for president. He wasn't. Wow. And by the way, the, Mondale's running mate was the first woman to Geraldine ever— Geraldine Yeah, she was the first woman to ever run for vice president. Mm-hmm. Uh, she died. She's no longer— She had a perm. Yeah, she died in like 09 or something. Yeah. So anyway, uh, that uh, so you hear from this commercial, this wasn't like uh, a gimmicky, we're going to make America great again. This is like a serious commercial saying that uh, things have improved a lot in America in the last four years. But you, you couldn't – the way Donald Trump acts now, you could never do that in 1984 and get away with it. Like that, that wouldn't go over back then. It's, it's gotten a lot more outrageous now. She died in uh, 2011. Oh, okay. I, th- I thought it was 09. Close At the age of uh, 76. I mean that's – what do you think she died of? I have no idea. Cancer? Cancer? Yeah, was, uh, let's see. Yep, continued cancer. Yeah, Jesus, that cancer. Uh, yep. And she actually wasn't out of politics. Her last job, she was actually, uh, she was the United States Ambassador to the United Nations Commission on Human Rights under Bill Clinton. What does that job do? You're the United States ambassador to the United Nations Commission on Human Rights. They so deal with uh, they deal with poker prisons down in. Yeah, the I was about to say that they talk <laughs> about uh, refugee camps in in the Bahamas. If you get if you get imprisoned there as a American citizen. And then but, before that, she was the ser- tell me what this job is. I never even heard. She's a, she was a secretary of the Democratic House Caucus under Tip O'Neill. What does that mean? What does a secretary secretary of the Democratic House Caucus do? I don't know. I don't know what that does either. 
Do you know Northern California? Can you tell me what if you run and you get elected to be the sec or maybe you're appointed as a secretary? Now you wouldn't be elected to it. But, I'm sorry. You wouldn't be elected, but uh, yeah, I'm not sure what the. Uh, I don't. I don't know anything about. Maybe, maybe the chat room knows that one. That's a little obscure. I don't know that one. Oh, they eliminated the position in 1987 after. That, she that's that's why I don't know it. <laughs> that's probably why I don't know it. I'm like, I, how come I never hear that being mentioned? Okay, so uh, anyway, let's let's continue reading the text here. Uh, this is from the 505 regarding – maybe you know this, Brandon. People are claiming that they don't use phones to geolocate for WSOP.com anymore in Nevada. Is that true? Um, you know, every time I've logged in – and now I'm going to be honest, it's maybe once a month, sometimes maybe even longer. I actually did do it recently, but my phone is always next to me. And it does give me that uh, little, you know, we're trying to locate you right now, blah, blah, blah. But I did also log in from Palm Springs, so it probably isn't. <laughs> okay. So, I don't, yeah. So, I don't, he, yeah, he says that they're, uh, I'm surprised you got away with it because he said that they use the uh, the IP. No, I'm, I'm kidding. I, I didn't log okay. in from Palm Springs. But, yeah, it, it's, from what I've been told, and, and you can tell me, your phone actually has to be physically next to you or with you uh, to, you know, to be able to log in. No, it just has to be in 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 Nevada, but uh, that's what I heard. But everyone's saying that they just use the IP now, which is kind of hard to believe, but that's what everyone's saying, including someone but, from the 505. But I don't understand. When I log on, there's no one playing. So who are these people? <laughs> who are these people? Like, I mean, we're, you know, there's, it's a ghost town. It's probably all the people who just log on, see nobody's playing, and quit. That's so let me ask you is. this. If my phone right now was physically turned off, like powered off, should I not be able to log into that? Uh, that that's, that's what they're claiming. By the way, from the five one two, when I was claiming earlier that I, I've never been accused of, of ripping anyone off uh, in poker, from the five one two, they said lies. You cheated Marty out of forty dollars. <laughs> <laughs> and from the uh, from the eight one three, this is referring to the kennel club where they uh, were allowing people to sit where they wanted, that they'd just be placed where they wanted to at request instead of being randomly seated at tournament tables. This guy said, I used to always choose what seat I wanted at a tournament at the Daytona Beach Kennel Club. I didn't even have to tip. They just would let me – just would sit me and say – I'd say I'd rather sit over there, and they say, yeah, that's fine. <laughs> I wish I could do that in tournaments. Just go, I mean, if you live down in Florida, would you feel comfortable playing poker in a kennel club? No. They, they sound awful. Yeah. I'd, I'd probably rather pay, play poker in an actual kennel. Yeah. With dogs. Uh, so uh, 872 wants to know about the Daniel Shriver origination. That was uh, from a commercial about Hero Poker, which Mikon did, where he, he just went through their pro roster and just would uh, just came up with things to say about them when he didn't really know who they were. So he'd go, Daniel Shriver, I'm a goddamn subscriber. That was, that was how he described Daniel Shriver. So... Is it kind of getting a second wind? Is just picking up some steam? Oh, big time! Oh, it's making a comeback. <laughs> yeah, big, big time. So, okay, T Buck Twenty Seven wants to call in. Now, uh, did he just kind of come back out of nowhere? This T Buck? Yeah, he did. He, he did come back, back out of nowhere. In the day, but then wasn't there like a long hiatus? Maybe like a prison sentence, and now he's back. Well, I wouldn't say a sentence, but it's something. You don't know. Okay, so you're telling me you can say a hundred percent. On your life, your family's life, your your net worth, that he did not serve a prison term. No, I'm just saying I don't know if he did. So. But he could have is what he I'm could saying. have. He could have. Yes, that's my point. Okay. He also could have been in a coma all this time. You never know. So anyway, T Buck wants to like, call uh, in. What's her name? Terry. Sh- what was Terry Shivo? 
Yeah, yeah, it could have been. Uh, yeah, it could have been a Chavo situation. Uh, he wants to call in, and and he he called up the Kennel Club, and it's too bad because I was going to call in uh, with either Fabersham or Alvin Finkelstein or Chico Loco, one of these guys. Maybe we still can, but I was going to call in with them and ask about these situations there. But uh, I guess T Buck already did it and uh, off the air, and he wants to call in and tell us what he heard. So. Daniel Ewing, what are you doing? <laughs> That's funny. So, so T Buck, you can call in seven seven five fraud fifty five seven seven five three seven two eight three five five. I will take your call, and and you can tell us what the Candle Club told you. Maybe we'll try to. So, call. so the the Bahamian refugee kid, he was on the Schwartz uh, podcast. Oh yeah, that? yeah. We didn't have that on the agenda, but let's talk about it. Yeah, talk about it, please. Well, I didn't, I didn't hear him yet, so I didn't listen to it, but. Uh, Apparently, Terrence Chan interviewed him. See, I, I love this how we do all the, the investigation. We call up. We identify this, this camp. We even prank call it. By the way, my phone is turned off, and I'm logged into WSM. Okay, so I guess they're all right. I'm looking at it right now. I guess they're all Sorry. correct. So they've actually downgraded the geolocation. Interesting. And but, there's, there's – there's, oh, my God. Hold on. Is this right what I'm looking at? There's a full – I've never seen this before. I swear to you. Right now as we speak, there is a full – one, two, three, full six-handed, 30-60 full limit came going. Wow. And who do you think has the most money at the I – mean, not that it matters because it's Butters, or not that it matters because it's limit. No, I was going to say Butters. Butters. I was going to guess yes. Butters. Butters is sitting there with 6,000, and there's a six-handed 30-60. Is Crazy Mike there? Mail yes, no? Uh, Hold on. What is the name? Mail yes, no is no. Crazy Mike. Okay. It's him, Butters, a guy named Guppy, who I've played PLO with before, and then Rome for me, Bandsman. Targidista and Vic B. You know what? Uh, Vic B plays a lot there, but I was told by. Uh, Have you ever seen this? A yes, Ryland's telling me that it, it goes a lot these days, and uh, told me wow. I should be on there. I'm like, well, I really can't. So, so. Well, maybe you can. Oh, I, I don't want to do it. No, I know. So, oh. anyway, uh, call you on the air from seven o two. Yeah. Hey, what's up? Is this the uh, cold call show? Yeah. What's going on? <laughs> hey, what's going on, guys? This is T-Buck. Back. T-Buck, are you in Las Vegas? You just have a Las Vegas number. Yes, I am. I'm actually not in Las Vegas, but uh, in the uh, general metropolitan area, I guess oh. you could say. I thought you were out so, in another uh, state. Yeah. Yeah. So I called this uh, kennel club. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, under, under the ruse that uh, I was coming to Florida to play some poker with my wife, uh, we we're going to take the RV down there. And I just, uh, I read some concerning things on the two plus two poker forum. Uh, wait, you couldn't even give us publicity. Hold, hold on. You, hold on. You couldn't even give us publicity to them. You had to give two plus two the credit for this. I'm kind of disappointed. <laughs> I was talking to a security guard, probably about 50 years old. So I don't think he, uh, would have, would have <laughs> noted it either way. So nothing lost there, buddy. But next time I'll give you a plug. I, I didn't even think I was going to get through to this through. Because somebody on the floor or somebody in chat said they tried calling the uh, poker room manager and they kind of stonewalled them. So I said, well, let me take a different approach. I'll try calling security. And as soon as I, as soon as I called the number and I hit the operator, it went like right to the security podium. So I got this guy and so I kind of had to ad lib it a little bit. Okay. And um, I didn't think I was going to get anywhere with this guy. And surprisingly, he just like, uh, he dove right into it. I said, I'm coming down with the RV. I've heard some stories. Uh, about your parking lot being safe. And he just immediately snaps back, and he's like, uh, no, no, man, we got a rover that goes around here. He said, you, you're you totally fine. You're totally safe, man. This this parking lot's good. We got preferred parking. You can pay $2. He said, you're, you're, you're safe. 
<laughs> and I said, and so I went into the story. I said, I'm reading this story about this guy. And he, and he, and he, as soon as I said it, he's like, oh yeah, that guy, he said, he, he got robbed. He got robbed about, uh, about, about two, two, two months ago or something like that. He said he was out there and this guy, he was stupid, man. He was going around the car room, talking about how much money he had all the time, <laughs> bragging about this. He's like, I'm watching the security camera out there. Right. And He's like, these dudes must, these cats must have set them up. These cats must have set them up. They must have been watching uh, because I watched the security camera and this white SUV pulls up and uh, he parks and then he moves a little bit and he parks, he parks in another spot and he parks in another spot. And then so when this cat comes out, they must have recognized him. And uh, I see on the security camera, that they pull up and the passenger gets out and uh, he walks up to him and he ha- and, and the guy hands him the money. And then when the guy takes the money, he runs off on foot and uh, jumps over the, the, the fence. And the guy that's driving the SUV, he peels out in the other direction. And the guy that got robbed, he just turns and comes to the security guard um, and, and runs to the security guard and tell, tells him he got robbed. And I was like, you know, I was like, wow, you know, this guy's like really going into it. And uh, Well, so far it sounds like it's backing a story here. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. This guy, I mean, he 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 definitely backed what this guy was saying, hundred um, percent. He said it definitely happened. He said uh, he, he I I didn't give him any, you know, I didn't I didn't try to sway him one way or another to say like, you know, I don't believe this guy or or I do believe this guy, whatever. I just kind of let him do the talking. And he says he says the only reason that um, the only reason he thought was weird though is that when the um, when when he got robbed and he went to the security officer, at first he didn't want to uh, uh, call the police, want to file a police report, and they kind of had to talk him into filing the police report. And then this guy goes into this big long story about how the police come out with this got the guards, I mean the the dogs, and they're 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 trailing the 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 guy sent that took off over the fence, and they track him to such and such street, and and uh, they couldn't catch up with them, and and and, and et cetera, et cetera, and um. And then I said, you know, I took a shot. I said, well, you know, I'm going to try to find out a little bit more about this guy or whatever. I said, uh, oh, wow, you know, uh, I, I didn't know that. And I said, you know, what what went on? And then he said, he said, uh, he said, oh, yeah, that guy, um, we banned him now, though, because uh, he became what we call unruly in the towards the poker room manager. And, uh, and I said, what do you mean by that? He said, well, he was just trying to get, like, uh, compensation from the casino for what had happened to him and the one thing he did bring up that i kind of thought was fishy about it too though is he said you know he's saying man this guy got robbed and and lost the uh thirteen thousand uh, uh a little time before this he's like why would you want to come back to the why would you fight so hard to try to come back in this casino he's like i want to get as far away from it as i can and so basically that was like the whole that was the gist of the conversation I had with this guy. And I, I mean, I'm sorry. I, I literally. Tra- I was. I was just my blinds in the thirty sixty game on WSOP. So what happened? Wait, are you are you really in it, Brandon? <laughs> yeah. What, what happened? No. So he, you know, he basically the guy T Buck called in and he got the security guard to like tell the whole story, which which oh, which T Buck. Yeah. Which which like matched which matched the whole story of the the guy who called in and gave his account of what happened. So it looks like he's telling oh. the truth. Okay. So okay. So thank you, T Buck, for checking into this. So we we at least have verification. T Buck, you remember shit yeah, that even I don't remember. He's got a very good memory, Druff. Have you noticed that? So, so does our Northern California co-host. Yeah, he does too. Well, hmm. 
Well, you know, the I was kind of shy from calling in for your show for a while because if you remember back the first time that uh, on the old show uh, with the uh, Ambassador mm-hmm. Bitcoin, right, mm-hmm. right, um, I was the guy that was on the cover of the Sports Illustrated and had run up like a million dollars in the early sports betting days and shot it off, and it was a big story. And Mike Con and, and Druff, were 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 started interviewing me and asking me questions, <laughs> and I get like three minutes into the interview, and all of a sudden Brandon's like, "Hey, I'm interviewing people down here at Binion's live on my laptop." <laughs> oh, I remember <laughs> and I that. Sort of got, <laughs> his session went on for like, or his segment went on for like forty five minutes, and I'm so I'm sitting there just waiting for you guys to come back to me, waiting for you guys to come back to me, <laughs> and all of a sudden you guys go. You guys, you're still on the phone. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. Those were actually so, good interviews, though. Like he he interviewed like these two lesbians and yes. other people he walked up to, like some some black guy. Those are actually good interviews. You I, know, it's funny because uh, Sal, what I can, what's his name, San Lamar, San Lamar, San Lamar, yeah, whatever. He sent me a, a very nice PM saying that it would be fun if I if I went out on the strip with a laptop. And I, you know, I like I said, I I did this. A lot of people don't know that. Um, but the thing about that is that's prohibited in every casino for the yeah. most part. They don't want you walking up to people while they're actually gambling, which is what I did, and start interviewing them. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, that was that was a fun show. I literally did the whole show uh, via remote satellite downtown at Binion's. The only disappointing thing was afterwards you sent me a picture of the two lesbians, and they, they didn't sound bad on the phone. But, but they yeah, they were very much much. One was like One was like really fat and one was really skinny. I remember that. Let's let's keep T Buck on and see if we could double it from last time. Now, <laughs> keep him on the line. I mean, he, he can say if he wants. But you know, thanks for that information. Though I was, uh, I, I tell you, I believe that story. Just there, it just rang true to me. And I'm I'm usually very skeptical of these type of things, but I, I thought this guy was telling the truth, and seems like he is. I know, man. I, I think that guy's. I think the guy's totally full of shit, man. He did the, the stuff. I will give you a wait, wait, how, 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 how can you think that if the, if the security guard verified that this really happened? Well, because the security guard brings up the fact that, you know, the guy didn't want to file a police report initially. So that rings, you know, a red flag. And then, like he was saying, too, is like, why would you want to fight so hard to come back into a well, place but that a little makes allegedly... Sense. That makes more sense to me. He says it's the only place in town to play, so he's like, "Well, it's either that or I had to drive an hour every day." And who wants to? Like, I, I can kind of understand like where it's damned if you do, damned if you don't. If you if you if you say I'm quitting here, I'm never coming back, because you guys are assholes. Well, now now you've that's the only poker room close to you. I can see why you wouldn't want to do that. So I like, I wouldn't come back there. But and he ultimately decided not to either. And I I think the guy is is legitimate. I that, that's my feeling about. It. I'd be surprised if if there's some big angle to this that we're missing. That's, is this security guard going to wake up unemployed tomorrow? Yeah, he fired the dealer just for calling the guy to tip him off. This guy's like spilling the whole story. Well, that'll be the next thing we get criticized for. We got criticized already for getting people beaten up in the refugee camp. So maybe we're going to be criticized for getting security guards fired. Yeah, we're just real shit in the <laughs> So, so uh, I, I do got to tell you guys one other part of the story that I left out that I found hilarious is um, I just kind of ad-libbed with the guy and I said um, – you know, I, I'm, I'm kind of fearful of my my wife, me and my wife's safety coming down there and um, and playing. I, I heard rumors that you have uh, uh, African American gentlemen that stand in front of the entrance and kind of block the entrance and uh, drink forty ounces and shoot dice every day. And I was just, you know, totally trying to, you know, give him a little humor. And uh, he he says he just immediately says, 
Oh no, that guy, that guy. We, he, you know, he was doing that. Him and his crew, they were doing that, and they were doing it right outside of our camera uh, angle, so we couldn't see him. But we got those guys. We got them guys out of here. He's banned too. So I said, I said, man, maybe, maybe the ice man made his way down to the the, the castle. <laughs> You should have done that call on the air. It would have been funny. Now, see, now like, I feel like I can't prank it because like, you, you kind of already did the call. Now you just re- you did a good uh, reenactment. This guy, he, he was willing to talk. I had to, I had to literally uh, try to – I mean, you can see how long-winded I am. I had to uh, try to get this guy off the phone like four or five times, and I kept wow. saying, okay, well, thanks, man. Thanks for the information. And so, he just kept going on and on and on and on and on about very, uh, how if you bring the RV down there, you know, I can't stay there past 4 p.m. You know, <laughs> they, they go through. And, you know, I mean, he's just going on and on. So he de- they definitely don't suspect anything. So definitely, you know, maybe a Finkelstein call to the uh, poker room would be in order because they definitely didn't arouse any suspicion. The guy was just okay, totally well, wanting to talk to Maybe we'll give it a shot time. anyway. All right. Uh, thanks. Thanks for the uh, – I mean, you can stay yeah. on if you want. I, whatever. You can hang up. I don't care. Yeah, no worries. All right, all right. So uh, let's see here. Uh, let's see what else we, we can talk about here. We're going to make the prank call very shortly too. Let's. Uh, you know what? I just closed my agenda by. I hate when I do that. I was like, I was trying to click on the agenda and I closed the agenda, and I had to go back to it. Well, we've got uh, we got Caesar's bankruptcy. We've got Merge Network cashouts. Um... Oh yeah, let's, let's. I want to quickly talk about the Merge Network cashout. It's not a long story, but. There's a battle raging on in the scam scandals and shadiness forum, which I usually don't allow. I usually don't allow people to like fight and troll on that forum, but there, it's more of like a, a spirited debate where there are certain pro-merge people, including our own China Maniac, and there are certain anti-merge people like this guy Tower Flower. And uh, I can see both sides of it, but uh, the big question is with merge having cash-out problems for months and months and months, now that they're paying people again, should we just shrug our shoulders and say, okay, no problem. They've gotten everything straightened out, so it's cool. Let's keep playing. Like, I, I don't think so. I, Yeah, I agree with you because I, I actually just um, cashed a check from them not too long ago that took a while because I remember <clears throat> a while back you had a segment talking about Merge having some problems, and I saw the signs when they started you know, taking away rake back, taking away player-to-player transfers, taking away the VIP program. I, that's kind of when I saw that they might be circling the drain, so I got most of my money off. Well, how long did it take you for the last cash out? Oh, God. It it was probably at least four months. So when Maybe when, even more. Okay, when did you get the cash out? When did you receive it, the money? Uh, the end of last year, like the end of November. So, so, so like from uh, July to November or so? Yeah, I was look, I earlier in the topic, I was trying to bring up my account to see if I could actually have the messages with the dates, but they don't actually go back that far <laughs> they did send me like so i requested my withdrawal and it took like longer than normal for confirmation and then it went like radio silent for months and then they sent me something because i requested a check and then they sent me something like oh we're having problems with our check and they want to do some weird shady peer-to-peer cash transfer thing they that they said would expedite my my payout but i don't know it sounded like a hassle so i just said no thanks send me the check and then a couple months after that, then finally a check showed up. Yeah, and then they couldn't pay the rest of the world players on Skrill. And they had to do it in other ways, and there's even stalling for that. For that. And and someone posted on the forum today, uh, Opalaka Fats is a new user. He said, placed a withdrawal request on one ten sixteen on at Carbon, picked up at Walmart, MoneyGram, February 11th. So it took uh, 32 days. For you know where to- Opalaka is? Anyone on here? Florida. Oh, very good. Yeah, so it's I, a very uh, 
rough part of Florida. Yeah, well, this is. Uh... I think thirty-two days is uh, is pretty reasonable given the climate of online poker. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, that's not so bad. But yeah. but the point is that for for so long they were having these really long cash out times, like you explained, four months, and there was something up with that. It wasn't just that they were having payout problems and look at Bovada they never go through this they have their little hiccups here and there but they never have these four month payout times it just never happens with them they and oh carbon also did a bunch of other weird things too todd where they they removed a bunch of games for like no apparent reason like a bunch of omaha high low games they removed yeah you know whenever you and and i I know they were kicking off some winning players too whenever you see weird things like this going on and and weird things with the cash outs you can't just defend them because you like the site or you like the games you have to look at all the times in history that we've seen with online poker when weird things start occurring how many times does it end well how many times did it turn out it was much ado over nothing almost never almost never and that's why i went ahead and and got my money off because i just saw all these little signs that you know made me nervous and it it wasn't worth it yeah like you know what's the sign of a healthy site is when you say give me my money and you get your money within a short time and like like bovada for all the criticism i give to them and there's a lot to criticize uh when i call them and say yes i'd like to get a ninety five hundred dollar wire please within like anywhere from four to like 11 days it's in my account i have the money that that's the way it should be they it can't be blazing fast like it was many years ago but but something like that that's that's pretty damn good for today but when well, you start having four yeah, months wait how many days oh, I've, I, I've had them as quickly as four as three or four days before wow. N- not recently recently they've been taking like uh 10 11 but that's still pretty good so that that's when that's when you know it's good, and there's there's you can do one a week. I could get all, out uh, like five hundred thousand dollars there if I wanted to. So that's that's the sign of a site that has money to pay. When you see this weirdness and these slow cash outs and these poor explanations, and if you remember this whole thing started last year when they were claiming a lot of Super Bowl bets is what caused this. Yeah, I always thought that was bogus. It's like they give bogus excuses. It went on for almost a they year. Just said, I just cashed out on Movada too, and they gave a disclaimer about that. That. We can expect an additional seven to fourteen business days due to Super Bowl. Cash oh, really? You got, well, no, for them it was like you can expect months delay because of it. So that was, was so outrageous with Merge. So uh, the the bottom line is that uh, Merge, I don't trust them. I, at any point, I believe they could just completely go down or screw you. So if you're going to play on there, keep a very low roll, and in general, I would say avoid any site where the cash outs are not consistently good. Just because they're good temporarily after a long period of struggling doesn't mean everything's better. It just means that for the moment, maybe they've gotten a small infusion of cash and can put on appearances. Because remember, only a small percentage of people cash out. So Yeah, I don't think the site's a scam at all, but I think that it's highly likely, like you said, that it could just you know vanish one day and never be seen again. And that, they, that they've... It's a good chance they've lost or stolen most of the money, and they're just they have enough to do cash outs for the oh, moment. Oh yeah, they could be running on fumes. Like, like look at Full Tilt before Black Friday, they were processing cash outs just fine. No one had any clue, but it turned out all the money was gone. So that, that's what I'm afraid of is happening over there. So I would not play on merge. Uh, let's get to the other topics here. What do we have? Hey, Drew, this, this is T Buck. Yeah. Um, I don't know if this has been uh, talked about before, but um, I was curious. Maybe you could. Uh, uh, shed some light on this, uh, maybe Brandon also. Um, with Bovada, I know that you guys um, are grandfathered in in the state of Nevada, but they apparently no longer take deposits from Nevada. So do you guys have to put an out-of-state residence, or 
how does that work, or do you guys still play there? Well, I'm not in Nevada right now, so I'm okay. But uh, you, if you have to uh, pull some shenanigans to, to do it, there's no uh, no simple way. That, that's all. I, and if you get caught, okay. if you get caught, then you know, they can take the money. So there's, there's a risk to it. I, fortunately, I don't have to take that risk because I'm not there. But uh, you know that one girl, by the yeah. way, the uh, last week's fraud show, she made her network debut tonight. Yeah, I know. I mentioned that. Yeah. Oh, Did you well. see it? No, no. It was okay. on for a second. I heard her say something about guys touching her boobs, and I kept walking. <laughs> okay. Uh, let's see. A full Tilt is going to merge into PokerStars, but in a weird twist, at least for now, the software is going to remain. So you, you might say, well, wait a minute. How, how can they merge into PokerStars? They're the same company. They've been for a while. But how could they merge into PokerStars if they're going to keep the Full Tilt software up? They're just going to merge the player pools. They'll be like skins, kind of? So Well... Yeah, they're going to um, – I'm not sure about the skin situation. That's a good question. What they're going to do is, uh, number one, you're going to have to have only one account across both sites. So you can no longer have a Full Tilt account and a PokerStars account. You're going to have to have only one account that you log into on both sites. With, with your name's Sorrel. With, <laughs> with the same bankroll. So so it's, it's no longer two accounts across both sites. And they're not developing Full Tilt anymore. They're going to leave the existing Full Tilt up. Uh, but uh, but they're not going to develop anything. And the games that are available on PokerStars, uh, there's not going to be anything available on Full Tilt that isn't already available on Stars as well. They're going to be uh, uh, all the features of Stars are going to be combined into Full Tilt, including the VIP program. It's going to be one VIP program. So everything is it's going to be kind of merged together. Except if you like the way the Full Tilt software looks, you can continue using it at least for now. But they're not going to develop anything new for the Full Tilt software. They're going to anything upgraded is going to be on the PokerStar side. And and I don't know if Full Tilt is just going to be a skin of PokerStars and run the same games, or if it's just going to be the same type of games, but that maybe they'll run separately. Uh, there's a huge difference in traffic, and I didn't know this until this report. But uh, Full Tilt is way, way, way behind PokerStars to where it's the point of being a fail site. Oh, like probably 15, 15%, 20% maybe of PokerStars? Yeah, so PokerStars uh, right now, uh, they're, well, their seven-day average is uh, 17,500 cash players. Full Tilt Poker is way below that at uh, a seven-day average of 850 cash players. Wow. So that's that's much less than 15%, actually. It's about 5%. So... 850 cash players is all it averages. To show you how little that is, it's about half of what Bodog has. So Bodog is twice as big as Full Tilt now. Bodog now has risen to be the number three network in the world. Now, does it tell you where people are from when you play on, on Bodog? No, it tells you nothing. Oh, okay. <laughs> Literally well, tells you nothing. I'm curious what Wait, percentage number... you think is American on there versus what percentage you think is international. Number three, meaning that what number one obviously is stars, is full tilt number two? No, full tilt is, is number 11. Three. Oh, 11. Yeah. What's number two then? 888. That's ahead of Bovada? Yeah. I don't believe it. They mean internationally, not the uh, the um, New Jersey 888. Yeah. I believe it. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, full tilt, I didn't realize the traffic was down that much. So that's it's a fraction of what it once was. And, uh, I guess stars – basically, Amaya said, why are we spending all this money to maintain a separate site with a separate staff, a separate software development, et cetera, if we have 850 average players? It's not worth it to us. So we're going to roll them together, and I, I wouldn't be surprised if they kill the software entirely after some time. And, and uh, I guess they're going to be closing the Dublin, Ireland office for Full Tilt, which has existed for a long time. 
and all those people are going to be out of a job or maybe they'll be offered to transfer elsewhere in the company, but that uh, all that uh, stuff from Dublin is going to shut down. So interesting move, another cost-cutting cost attempt by Amaya, who's trying to... Does it to- seem like I listen to the fraud show too much or every week there's something new now with this uh, star's... Oh yeah, there is. They're, they're they're constantly trimming the fat on that thing. It doesn't surprise me at all, though. Once once they got taken over by like a more like corporate corporation, like none of this stuff they're doing surprises me at all. Yeah, they're they're just really trying. They're trying to cut down costs as much as possible. Whereas before, stars was like, ah, they, we're making a lot of money, so who cares? We're not going to cut every little bit. Uh, so Caesars, uh, Brandon. You and I may. Uh, I, know well, I remember I sent you a text tonight just about the. Uh, you know, I've been I've been going to casinos, jeez, uh, since I literally turned twenty one. I was gambling underage. I'm not going to lie, and although technology has you know changed, uh, you know when I first started gambling, I'm sure the same as you, Druff. It was very commonplace to walk into a casino and hear the. Clinging and clattering of coins. Yes, I love. I actually like that sound. Ding 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 so, ding 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 ding. You know, there's, there's, there's one casino downtown uh, that still has it that I know of. I was, what was it? it was the it was either the Four Queens or the Fremont. I would think it was the Fremont. I was in. I, I certain machines still have the you know their dollar slots that have the dollars. I don't think there's any quarters left. And then there's another casino. Forget the name of it, but it's it's right next to the uh, Colorado Bell in Laughlin, and their entire casino, um, except for like their high limit room, is quarters and dollars as well. I think I think that, it, every, I, everything has become automated. Well, what about Gene? What about Gene Nevada? I think you know between well, uh, state line. Yeah, they cl- I think they claim they have coin machines too. Now Winkler was once in that uh, prison there for that uh, <laughs> DMV fraud. Do you remember the DMV thing? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Uh, so, but anyhow. Something very interesting happened to me today, tonight, right before the fraud show, at a casino that I, I'd never experienced. I was going out to dinner. I went to uh, Del Monaco at Venetian, and I had some free play at the the Rio. Well, I guess it, it was Caesar's free play. I could have used it at any of the properties. So I stopped off, you know, to hop, skip, and a jump away, and walked in, and put in my uh, had a couple of these little free play vouchers. Put them in. Started playing some video poker. Cashed out. I had uh, $287 or something like that. And I only got part of my money. Hmm. And I, mean, I stuck the little voucher into a little, you know, voucher redemption machine. And it just kept processing, processing, processing. And some of my money came out, but it was short. Always count your money, by the way, guys. When you Don't just – anything else. Don't ever assume it's right, especially at one of these properties. So after about a good minute – Maybe even 90 seconds, I'm thinking i got to go find somebody now. Unfucking believable <laughs> A piece of paper spits out. And I, I had Texas to draw because I thought it was funny. I got the entirety of my voucher minus $35. And then an error came on the uh, little <laughs> voucher dispenser that said, this voucher dispenser is currently out of money. Okay, please visit. <laughs> I'm not making this up. Please visit the cashier. And then it, I sent this to draw a print out a ticket that said ticket redemption. Then I had the number that's printed on my little voucher. And it told me to take this receipt to the – I'm reading this. Please take this receipt to the casino cage to obtain your missing cash. 
<laughs> I, I think the reason this happened is because they they've cut on they cut down on staff so much they're not refilling the machines enough. And this was one like right in that center area by uh, uh, the the what's the steak place that you like? But I think it's a fail. The Bar and Grill. Uh, oh, the American the, Bar and Grill. I, it's yeah. not that I like it. I just go there quickly yeah. during the World Series. I don't. It's, I think it's okay. But anyhow, so it wasn't like in some remote, far away, you know, yeah. machine that no one ever uses. It was right there in the center of the casino. No, there's no excuse for that. They, they need to keep it up, but they don't. I mean, it, it's like how there's missing buttons in the elevator. It's, it's, they just don't care about maintenance in the Rio, either the hotel or the casino. So anyway, the Caesars uh, may be collapsing, and, and this is going to be a slow collapse. It's not going to be happening this year, but their bankruptcy plan where they were separating the profitable parts of their company and the parts that are losing money. And so basically they, they took the assets that were losers and put them all in a, a subsidiary that was going to declare bankruptcy and protecting the good ones. Uh, they put them in a different subsidiary than protecting them. And they wouldn't be declaring bankruptcy, including the World Series, which is successful. Uh, that as was the, you're going to go by, there's going to be nothing but the Augustus Tower. Yeah, well, that, that, that may be true because <laughs> – the Caesars, their plan to do this is falling apart. Uh, it's it's been challenged in court. We mentioned it on a different show that uh, that at first they were going to let an auditor go through a bankruptcy auditor re- do a report on whether this is fair or not. And then when they realized he was going to report against them, they started they took back their agreement to do that, and the judge got really mad. Well, it's gotten even worse for them uh, because the first lien holders. There's, there's two different. Uh, uh, Note holders regarding uh, Caesar's debt. There's, there's the you know, first. You know what? But I'm sorry. You know what? Caesar's has become. This is the best analogy. You remember in uh, Back to the Future Two when Biff had his own casino? Yeah. It was dark <laughs> and gloomy, and just that's. <laughs> everyone was angry and pissed off, and nothing worked. That's kind of what what Caesar's is. Yeah, that is kind it's of Biff's it's, casino. It's like Biff's casino, the the plaza. Yeah, I'm sorry. Go ahead. So, so the, there's the first tier lien holders, and then the second tier ones. As far as uh, you know, who will get the money? And uh, th- this original plan was going to benefit the first tier lien holders, where the second tier lien holders uh, of the debt were going to get almost nothing. They were going to get like like pennies on the dollar, and they were very unhappy. So uh, they. So the like, first- I mean, uh, how much longer, Druff, is until we go and try to put in one of those vouchers like they did tonight and we get a little piece of paper that says we owe you. Yeah, I say we're thir- we, no, I was going to say that we're the third tier lien holders. Right, right. So, so okay, so so what happened is that the first tier lien holders were fine with this plan because they were going to make out better from it, but the, but the second tier ones knowing that they're going to get screwed have been fighting it. Well, because it looks like that it's uh, it's going in the direction of this whole plan being rejected. Uh, the first tier lien holders are, are about to walk away from the whole thing, thinking that uh, this is going to be modified so much that it's going to go against them. Uh, because there's only so much money to go around here as far as what Caesars has in assets. So uh, the first tier lien holders realize that whatever is given additional to the second tier ones, that it's going to come from their share. So, they, so they've just decided – a lot of them have decided we don't like the whole plan anymore because it's not going to go as, as originally stated. And there's, it looks like this whole thing's not going to work, so F it. We're just giving up. You find another way, basically, is what they're saying. So they are walking away from the deal. Uh, so uh, one of the groups that uh, – one of the first-year groups uh, in a filing said that there's a very substantial decline in the value of debt and equity securities proposed to be provided, and they're walking away from the deal. 
And they say, if sufficient progress towards a consensual plan is not made, it may very well be that a plan proposed by the first lien bank and note holders becomes the most efficient means to allow the company to emerge in a timely manner from bankruptcy. So, so basically, this is all falling apart, and it's looking more and more likely that Caesars will either undergo a corporate breakup or a forced takeover in the upcoming years. This won't happen this year, but it may happen in future years, maybe 2017, maybe 2018, but we may see either a major restructuring or a complete destruction of Caesars where, where just its assets are sold off. So Caesars right now, as it looks, because they're not going to be able to pull off this plan, most likely. It's not completely dead, but it looks like it's probably not going to work, which was what they thought was their last-ditch attempt at uh, getting out of this uh, mostly unscathed. Uh, now it looks like this is not going to work, and they just don't have enough assets to, to cover all this debt, and they're not going to. So there, there's going to be uh, what might be the demise of Caesars. In a few years, there may be no more Caesars, or if it is, there is, it may look very different. This could include the World Series. Someone may, someone may own the World Series that's different from Caesars within a few years. Uh, the whole Caesars could be gone. The total rewards program could be rolled into some other property, or maybe uh, some other company will take over the total rewards program and replace their own. But so, now, who do you who do you then go do for your uh, for your rooms? Well, I, that's the problem. I, I don't know. Who I, would you I, pledge your loyalty? Well, this is what I'm afraid of. This this actually bothers me to see because one thing, despite all the criticism I levy against Caesars, uh, I will say that they have the best rewards program for for my purposes. And that uh, people the, don't want to gamble and stay there as much <laughs> as they want for free. Well, this what I like about Caesars is that you can roll up a guaranteed tier level and then sit at that I like tier. About le- Caesars, you can play there for two days, never play again for two more years, and stay there three hundred nights out of the year. Yes, yes, that you that you're guaranteed rooms once you get to this tier level, and you and see everywhere else it's not like that. Everywhere else they you they think offer you. Maybe that has to do with why they're in in arrears. Well, there's a, there's a lot of factors. I, I've I've said this before. What's good about Caesars is also what's bad about Caesars. All their fail that that's annoying to deal with as a customer also is what enables stuff like this to occur. So. They have the the best rewards program for the players if if you know how to to operate. I and mean, we're not doing anything wrong or illegal or, or even against their terms. I'm just saying that uh, uh, to, just to use it most efficiently. Whereas, like at the MGM property, you can't just even if you get the noir tier, you're not guaranteed rooms. And if you get the noir tier and just stop playing, very soon you're not going to be offered any free rooms. You're not going to get anything. You know, it's funny you mentioned this because I was actually I mentioned this to to a friend of mine the other day. Uh, came to town. And he wanted a uh, – or didn't want – he asked me if I could get him a, a free room uh, for a number of days at an MGM Mirage property. A lot of people might not know this, so this is maybe a public service announcement. And I explained to him that it would actually impact me. It would be detrimental if I got him a room for such a long period of time because obviously he wouldn't be playing. And if he did, it wouldn't be under my name or at the level that I play at. And a casino that, you know, knows what's going on, such as MGM, uh, would frown upon that, which is actually called staying, you know, play, play no, st- or stay no play, or yes. there's other terms about it. But I explained that that would be detrimental for when I want free rooms in the future. It would affect my free play and other offers that I got. And a lot of people don't realize it. That's how it works. You can't, you know, other than basically other than Caesars. I mean, even somewhere where I right now I have a very good. Uh, 
have established myself very, very nicely with the Palazzo and the Venetian as well. And right now, if I wanted a room and wanted to stay there for a week, five days, and have an amazing, sweet food, room, and beverage comp, I could make a phone call, be there an hour, and, and I'm all set. But that's also under the premise that they're going to get some sort of action for me. And if I went there, uh, they're not going to call me up after day two and say, you got to leave if, if I wasn't gambling. Uh, my host may call me and say, hey, notice you haven't played in a day or two, everything okay? And I'd say, yeah, just not feeling good or whatever. Uh, but after five days, if I didn't play, the next time, maybe they let it slide, let me stay again. But surely after that, they'd say to me that the old, well, you know what? We're not going to, can't comp your room. When you're done with your trip, we'll take a look and evaluate everything. Um, yeah, so that's and, basically how it works other than Caesars. You know? and, that, and that's, and that's the, the reason they do this, for those of you who are wondering, is that uh, comps they're giving you are not because you've earned them. It's because they're giving you comps based on what they think you'll do in the future. Or, or on this upcoming trip. So, so what their casinos are always afraid of is that a big gambler today is not necessarily a big gambler tomorrow because you may have chunked off all your money, and then at that point you cannot gamble big anymore. And then if you stay there, they're not going to get any benefit from it. They, then you don't, you don't have any money to gamble anymore. So they're always on guard that people who were once big gamblers are broke and can no longer gamble. So if you stay there and don't play or play at a fraction of the limits you used to, then – they don't want to give you anything anymore because you're not worth anything anymore. Because you, you again, you didn't earn it. All you've done is establish what they can expect for next time. But if then you defy that expectation, they think, "Oh crap, this guy's broke. We don't want to give him anything free. He's not worth anything anymore. We lose money by having him." So that's so. What, so if so you that's truly one of the things I miss about being seven star, and I'm gonna be I'm gonna be diamond again uh, this year because of that little fold him up, face up, yes. you know, bot thing. But I don't think I'll put in the hours to become seven star but even with the diamond you can get enough free rooms and you know i did like that part of being able to give rooms to friends and things like that but other casinos whether it's mgm properties or you know venetian even you know the win if you're not playing they notice and it's going to affect you the next time you want it will it will especially for a long stay it's definitely true and that's what i was saying there is that uh, with caesars once you've earned the seven star then for the remainder of your seven star which can be as long as two years uh, you, if you didn't play another dime, you still have the right to those rooms for five nights straight if you want. And then, uh, and then after two more days pass, another five nights straight, over and over. You can just keep doing that, and uh, so that's that's where they're unique. So that's going to all go away probably if Caesars ends up having a demise. So it's not going to affect me this year, but it could affect me next year or more likely in 2018 or 19. So. I, I don't like seeing this. I'm not. I'm not saying this with glee. Some of you may think that I hate Caesars and I'm hoping they fail. No, I'm actually not, because there's a lot of things about their system that I like, and I've gotten so used to it and gotten so uh, familiar with everything there and, and how to make everything work best for me personally. Uh, now the I, good news is, uh, you know, if, if precedent means anything in the past, when casinos have either been sold, um, changed names. Uh, basically anything but shut down the rewards program and, and always to the best of my knowledge whatever you've earned such as loyalty points and status uh, usually goes hand in hand with the next property you know meaning that for example like when treasure treasure island was an mgm property uh you know it was originally built by steve Wynn during the casino boom in in the early 90s and then uh, later owned by MGM Mirage. And during maybe halfway through 
the city center, uh, you know, the build of this build up of the city center and everything around that. <clears throat> excuse me. MGM Mirage was a little short on money, and they ended up selling it off. Uh, do either one of you recall who they sold Treasure Island to? I'm forgetting. It's some individual. Very good, Phil Rufkin. That's right, Phil Rufkin. Uh, not a really, you know, into casino uh, owners and whatnot. He appeared on a couple episodes of High Stakes Poker, where he famously called like, I don't know, it's like a two hundred fifty thousand dollar pot against Viffer with like king nothing when there was like an ace and a straight on the board anyhow so he bought that he used to own a casino called the frontier which was across the street from the wind shut that down and then bought ti and when ti uh, you know was bought he still let everyone that had tears and whatever the benefits were and this might not be permanently but it was at least for like a year or two to retain that meaning like he had just started from zero and everyone lose everything so at least no drop your comps will be safe and you probably I'd say if anything happened, it would probably be at least two years. Yeah, uh, yeah. No, no, I believe they're not going to take away the, the the RCs I've earned and stuff like that. I just think that yeah. uh, the rules will change, and not in my favor. That's what I think. Yeah. So, so, so draft does that? Does this mean we're going to see uh, eleven to ten blackjack being offered on the strip now? <laughs> well. Uh, if Caesars goes away, it's actually for that. It's probably a good thing because they're the ones who've been innovating all these terrible games. Like six to five blackjack was a Harris creation. Yeah. So it's, it's definitely Caesars is not uh, off. If they go away, then the, at least it may take away the innovation of some of these terrible games. But I, I think that uh, they've well, already the terrible. You know what? The terrible games are here to stay. You know why? Because people play them. That's what I'm saying. They, they actually did a smart just, thing by innovating. It's I like, walk by. Uh oh. Hold'em game, and I'm walking into Harris, and they have this party pit, and it, everyone it's packed. And because there's some Asian girl that's half attractive with a bikini on, they're sitting there and they're playing the six to five. Or I'm sorry, yeah, yeah, the six to five, and the, without a care in the world, you know? Yeah. Oh, I know. I've I've had these discussions with people. I say I explain to them why six to five is terrible. I explain how much worse it is than regular blackjack. They understand. They go, okay, I won't play it. Then it turned out they played it. Why did you play it? Oh, I don't know. It just looks fun. Oh, I. I, you know, everyone was there. I, 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 I was at uh, the Venetian. This was during Super Bowl Sunday. And I walked over to uh, say hi to someone that worked there that I knew in the poker room. As I'm exiting the poker room, I see somebody playing uh, the bot, you know, the old uh, Limit Hold'em game. But he was playing a different version. He was playing the one that has either Phil Helmuth or Johnny Chan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Face. Now, why would if, – if, even if we were going to play it, and it does give points – at the Venetian. Not a lot, but it does give a little bit of points. But if we were going to play it, why would we not play that game, Druff? It has a rake, right? It has a rake, yeah. yes. So, I don't know. I was feeling a little jovial. I, I Maybe just even a little bad. So, I said to the guy, and the guy was playing like 5'10 or 10'20, and I said, hey, you know, there's one right over there. There's a bank of them that don't charge rake. It's the same game, the same interface. Everything is the exact same except for Helmuth. Uh, or Chan isn't talking to you, and, and they're not charging you rake. Like, you realize you're paying, like, five bucks here at these limits? He said, oh, my God, thank you so much. I didn't know. And he's like, everything's the same. I'm like, it's the same exact game. There's nothing different. He's like, thank you so much. I'm like, yeah, it's this is costing you, like, three to five bucks a hand. And, and he's so grateful. So I walk, and I get some food to go. About 30 minutes later, I'm walking back to my room. He's still sitting there playing it. And it just – of course, I didn't say anything. I just kept walking it, but it just made no sense. Like, I, I have a similar story. I have a similar story that uh, that's just as bad. I was at uh, in Laughlin, 
and I was playing video poker, 8-5 bonus poker, which uh, for those of you that don't know what that is, that's, uh, that's, it plays uh, one for jacks or better, two for two pair, three, three for three of a kind, four for a straight, five for a flush, eight for a full house, and then it gives you different amounts for four of a kind depending on what four of a kind you have. Uh, so a guy was sitting next to me playing 8-5 jacks or better which is the exact same game with the exact same pay table, except on four of a kind, you just get less. So there's no downside to playing bonus poker, 8-5 bonus poker over 8-5 jacks or better, because you're getting the exact same pay tables except better. You, you're, you're either getting the same as jacks or better or more. You're never getting less, and it's, it's the exact same game as far as strategy and rules. So why would you ever play a game that's identical, identical limits, identical rules, identical payout? Why would you ever pay the one, play the one that just pays less for the same hands? When it's on the same machine, you could just switch the machine. So, I, so I told the guy, I said, "Hey, I just want to let you know here," and I explained to him what I just said. I, I showed him, I even showed him. I switched on my machine. Said, "Look, this is what Jackson Better plays." And I go, "Oh, look at the four of a kind now. It gets better, and notice everything else is the same. So everything is supposed to be the same, except you're going to get paid more for four of a kind for s- certain hands." So the guy looks at me and says, "Nah, I'll just stick with this." And I said, "Wait, wait a minute. You, you understand what I'm saying, though, right? You, like you can't do worse. It's the same game because it pays you more." No, I'll just stick with this. Like I couldn't, he, he said, I understand. I'm just going to stick with this. I couldn't believe it. I always thought people played the 8-5 jacks or better instead of the bonus on that machine just because they didn't realize that uh, what, of what I just said. But here I explained it to him. He understood and just chose to stay there. It was so weird. But like the 6-5 the blackjack, I once had someone tell me that they played it because they tried the 3-2 blackjack. And they had bad luck. They ran really bad and lost money really fast, and they went back to a 6-5 to five table where they were luckier. I, I don't believe that. No, I, I believe the person. They, the, the person definitely was telling me the truth. They were just stupid. That's preposterous. Yeah. So the, No, a lot of people – believe it or not, a lot of people, that's how they choose what they play in Vegas is that they superstitiously believe that certain places or tables are lucky and certain ones are unlucky. And we'll play those despite terrible odds. The 6-5 to five blackjack is such a, a genius invention for, for Harrah's because they realize that the average blackjack player is aware of card counters and is aware that card counters like to play single deck. So they created 6-5 to five single deck, meaning that they, you know, they only pay you six, six, uh, six-fifths of your bet. You know, if you bet $50, you get 60 on a blackjack instead of 75 They created that for single deck. And people played it because they go, oh, wow, single deck. That's what all the pros play. That's what the card counters play. So that must be the best game. So, okay, I'll play it. And people sit down and play it. And then they, they see six to five blackjack. And they rationalize to themselves, well, this is what all the pros play. It's got to be good. And that's why people play it. Or You know the new uh, – or I guess uh, spin on blackjack, the new game that's in all the casinos now. Uh, do you have any idea? I, I no. What, what is it? It's called Firebet Blackjack. Oh yeah, I've heard of the fire, but yeah. Anyone uh, Northern California? Do you know about this? Uh, no. The only the only variation I know of up here is that like Spanish twenty one thing. Yeah, that's, that's a fail. Tens. Yeah, that, I've heard of that one. It's a fail. <clears throat> and what fire bet is is that the casino will match any double down that you make with with their money, meaning that I have a okay. I'm sorry. And in most games. You can only double on a 10 or 11. Not all of them, but most of them. What that means is, say I have a 10, 11, the dealer has a 5 up, a 6 up. I have $25 on the table, okay, and I say fire bet. They'll put $25 of their own money next to mine. 
Okay. And uh, sounds great. Now, but what, what do you think the only Kavit is? What is it? 22. Yep, that's exactly it. Oh. The dealer makes, wow, very good. Dealer makes a 22, okay, and you don't win. It's a push. <laughs> so people still think, oh, it's only a 22. But then you have to think, how many ways are there for a dealer to bust? Yeah. I mean, there's 22, 23, 24, 25, and 26. That's it. <laughs> There's no 27, no 30s. They, they should so, they should they should add a, a game where you get like some kind of amazing payout, uh, but but they can't be 23 to 26. <laughs> so anyhow, that game is taking uh, Vegas by storm in terms of the new little, I guess, carnival circus blackjack game. It's very very popular. It's I know at the Aria they have about five or six of them at least. Um, and, uh, yeah, that's that's it. That's all there is to it. I mean, any amount you want to double, like in theory, you think, oh, so if I have 500, they'll match it? Yeah. But when you think in theory, it's great, but it really it, – it's still lower EV than regular No, I never – any of these things that they introduce, any of these gimmicks are always worse. Yeah. No matter how good yeah, they, they wouldn't be offering it if it wasn't a good deal for them. Yeah, so, so uh, yeah – that's uh, so. Yeah, with blackjack, just always try to stick to the uh, the traditional three to two blackjack. Uh, any, any of these modifications are never good for the players, and uh, even if they seem fun or you or you convince yourself that it's it's got to be good, it isn't. They know what they're doing. They've calculated it. They've uh, researched it. Uh, the only way you're going to beat them is by thinking of things that they haven't thought of. So don't don't let them bring their innovations to you. You bring your innovations to them. That that's how you beat that's them. That's what I try to do. Yeah, that that is. So. Uh, Let's try to call up the Hialeah before I think they close at four on weeknights, and it's already three eleven over there. So let's uh, Hialeah, not the Hialeah. The uh, sorry, Kennel Club. The Kennel Club. I, I was confusing the two, but yes, the Kennel Club. Let's call up the Kennel Club uh, now. Which which one should it be? Should it be Chico Loco, Alvin Finkelstein, or Colonel Nigel Fabersham? Finkelstein. I, I'm gonna go with yeah. You know what? Let's do Finkelstein. It's been a while. Now, what's he gonna say? What's his, what's know, his premise going to be? What are we even calling about? We're again? calling about this guy that, that had the situation there with uh, with getting robbed and dropping the money in there and getting taken and then getting banned. Well, I no, think you only... should tell him you're a high you got a high limit client that you want to. Well, bring see, that's in, the only, he okay, demands but, the boxes but, be open. Now, calm down, now, Northern California. The only okay. the only caveat about <laughs> doing something like this, though, is that if they hear a lawyer, then they're kind of afraid to. Talk that, that's about what I'm a little afraid of. Yeah. Because then they're like, oh, you know what, corporate lawyer. You know what I mean? Like, so if you're going to go that route, uh, I don't think that you should say that you're an attorney because they might. Yeah, maybe, maybe it should be uh... Chico Loco. They won't take seriously. Yeah. I always like because I think this seems harmless. Always, yes, I always like the, the 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 good Colonel calling that he's writing his little uh, daily magazine out of his home and what do we call well, it? I, I think it's a little different. I think the colonel should just be someone who wants to come down there and play high limits. I think that's well, what What's do. the name of the yeah, chronicle the colonel used to write for? Oh, uh... What's I don't remember column? anymore. You said, Tyler, I'm writing my article for the... Like, it was the Scott... <laughs> it was like the Scottish Weekly. It was like, come on, you had to name the Weekly. I don't remember anymore. I, I made up something, but I don't remember it anymore. All right, let's call up there and see if we can get him. Okay. You've reached the Palm Beach Kennel Club. The Kennel Club. 
at a flying greyhound. Oh, you know what? You know who works there, by the way? Who? Golf Harp. Someone's just asking about him, too. We also have expanded. I didn't want to hear this anymore. Home of the big three. One of great. Is this really so much fail that they want to answer? I mean, he said they're up until 4. It's only 3.15. I'll get it! You've reached the Palm Beach Kennel Club operator. I'm either on another You've got to be kidding me. My desk, if you can please leave your name. Let's see if I can look up the poker room phone number. That's a joke. Northern California, I think you're right. I think I might have got that security guard fired. Don't no one's at the podium. <laughs> oh man, R.I.P. All right, let's see here. Uh, I'm at the poker room page, but there's no phone number. Let's see. Now they only have that main number. Damn it! I cannot find the poker room direct phone number. I see this five six one six eight three two 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 two, but that is their main number, the one I just called. Huh. Now I guess we're gonna have to listen to the stupid intro again. Maybe it's gonna say the poker room, press eight. That's hmm. that guy sure it's t- open now? Is he the guy said it's open till four? I think you've reached the operator leave a message. Like what are you gonna say to her? Yeah, so that golf yeah, club please. A message. It gets the fun and excitement of live Greyhound racing every day of the week with matinees every afternoon at 1 p.m. and racing every Friday and Saturday evening starting at 7 And get mugged every day at 3 a.m. Poker room with some fun new table games, also no limit poker and big money tournaments. And money dropped in the bathroom every other week. And simulcast from throughout the country. We also have incredible dining and lots of special events. For everything going on here at the Palm Beach Kennel Club, go to our website anytime at pbkennelclub.com and listen to the Backstretch Show every Friday what? evening. What? <laughs> the Backstretch Show? On 95.9 The Palm to find out everything going on here at the Palm The Backstretch Show. The, my, the website says 4 a.m. And full extension 241. If you know the extension you need, you can press it at any time. Well, just dial zero for the operator. For Kennel Club results, call 561-471-3159. For each accounting, dial extension 600, human resources, extension 115. For general information. This is not good radio. We should at least talk or something. How does a hotel operator have her own voicemail? But, like, does anyone ever leave her a message? Like, what would you ever say to her? Hmm. I'm going to leave a message if I get it. I'm going to leave her the first message ever. This is awful. This killed my momentum. (laughs) I think I'm going to go and... I'm up 1,100 in this 30-60 game. Call it a night. Well, I mean, if if this can destroy your momentum, it wasn't there in the first place. I have momentum. I have momentum when I come on. Well, I'm just saying this This is just a missed... The Palm Beach Kennel Club operator. That's the same lady. I know. I'm going to leave her a message. If you can please leave your name and telephone number and a detailed message, and I'll return your call back. Thank you. 
Uh, hello, Ken and Nigel Fabersham here. Uh, this is for the operator. You can, can leave you a message that I'm going to do. Um, I called up here a few days ago, and um, I thought, who is this angel on the other end? She has the most lovely voice I've ever heard. But, of course, I was a little bit shy. I didn't want to say anything at the time. I felt it had been a bit inappropriate. So I, I sat around in my home, and I, I, I kept thinking about that phone call. Not, not in a creepy way or anything. I, just, I thought I'd like to get to know this angel on the other f- side of the phone, but... I just, um, I, I wasn't sure what to say. One time I called up there two, two days ago, and you answered the phone, and I, I just, I couldn't speak. You just said, hello, hello, and I, I just said nothing, and you hung up. You, you thought just no one was on the line, but I was actually there the whole time. I just couldn't find a way to speak, and you can imagine my delight when I called up here, and I got an answering device, and this is easy to speak to, because I know you're not actually listening as I say it. I know you're, you're not going to get the message until... I'm done speaking already, and, and it's not quite the same. It's something where I'm not as shy anymore, and I can express my feelings for you. So I have no idea what you look like. You, you, you could be dreadful in person, as far as I know, but uh, I'm, I'm going to, uh, to be, since I am a gambler, I'm going to gamble with this, and I'm going to assume and hope for the best that uh, you look as attractive as you sound. So um, if you could please give me a call back if you're interested. And I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, um, I'm a tall British gentleman. I'm a colonel in, uh, in, uh, in the... Uh, Royal uh, British Navy. So, uh, if you uh, wish to uh, get to know me better, I'm, I'm in the uh, Palm Beach area now. You can call me. My phone number is area code seven one two seven seven five eight one six two seven one two seven seven five eight one six two. That's my cell phone here, and uh, you can get to know me a bit better. My name is Colonel Nigel Fabersham, and I'm so glad I can leave this message and feel good about the whole thing that I can do this and I've, I've gotten up the... Cu- oh, shit. <laughs> no, I want to save it. Oh, that's it. Your message has been delivered. To continue this call, press 1 now. Okay, that's enough. All right. Well, it's sent urgently. So she's gonna... Now, what urgent means, for those of you that don't know, I know for my uh, exploits with, with voicemail in the 80s, but uh, I can tell you that what urgent means is that it places it first in the rotation. So even if there's like 20 messages before mine, this comes up first. All right, listen. So the boys want a good crank call. How about this? How about we have El Chico Loco call a Bahamian refugee camp? <laughs> <laughs> do we still have the number on the queue? No, but I, I don't have enough money in there to do it, I think. I mean, really? It comes down to money? No, I don't think I don't have enough money in the account. It may cut me well, off. Well, what they'll do is, no, they won't cut you off because I did this when I called them. They just will keep sending you messages like the old school pay phones. Please deposit but what if $5 I don't? into your Skype account. But what if I don't? I, 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 like, will it, will it be like a negative balance? Will I owe Skype money? Will they come and break my kneecaps if I don't pay? How much do you have in the old Skype account? I have $3. Oh, that, that's, that's, I think it's like five, three cents a minute. Okay, I guess I can. Okay, well, let me see if I can dig up that. I, I may have lost the number. Let me see here. Oh, no. I have it written down somewhere, I think. Let me see. Uh, I think you should just call and say that El Chico Loco plans on coming down there and he wanted a vacation. (laughs) He's kind of short on money. He only has a bankroll for maybe, you know, a couple buy-ins of the 1-2 game. Found out that Paradise rooms are going for $5.79 and wanted to see if maybe he could pay a small pittance (laughs) and and stay in the refugee camp. (laughs) He'll bring his own food. He'll okay, bring his okay, own... okay. Dig up for his own hose. Dig up the phone number. We'll call it. Okay, let me find See, it. See, I, I don't think I saved I mean, it. 
I mean, he's totally fine. He'll even pay a, a per diem for his sardines and or anchovies and potatoes <laughs> or whatever it is. Wouldn't it be funny if you went to like a gourmet restaurant and one of the things on the menu was uh, mashed potatoes with anchovies? <laughs> you know, it would be great if you could get them to admit that they serve. Because that guy adamantly denied. In fact, he laughed. Yeah, he, he denied there was any anchovies even on the premises. Right. Okay, let's see if I can find this. I, I discussed this with other people. And, and you don't see it on your Skype because you called. Uh, well, you know what? Maybe I can dig back there and find it. We okay, called a I lot of numbers. But... It's it, the Bahamas, of, if I'm not mistaken, it's a 642 area code or no? No. What's the area code? Two four two four two. Okay, yep, two four two. It's one of it's one of two numbers. Let's try this one first. If it's if the princess whatever jail answers, and it's going to be the other one. Two four two. Hold on a second here. All right, so. And I'm gonna. You know this, this is re, this second. is actually fitting revenge against that PCA refugee guy for going on that uh, two plus two show. How dare he do that instead of our show? He made an account here to talk to us, and they didn't say anything, and he went on that damn Terrence Chan show. That was well. So F him. Let's let's get someone beaten. Let's get someone beaten instead on his yeah. behalf. I'm going to blame it on someone's going to get beaten tonight at that refugee camp, and it's going to be all his fault for not appearing on our show. <laughs> That's it. I'm going to. I'm actually going to take it out on the refugees. Let's do it. I'm tired of being Mr. Nice Guy. All right. So so it's two four two what? Two four two three four one. Zero two seven five. That's two four two three four one zero two seven five. You know, it really bothers me to be charged for calling something in with a regular area code. That shouldn't be. That shouldn't happen. Yeah, it's just wrong. Good morning, Hello. Hello. Hey, yeah, is this the, uh, the that the refugee camp over here? Say what? Is this that the refugee camp in the in the Bahamas? Is that what I read here? Say again. Okay, I'm trying to call up this place in the Bahamas. That's one of these refugee camps. You know where you you capture all the people trying to come into the Bahamas who ain't supposed to be there, and then uh, you put them in this camp. Is this is this what I reach? Three four one five two two three. All right, thank you, man. All right. It was the other one. Sorry. All right, no two, problem. Two four two three four one five two two three. All right, you know I'm I'm gonna. A 50-50 you, you owe me uh, like twenty cents. How much is that? What it took out? It's nothing. That is what it took out. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, t- I'm taking this out of your paycheck. Is T-Buck still on the line? <laughs> yeah, I'm here, buddy. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's awesome. Okay, everybody be quiet. There's a serious phone call here. If it ever rings. Sometimes Skype just sits there. And won't, like, won't do anything. Uh, yeah, uh, is this at the, that uh, refugee camp at the Bahamas? Yes, it is. Uh... Yeah, you know, my, my name is... Uh, my name is Chico Loco. Uh, I'm from uh, from Florida, and uh, I, I want to come down to the Bahamas. And I have a, a request that you're going to find a bit funny, but it's the truth. I want to find out if there's a way for me to stay there without committing no violation. I just want to stay there like it's a hotel. Can I do this? No, you can't. <laughs> well, no, no, I'm not kidding. You know, this is the problem. Okay, 
All the tourist places in the Bahamas, like that Atlantis thing, man, that shit's expensive. I can't afford none of that, but I want to have a vacation down at the Bahamas. I, th- I think, man, I hear all these things about the place, and I heard, you know, I, I kind of like what I hear about it, but I hear you can only stay there if you do something wrong. So either a way I could stay there and maybe, you know, pay someone a bit of money and, you know, just stay there as a guest. Can I do that? Can I pay you? Can I can do it like under the table or something like this? No, sir. We can't do that. Is that. You know what I really want to have? Maybe you can help me. If you can let me, let me stay there. Um, there is a there's something you serve there which sounds really, really good. It's, it's these mashed potatoes where they put the anchovies on this. You know you know what I'm talking about? No, I don't, sir. I don't. So you, you don't got no anchovies there? Because I know someone who stayed there, and he said to me, man, the best meal I have in this place, they had these mashed potatoes, and they have the anchovies and the anchovy juice, and they poured on the mashed potatoes. It's the best fucking thing I ever had in my life. And I go, man, I want to stay in this place. He goes, well, the bathroom ain't too clean. I go, man, you don't know where I'm from. Man, the bathroom ain't never clean in my house. My mama, she clean, she clean everywhere but our own house. It's like she cleans other places, and then she come home, she goes, I don't want to do no cleaning. So I know what it's like to have a, a shitty bathroom. Okay, she she just hung up on me. <laughs> that was a female at the refugee camp. Yeah, huh? I like. Um, is this a refugee camp? She says yes. Like this just, <laughs> just this, right. the, like you're calling your local Starbucks or something. Yeah, yeah. okay. I help you, local refugee camp. All right, there's already a threat on two plus two about us now. We did it again. The they're gonna, gonna go. Who told about the anchovies? No one's supposed to know about this. God, they really deny that whole anchovy. They just thing. don't admit the anchovy. Well, it was four years ago. Maybe there's an anchovy shortage now. Maybe these well, are newer know, people. You know, with all these uh, fucking TV chefs coming along, I'm sure Gordon Ramsay's now operating the kitchen at the refugee camp. <laughs> he spiced up the menu. What, what if you go to like a steakhouse and one of the like $10 sides you can order is the mashed potatoes with anchovies? I bet that's going to be a thing soon. Uh, I, I wish the Spartan was still posting here. I would suggest he would carry that at his restaurant. Because he's, he's opening a restaurant, and or he opened a restaurant. That's funny. See, Beer and Poker is saying that I had to stop and let them speak, but I was afraid that if I just stopped, she was going to hang out. She seemed like she was like, tired of the call. Sometimes, like, I felt like I had to keep talking. So, uh, yeah, uh, Lou Father suggesting that they should have uh, Gordon Ramsay's Kitchen Nightmares Refugee Camp Edition. <laughs> they should have Gordon Ramsay go in there and go, Mashed potatoes with, with anchovies? Why would you even put the anchovies? Well, what's wrong with just plain old mashed potatoes? No wonder nobody wants to come here. All right, let's, let's see. So let's, let's talk about the general topics here tonight. Uh, I made a bet for 2100 actually two bets totaling $2,100 on Donald Trump. And this is someone I don't support politically. I, don't, I hope he doesn't win, except for South Carolina, where I hope he wins because... Uh, I'll make money, and I. You're gonna win for sure. Well, well, one side I'm gonna win for sure. The other side is, is probable, but not for sure. So this is what's going on. Uh, I was able to get a bet through a third party who generously bet for me because I didn't have an account on the sportsbook offering this. But uh, uh, I was able to bet. I bet six hundred dollars to win five hundred, so it's minus one twenty, on Donald Trump winning by eight points or more. So if he wins by eight even or more, then I win. If he wins by less than eight or loses, then I don't win. How much did you bet? Six hundred to win five hundred. All right. So, so I thought that was a very good bet because all the yes. polls, all the polls at the time were showing he was around twenty points ahead. So even if he underperforms by ten points, I still win. So I thought that just so above what he's projected to finish. Uh, what he's projected to finish so above what the line is that I have a, a large room for error, even if he slips. 
the second bet I made was for 1500 to win 250 at minus 600 at, on Bodog, and that is just for him to win outright. So he doesn't have to win by any margin, just if he wins, if he gets the, even the slightest percentage more than, than everybody else, then, uh, then I win that the, one. What was the max? Do you have any idea that Bodog would allow on that? It was 1500 That's why I did oh, it. So, okay. so I did 1500 to win 250 but I just could not see him losing South Carolina. Now, since this happened, uh, he had the debate where he he didn't do that. It was the first debate where he kind of struggled because uh, he said some things that turned off some people in the Republican Party, and that and of course that only that's the only ones who matter for this because it's a primary. Uh, because he was attacking George W. Bush about nine eleven uh, in order to get at Jeb Bush, who's like his constant rival in these debates. So uh, Republicans didn't like this. Uh, first of all, I, I agree that it's not George W. Bush's fault for the most part of what happened. He, there's a little fault on his part, but much more of the fault rested on Clinton. Clinton was in office for eight years when uh, when bin Laden was active almost the whole time. Uh, George W. Bush was in office for eight months when this occurred. And uh, Clinton, in my opinion, had a lot more fault. But uh, Republicans especially don't like Bush being blamed for this and uh, and, and felt that it was – in poor taste for Donald Trump to go there just to get at his brother Jeb. So there's been a little bit of backlash against Trump. Also, Cruz has a very good ground game. He uh, he has a lot of people in these states going door to door, literally door to door, knocking and promoting Cruz. And this was effective in Iowa, which allowed Cruz to come back from a five-point deficit in the polls on the day of the election to end up winning by four points. So he was a nine-point swing in Cruz's favor there, and Trump actually finished second and almost finished third in that primary where he was expected to win. The difference here is that Trump is way, way more ahead in South Carolina in the polls than he ever was in Iowa. And in New Hampshire, where Trump was projected to be way ahead, did indeed live up to what the polls were and finished with a a very wide margin victory, around 20 or 21 points. So... I see South Carolina as much more like New Hampshire, where it seems like if Trump has a big lead, he maintains it. If he's kind of got a marginal lead, then he can struggle and uh, because it's indicative that he's not catching on as well in those states. So I think it's going to be a lot more like New Hampshire than Iowa, and I think he's going to – I don't think he's going to win by 20 anymore, but I think he's going to win by 16 or 17. That's my prediction. Right Which, now, uh, the latest poll that I'm seeing on here, this was done eight hours ago. It's, uh, it's Bloomberg is saying that. Trump is up. He's a nineteen point. He has a nineteen point lead over Ted Cruz, and more amazingly, uh, the Bloomberg poll shows that Trump is dominating the field virtually in all the Democrat demographic groups that that Cruz is also contesting and doing better than Cruz among those who say they are either very conservative or even the evangelical Christians. That's kind of amazing that he has air support. Um, so you know, the first bet you're going to win for, for – I mean, I think you're going to win them both. I feel very comfortable with your holdings right now. Yeah. Now, now someone texted me from 872 saying uh, that uh, uh, that overall – this is not for South Carolina, but overall that uh, Cruz is ahead of Trump by uh, two points in the NBC Wall Street Journal poll. I think that poll is just wrong. I think that uh, it's a skewed poll and uh, – I think there was some problem with it too, with the, with who they asked. Uh, whatever it is, I don't think that Trump 
is behind nationally right now or even close to that. I think he's probably got at least an eight-point lead nationally realistically right now. And I think that in South Carolina, I, I really think it's going to be 16 or 17. I don't think it's going to anywhere near eight. So I'd be surprised if I lose either one of these. Uh, I'd be shocked if I lost the Bodog one for minus 600. But uh, even the one I have at uh, minus 120 for uh, eight points, uh, I think it's pretty safe. So I think that was a very good bet. After that, unless I make more bets on Trump, which unfortunately, I'm not going to go into the whole story, but the person who uh, was making those bets for me has been kind of cut off, so they uh, they can't do it anymore. So I'll have to find someone else to lay these for me if, they, if it's possible. But uh, I will look into ways to do In fact, if you know ways to do this, for me to bet on these on these primaries, uh, and you can do it for me, and just then you're a reliable person who will pay me if I win. Well, that that Mike uh, Oxlong sent me a PM. No, I'm serious. This is a PM. Uh, I'm not trolling you. <clears throat> I'm actually a fan. I agree. Hillary's very likely to win, but as you know, everything has a price. Would you lay $500, or will you lay minus 500 she gets a Democratic nomination? I could get you action at that price with a solid escrow. Well, I was out of town. Depends what the solid escrow is. Well, probably you. <laughs> okay, well. Yeah. But so, anyway, would you be interested in that? Minus 500? Yeah. I would too. Yeah. Uh now, so that's that's what I'm doing. So I'll be rooting for Trump only in South Carolina, not because I've changed my mind on him, but just because uh, I'm realistic and I, I see that uh, he's been so far ahead in the polls there. Just getting him at eight percent, I thought was a great great buy for minus one twenty, and and even the minus six hundred for him to win outright. So maybe I'll run really bad, and and uh, Cruz will have a shocking victory, but I don't think so. I don't think so. And and I figured California. What do you think? Uh, I think you probably made a pretty good bet, but I'm not as into this politics game as you guys as far as the gambling and the odds Yeah, from what I've heard over the shows recently. Yeah, well, you know, I, I figured also, look, it's $2,100. I'm going to be pissed if I lose it, yes, but it's not like I've bet like a major part of my net worth here and I've got to sweat this. I was like, it's like I, I just saw this as something very likely to make me money, and I thought that uh, the line was way off, and uh, I thought it was a hell of a lot better than any sports bet that's out there. So I... Uh, I put it out there. I would have bet more if I could, but the, I bet the max in each one. So uh, here's an interesting controversy that happened. Uh, that's happening right now. It's the Apple and the terrorists' phone controversy. The San Bernardino shootings in November, where uh, two terrorists shot up uh, the workplace of, of one of them. It was the husband and wife, or the husband shot up his workplace and brought his wife along to shoot as well. Uh, during a workplace party, and it turned out that they had uh, long-standing plans to commit acts of terror, but this is the one they ended up committing. And uh, the FBI is still trying to unravel this whole thing, and uh, whether they had any help, and how much this was planned, and a lot of details they still don't know. They found a cell phone belonging to Saeed Farouk, who was the husband of the couple. It's a working iPhone. They don't know what's on it because it has a passcode. Now, up till now, I always assumed that if the FBI wanted to get into my iPhone, which also has a passcode, that they easily could if I wouldn't tell them. I never thought my passcode was shutting out everyone. I also assumed that Apple themselves, if they had my phone, could get into it. Well, apparently that's not true. Apparently Apple claims that they have made these phones so secure that even they don't have a way Intentionally, they, they made it where they don't have a way to break in. 
that if there's a passcode on, there's no way in. Now, you say, what about just trying all 10,000 combinations? It couldn't take that long. There is a feature you can enable on an iPhone, and there's no way to know if it's enabled when it's locked. That if you a, a passcode is entered wrong 10 times in a row, it wipes the entire phone. And it, that's there's no way to recover the data at that point. It just wipes it Wait, completely. Say that again. If, if, you, you, if, you can enable a feature on the iPhone that if someone enters your passcode 10 uh, times okay, straight... You gonna, okay, you have to enable it. Okay. Yeah, so... so that happened to me once, and I got to the point where you had to wait 30 minutes to... I think that's the max. Yeah. You know, after 10, but that's, yeah, that's the default settings. So okay. what what I they're afraid of is here is that this terrorist here, so there's no way to tell if he enabled that feature. They're afraid that maybe he did, and maybe and maybe he knew. And I don't think he did, but, but they think that they don't want to take the chance that maybe he enabled that, and if they just try to brute force the password out that way, that uh, not only is it going to take a while because they have to wait you know, some time between wrong entries, but that even if they do that, that maybe after 10 tries it's going to wipe the phone, and then at that point it's too late, you cannot do it. So what they want from Apple, the FBI, is just open up the phone. Find a way to bypass this. Now, Apple did not say it's impossible. They said right now, with the tools they have, it's impossible. They, don't, they have not engineered a way to do this. But they did not say, we can't do it. They're just saying, we don't want to create a way to do this. Apple is refusing to do it because they claim it's going to start a slippery slope regarding privacy issues, that if they invent this, maybe it'll fall into the wrong hands, and then maybe people who should not be accessing phones that are locked will start accessing them. So they they said, look, as much as we want to help with this situation with the terrorist phone, as as much as we wish you could just get into it, we are afraid that uh, this is going to create a much bigger problem and it's not worth it. We're not doing it. Uh, Yesterday, they put out a message to their customers. It's apple.com slash customer dash letter. You can go look at it if you want. Apple.com slash customer dash letter. And it says a message to our customers and they explain this. And their reasoning as to why they won't do it is uh, this is how they're explaining why they won't just do it this one time for this one extreme circumstance. They said, the government suggests this tool could only be used once on one phone. They're referring to the tool the government wants them to create to get in there. But that's simply not true. Once created, the technique could be used over and over again on any number of devices. In the physical world, it would be the equivalent of a master key capable of opening hundreds of millions of locks from restaurants and banks and stores to homes. No reasonable person would find that acceptable. Well, let me tell you why I reject all that. What the government is asking them to do is on this one phone, open it up. And if you don't have a way to do it, which Apple claims they don't, make a way to do it, which Apple is not denying they can do. They just say they they don't want to even go down that road. They don't want to make this master key. What if it falls in the wrong hands? Well, Apple is comparing this to a master key that what if one was made that could open up every lock in the world? Why would you ever want that created because it could fall in the wrong hands? Well, the difference is a master key that could open up any lock could then open up all these structures that just stand there. So so any structure that's standing there on the street could be opened with it, and that would be very dangerous. An iPhone is different because it's not a structure that's stuck on the street that's accessible to everybody. Where is your iPhone usually? In your pocket, in your house, where people can't get to it. So even if they were compromised somehow, and I can't imagine how it would be, if they had their most trusted employees creating this and, and it was created in a very secure environment – 
I think the chance of this getting out is very small. It's not impossible, but the chance of this getting out is very small. But even if it was, even if there was the, the way to do, even if they developed a way to break through this passcode, and it did get out somehow. There's an untrustworthy, untrustworthy person working at Apple who had access to this who then let it out. Let's say this fell into the very worst possible hands. Someone who's going to just uh, try to do really bad things with it. Still, in order to do it, they have to physically get your phone. So even if someone has this, even if someone has this digital master key that they can open up any iPhone, they wouldn't be able to do it remotely. They would actually have to get their hands on your phone. So now you say, well, what if I lose my phone? What if my phone gets stolen? Well, okay. Who's going to care about your data? The answer, nobody. Identity theft is not aimed at the individual. It's aimed at mass groups. Nobody puts a lot of time and effort just to steal your data unless you're a really important person. And let's face it, everybody listening to this show and everybody on this show as Mason Malamuth put it, is a very unimportant person. And we, we are. We're, nobody here is worth, none of us are, have data worth stealing. There's nothing special about any of us that would make it worth it for a criminal to steal our individual data. What criminals like doing for identity theft is stealing mass amounts of data. That is worth something. But with phones that they have to physically operate in order to break into, that's very slow and time-consuming. It's not worth doing. And just getting the phone is very hard. How are they going to get your phone? So this is something that there's very little threat to do. I think the only thing people are worried about is, I I think some people like the idea that they can lock their phone and absolutely nobody, including the police, the FBI, whoever, can access it. They feel good. Ha ha ha. My phone is locked. Nobody can get in. This is my little secret place. And while that can make you feel good, I don't think that little good feeling you have that nobody can get in is worth having criminals being able to do the same thing. Child molesters, murderers, terrorists, they can have very important information on their phone that would convict them or lead to other discoveries that now can't be accessed if if people can't get their passcode. So I, I think that's... I think there's a lot of worrying over nothing. And and keep in mind, search warrants, which have existed before any of us were born, have always given the government the right, once a warrant is issued, to search anything. Our house, our car, our computers, anything. They can come in and go through everything and take everything and look through everything. So why should our phone be the one exception to this? If search warrants are okay, why why is our phone accepted? Why, why, Why should our phone not be able to be searched and everything else can be? And I've always been of the belief, if you want something absolutely not searchable by the government or the police, especially if it's physically taken from you, I don't mean where they can monitor it from afar when you don't know, it's probably because you're doing something wrong with it that you don't want people knowing. But I think for the average citizen, I I think that uh, they have nothing to worry about with this, especially because it's not like this is going to be able to be done to you remotely over the internet by someone in Russia. This someone has to actually take your phone and have the interest in doing this, and and want to put the time into doing this. And no one's going to do this to get your text messages you sent to your ex girlfriend last night when you were drunk. So, uh, Brandon, what do you think of this? Should should Apple help or or, or not? No, I don't think they should. Why? It's a violation of uh, First Amendment. It's a slip. What? Slope. First Amendment. No, no, really. What, what do you like? 
you know, like, are you worried that you want to protect the terrorists here? I don't understand. Say the question again. <laughs> Do you think that they should open up this terrorist phone, the guy who's dead, from shooting all these people? Of course they should. Yeah. Okay. So I have in common. I mean, I mean, in this day and age, as much as you know, people think that. I mean, listen, it's a slippery slope. People are going to complain if we don't have the intel to stop these attacks. Yet at the same time. You know, people are complaining that our liberties and, and freedoms are being squashed. So, I mean, w- which way do you want it? Like, I want to live safe. I want my family to live safe. And if those are the measures people have to take to prevent attacks like that from occurring, then I, I, so be it. You know, when the Constitution was originally written, it didn't have these sort of things in mind. I mean, you know what I'm saying? It just never expected us to live in the kind of fear that we live in and, uh, you know what, as much as, you know, I, I hate the way the world is now and, and, you know, there's so much controversy about what went on during the Bush administration and Guantanamo Bay and all that, I think it's necessary. I mean, I, you know what, if you got to torture a few people to protect the fucking good of, of, of the world and the Americans, I'm all for it. Torture them. More, what do they call that? Waterboarding? Wasn't that the, the yeah. big word? Yeah. So, yeah, go for it. Yeah, I I have no problem with it. And I also, you guys, I don't know if you all realize this, but there are data mining companies out there that specialize in accumulating data on every citizen and then selling it for marketing purposes. And they have way more data on you. Wait, you're saying they have a file on me somewhere? Yes. 100% you know Yes, this. yes. I haven't seen your file, but I know that it exists and on me and what everybody about else. about you? Yes, of course. And what is it? What is you? What do you think they have? On so, you? so what they do is they they collect everything they can from sources that like big bold letters that says cheap Jew. <laughs> they might say that actually. No, they they actually might have something like that there because they're, they're trying to collect all your habits and and they they collect it from various sources, both from companies selling it to them or or th- or things people accidentally make publicly available through social media or whatever. All things that are these are all legal. These aren't. Uh, sometimes they engage in. Tactics they shouldn't, or secret illegal tactics. For the most part, these are completely legal, and they 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 know everything about you. They they know where you live, how you vote, what you buy, where you travel, what websites you visit. Sometimes you know, depending on on uh, what traces you leave behind, uh, who you live with, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, it basically they they buy this data or collect it from various sources and and, and put it all together. They, they aggregate data, and then they will sell this. To companies that want to buy it for marketing purposes, not not for sinister things to do bad things to you, but for marketing purposes, so so they know how to market to each person. There's no point to advertise to someone who has no interest in the product or not likely to be interested in the product. So so that's how they do it. Now you saying you're asking, do they know I'm a cheap Jew? Uh, they actually might, uh, based upon spending habits and things like that, where they can see, oh, this person's a waste of time to market. They're never going to buy this sort of thing, or they're going to they're going to demand to this person only makes uh, high value purchases. High value meaning where they're getting good value for their money. They're not going to like this. Like they, these things all go into the the data mining, and so they they just harvest very large amounts of data and then analyze it for each person, and then sell it. And you you can uh, read articles on the web about this. And this is all completely legal. And and all these a lot of these companies that uh, they get this data from companies you think you can trust, but that have uh, privacy policies allowing them to share this. Of of uh, what you buy, who you call, what you do. Like, there, there's so many different ways that they can obtain this data legally, and sometimes even illegally. 
And, and the problem is when all this data is there, you don't have a right to, number one, see it, and number two, demand how they got it all. They just say we got it from various sources. Uh, th- that's how these search sites work, these various search sites where you can enter someone's name and, and sometimes for as cheap as 99 cents look up a bunch of info on them. They get it in a similar way. So these uh, and these companies I'm talking about, most of them actually are not ones that the public can access. You know, this isn't where I can just go on and pay a fee and find out uh, the information on you. This is that they they sell this in mass to big companies that request it, that uh, they want to buy it from them. So this is all out there. And that's why it's so funny when people are so worried about the government spying on them and listening to their conversations and getting through their phone passcode. This is just people focusing on the wrong thing. They're fearing the wrong thing. They don't realize how much info is out there. There is so much info out there that even if you do your best to get off the grid and to get uh, and the best to keep private, even me with all my secret locations and all that, there's a lot of info out there about me. And who, who has this info? The companies that uh, the data well, collection like, give me companies. Give an example. What, like what companies? I don't, I don't know the names of them. these. Are, these are data collection companies? They're not well known. And uh, and I've read about them before, and it makes sense because it's not it's not that hard to do. In fact, I've done the, a much a poor man's version of this when I'm looking in for information on someone. A lot of times, I just accumulate it from various ways, and sometimes info will lead to info. Sometimes, if you get info in one way, then you can look up more. For example, uh, you're paranoid. No, this How is all true. If, How if, do you know it's true? Because I've done it myself. Okay, Northern California. What's your what's your neutral, unbiased take on this? I, I think I don't believe it. Druff believes it. Maybe I'm naive. Maybe he's paranoid. Which? How do you see it? You know, I'm pretty sure these websites exist that you can look up this information on people and stuff. Um, it, it, these aren't really websites, though. I'm, I'm not talking. There are websites too, but the ones with a whole lot of info are not websites because they're not selling them to the general like, public. Well, okay, give me an example. We won't use you. Okay, uh, let's just say. <clears throat> okay. I'm not bringing his name to to start anything, but Marty Carrico, Marty. <laughs> no, but no, no, I'm just saying. Oh, great. Uh, I don't want anything personal about me. You know, if I if I said, "Hey, Druff, what did this file say about me?" and you're not you, so Marty, what would his file say? Uh, it, like it, be honest, not making. Fun well, no, of I don't know what it would say specifically, but but it would have all the different addresses he's been like, at. What? Like it says that he, he he's a drifter. He lives. It, 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 places. it would have all the different. That? It would have the different addresses he's been at. It's been in the fact that it would have in the fact that he, that he gambles a lot. It would have. But you're saying there's a file out there somewhere that says he's a gambler? Yes, because that, I, that's big business too. What's that? I he said ice cold AC. Yeah, yeah he has, right. He has ice cold AC. I was probably in there too. You know, what what so they you're do? Saying that their file says that you and me are gambling. Yes, yes. And these, what they do? These aren't files like like sinister government files. This is to sell things to comp- This is to sell the information to companies who are going to want to know if they want to reach gamblers. For example, uh, they, they buy a list of gamblers. They buy. Uh, the, the, and, how would it know that? I, how would it know that I'm a gambler? Well, it would buy the information from an online gaming site you use. That that's one of them. That's one of them. Yes, and, and another one is. And by the way, Bo, Bovada or Bodog has sold this information before. I know for sure, and uh, they deny it, but I know for sure. So was the Merge Network too, for what it's worth. So what would they ever call and sell me that only? A they wouldn't call. You would get like direct mail or things like that. That you wonder how they know I was gambling or how they you know offering you to some online casino. 
there's so many ways to use information that they collect. And the, let me show you how I, hey, so you can do this. On a, all this is private, though. It's not for like government use. Though. Yeah, no, yeah, it's all private. It's all done for private, private uh, profit. Oh, okay. Yeah, I kind of believe that. Yeah, and and I thought you meant there was more like of a sinister like no a file on me that says that you know I like to masturbate to this. You know, he's on the b. What is it? Beeb.beeb.com or you know, I I, I can't. Okay. No, and and see the the government, uh, the controversy about them uh, monitoring phone calls and all that. People picture like the government's listening in. So if they, uh, you know, if they secretly want to call and have gay phone sex, they're afraid the government's going to know and hold it against them. It's not like that. Uh, the, the, the way uh, the way it really works is. Uh, um, the government would accumulate massive amounts of data or massive amount of phone calls, and then if, after the fact, it turns out that you're a suspect in a crime or a suspect of a of, of a terrorist attack, then at that point, then they will pull up what they've already taken and listen in at that point, or start listening in from that point forward. That's the type of thing they'll do. They're not going to listen in mass to everybody. They don't have enough personnel to do that. Not even close. So that's people are are uh, they're panicking about the wrong thing. And there's so much info out there that's being collected, way more than the government is, and, and way more targeted at you than the government is, uh, mainly for profit. And, and people just panic over things like this. Oh my God, they can get access to my phone. Why shouldn't they? If you've if you've committed crimes and, and there's evidence of your crime on the phone, they should have access to it. And uh, and if you don't give them access, then this in this empowers criminals to be able to use their phone and put a passcode on it, and and store all of their incriminating evidence on there and know it'll never be seen that's a very bad thing to let criminals know and and can you imagine for example let's say there was a child molester who molested a whole lot of kids but there's only circumstantial evidence against him and there's a belief that on the phone there's a lot of stuff let's say one of the kids says oh he took pictures of me naked on the phone or you know, a, he showed me pictures of other kids naked on the phone or of him doing molesting them on the phone like uh, but there's no other evidence except that and they, they get the guy and they get his phone but it has a password and of course he won't give it up are, are you saying that they shouldn't be able to get in. Just tough luck on the tough luck. They can't make a case against the guy. And these aren't like far-fetched examples. There are so many examples that people will have incriminating things on their phone. Of course, there should be the ability for law enforcement to get in, just like the law enforcement has the ability to break down my door if they get a warrant to search my house if I'm strongly suspected of a crime. So it sounds like the people who are against this whole thing with with the government being able to break into your phone if they physically get a hold of it, which of course would be through a warrant, uh, it sounds like you're against all warrants, that just nobody should ever be able to be searched ever. And good luck with that. And good luck with uh, living that way. So uh, there are going to be bad guys out there who do bad things, and if you don't protect it, if you don't protect yourself, you don't protect the country, then you're going to have problems. It's, it's not always about privacy. And this isn't even a big invasion because nobody can invade your phone unless they physically have your phone. A call, you're on the air. Hey, it's a Desert Explorer, Northern California. Yes, another Northern California guy. Go, go ahead. It's impossible. Hey, I got a, I got a twist on the situation. Let's say the cops want an iPhone uh, unlocked. We don't, we do not give them the software, but they have to drive the phone physically to an uh, Apple uh, office, and they walk in, give it to the Apple people, and they walk out. Okay, here's the phone we unlocked it for you. What if Apple just held the technology, and you just had to bring it to them, and then we give you the phone under a warrant? Would you be in favor of that? Well, I mean, that's fine. They may find it burdensome if they if they have to be brought phones constantly for criminal investigations. But they, they said they, they don't even want to do that because they don't trust themselves. That basically Apple's saying, we don't want to create this because what if this gets out somehow? They're actually saying, you can't trust us. 
Well, but, I don't. I don't buy that because they they can keep it a secret what kind of like charging port the new iPhone nine is going to have. They don't think that they would guard something this powerful with you know. Okay. What if it does like Mission Impossible? What if you give like the software to then unblock one phone and it self destructs after it's used? Can they do that where it erases itself? It could be used once and it self destructs, and then they can't. The cops can't use it for another iPhone down the line. Is that possible? No, no, they're they're right that that if it's created for one, that it's that, that it could be used on any other phone, and that's what. They're, but the thing, it's not a piece of software. They probably have. To, I'm just about sure they have to do it at the hardware level, where they have to get the physical phone, and 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 open it up and do something to it, to where to where they get in, to where it, it, this is something that would be impossible to be done. To like, it's not like someone could release an app that just steals everybody's info through the, uh, um, through the passcode. It's, it's, there's, there's there's no way. That that can be done, from what I can tell. I think each phone individually would have to be obtained to break into. So even if this fell in the wrong hands, how would they use it? How how could they get access to my phone? They'd have to steal my phone physically from me. And why would they do that? What what value would my phone have to to the average uh, criminal? Like nothing. I don't think they could write the software so it self destructs after one time you unlock it and it destroys itself and then that's it. But I don't know. But that's all my two inputs. Thanks a lot. All right. Thanks for the call. Take care. Call in. So yes, I I think everybody's got a everybody's so obsessed with the civil liberties nowadays, and I, I you know I I understand the concerns, but I just think that there's people are, are closing their eyes to what's already happening. The the cat's out of the bag with your privacy. I hate to tell you, but you're the cat is really out of the bag with that, and and you're just uh, fooling yourself if you think that uh, protecting your phone from the cops getting into it or the FBI getting into it is somehow going to Maintain your privacy. The only way that's maintaining your privacy is if you're committing crimes and putting evidence of that on your phone, and you don't want them to get into it. Then, then I guess I understand your point, but uh, I also don't have any sympathy for you if, if that's what's going on. And there, there's so many si- serious situations like this one with this terrorist in San Bernardino. This this is a weird terrorist attack in the first place because it looks like that the guy that they were planning something different, and then the guy kind of just flipped out and decided to attack the people at work instead. So it was a terrorist attack, but it looks like kind of a spontaneous one done in lieu of whatever they had planned. So it's very possible maybe things were left on the phone because it was kind of a hasty decision. And and maybe things were left on the phone that would be very helpful that could link other people to whatever plots were being planned and, and just open up a lot more information about these two terrorists that did such a horrible thing. You just... We, you can't protect the, these terrible criminals like that in, in the name of, of uh, quote, civil liberties, where, where in reality what they're proposing is not even dangerous to, to our information. It's just not. So, uh, you know, you may say, get the government out of my phone. I don't want them having access. Good. I like locking them out. You know, keep saying that until you're the victim of these things or one of your family members is. You're gonna Then you're going to feel... Uh, you're going to change your tune? Yep. All right, so uh, let's see here. <laughs> China Maniac says, China Maniac said, fuck the FBI. I guess he doesn't agree. That's his, his commentary. Uh, let's see. Why do I keep losing my agenda? I just keep losing my agenda. I can't ever keep the damn agenda. But just, okay. Uh, it always disappears. It did we always... talk about poker stars? Yes. Now, we talked about all those gambling topics there uh okay let's see uh do we talk about uh, the hylia park now we've talked about everything except the all-star game i've got it up here so let's talk about the all-star game 
Brandon, did you watch it? You know, I gotta tell you, no, I was in on, on holiday. I haven't, I haven't watched the All Star Game probably since the Jordan years, and I agree with your little uh, bullet point here. NBA All Star Game is a joke, but at the same time, where have you been? It's been a joke for about a decade plus now. Yes, but now it's, it's now joke now it's a been. bigger joke than ever. It's it's no, it, it, I don't think so. There's never been a score like this before. Okay, and that's fine, but why does it make it more of a joke than when it was? 155 to 138. I'll, I'll tell you why. Because that, the reason they're different, the reason that the West scored almost 200 points and the losing team scored over 170, the reason it was 196 to was 178 or 173, something like that, the reason that score was so ridiculously high, about 370-something total points scored, the reason it was so high even compared to other All-Star games, even compared to last year, which was a then-record 321 points scored, this year it was 370-something scored, is because it went from little defense to last year's very little defense to this year's no defense. And I mean no defense. And it became... I understand they don't want to play hard. They don't want to get injured. They, they don't want to wear themselves out in an exhibition game. Uh, the game doesn't mean anything in the standings. Uh, player stars definitely don't want to get hurt and, and ruin the second half of the season. I understand all that. And I understand they can't play this with any kind of real intensity. I also understand it's somewhat of a show-off game where you're just showing off crazy moves, alley-oops, things like that. Showcase. It's a yes. showcase. But but when there's absolutely no defense, and there is a huge difference between like a 196 to 173 game and a, and a, uh, a 140 to to 130 game. There's just there is a big difference between that. That's this game. You saw literally no defense being played. It, it was uh, it was so little that in the final seconds, for whatever reason, when teams usually don't play defense in a blowout, in the final seconds, for whatever reason, they actually played a tiny bit of defense. But they would just let whoever's got the ball just run up there and and shoot. Run up the like. Actually, the strategy to score the most points in this is just to charge the basket because no one's going to block you. The, the only misses were where people would take uh, three pointers from uh, a good distance out and miss, or, or any distance. You know, the th- a three pointer is never easy to make because it's it's far enough away where even NBA players, even Steph Curry, is not going to make them all. But uh, I, anyone who tried to make a layup or a dunk. Uh, just about all of them were went in because nobody contested it. I mean, they just actually move out of the way. It was like the Red Sea parts, and and you you start charging the basket. Everybody backs up and just lets you score, or backs up and lets you toss it up, and and uh, your teammate slams it in from an alley oop. There were a few missed ones where people they made mistakes or tossed it up the wrong way, or or, or tossed it up and in this the ball slips. I think LeBron made one where he, it slipped out of his hand and went you know, went uh, out of bounds. But aside from those little mistakes, if you charge the basket. You're given a basket for sure. No, no one can test it the slightest. So it's one thing not to play really hard and not to make hard fouls and not to uh, act like it's a regular game as far as the amount of defense you play. But this one had, by a wide margin, the least defense I've ever seen to where it actually was not even fun to watch. It didn't matter how cool some of the moves were or, uh, or, or how much of a showcase it was because there was so little defense. It was just get the ball and... Uh, the team on defense just backs off and lets you shoot however you want. That's what the game was. So what do you think about doing what they did for baseball when people were saying the same thing, that it meant nothing, it was boring, 
did mean anything? What what you know? Obviously, you know what they did in baseball. You're a big baseball fan. They let the game. The game became something. Yeah, but that was stupid. Do you know? So you okay? Obviously, then you just stated you disagree with. Well, me. I disagree because the problem is that it only affects a, a very small percentage of the players in the game. In baseball, where they give the home core home field advantage to the league that wins. Uh, only, right, but I'm only, saying that it gives them reason for the managers. To be competitive and have pitching, you know, the correct pitching matchups, and just oh, know. only if they think they're going to make the World Series. If they don't think that they're they're going to make it, then they 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 don't have to worry too much. Or if they think, well, there's such a small chance, even if we we're a contending team, there's there's a good chance we're not going to make it. So who cares? No one's going to play hard. Like oh wow, well, what if my team makes the World Series? Now I've got to really make sure to win because most of them know either they're on a team that's not contending or a team that uh, even if it is contending. It has not to get really through. because the majority of all stars. I mean, I'm not saying all of them, but usually whatever team is doing great or you know just is a powerful team has more all stars than the rest. I Meaning you're not going to see like a bottom dweller like the Brewers last year have three or four all stars on them. No, but but team. but there's there's some teams that are out of it completely, and some that are some that are, that may make the playoffs or may make it. But the problem okay, how is how many Dodgers made? The, I don't know uh, how many Dodgers made it last year. Uh, there's actually yes. four of them or something, but they they got a lot in. But the the thing is here, the Dodgers don't approach it like we're going to make the World Series. This is for our home court advantage. It's like it's different because it's so speculative. Like, well, if we make the World Series, and if if we win. Uh, great, but the, the thing is, not everybody's on the same page with it. it, it it's just so much effort to put in for such a. Uh, it's still a small so much chance to put in. I don't understand what because you've got to play hard for you, one game. That's a lot of effort to put in. Well, they weren't before. See, this—that's what I'm saying. This doesn't change it. They're not. They're not. They weren't before, and they're still not. Nobody cares. Still, in fact, to show you, uh, do you remember when when Derek Jeter? Uh, got that double in his last All-Star game, and it turned out that uh, Wainwright grooved a pitch to him. Wainwright was on a, a very good team, and he grooved a pitch to, to the other team. I remember – this is really funny. This just tells you how much even the media is uneducated about baseball. Do you remember Cal Ripken's performance in his last All-Star game, the year that he was going to retire? No. Okay, he hit a home run in the All-Star game his final year, and everyone was – saying it was just a fastball down the middle, you know, like 90, 91 mile an hour fastball. And then the next day, the standard media response was that it was a give me. And, you know, the, the, the pitcher purposely threw it down the middle so we could hit a home run and be celebrated and win the MVP. And, of course, you don't even realize, or I'm not saying you, but you could throw a fastball down the middle 10 times in a row. It's still insanely hard to hit a home run. It's not I mean, insanely hard, but you're you're more I mean, likely not to than than to do it. But uh, well, that's what I'm. I mean, I'm just saying to you. It, 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 I mean, it's not. Anyhow, it's, the, the point, the point that I'm making, is that I, I respectfully disagree. I mean, I, I, I think at least in baseball, it's made it more competitive. I don't think the managers are going into this saying we don't care because who wants to be the guy that blew the game for their entire no, league? No, it's, it's not about the manager. I'm just I'm just talking well, about I'm, – I'm saying in terms of matchups because ma- – okay, more than basketball, I think – and you know this. You know, baseball matchups are very important. You know, situational situations, base stealing, you know, pitching, you know, bringing in a pitcher just to get one out or righties versus righties. I, I actually believe that, that the coach in the NBA is much more important than the manager in baseball. I don't. I think – I think – in my opinion, it's football in terms of how much a coach is important. Football, 
Then I think baseball, then I think basketball. No, basketball, that's why, that's why San Antonio does so well. They have the best coach. I, um, no, come on. Yes. It, it, San Antonio does so well because they it was a perfect storm. I mean, they had the David Robinson era that just, at the end of his era, started with Tim Duncan, and then they had a great point guard, and they basically had the, their own big three. Stay relatively healthy for over a decade. No, but they but they had they, their guys got old. and They're still so competitive for so long. But and that's because they brought they Kwame Leonard. They, they have they have they the, brought in Lamarcus Aldridge. They ha, they have the best coach that's been known for a long time is, is the best coach, and it's, it's I'm telling you it, it makes a huge difference. Look, you, I'll tell you this, okay, and 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 you know we could remember this and make a small little wager. They're not going to win another championship with that core. It's not going to happen because I mean, well, because of Golden they, State. That's why. And, and not even not even just Golden State. I don't. I would feel comfortable right now at this point, with all things considered, if they played even a team like Oklahoma City uh, in the semifinals. Well, that's only because they're getting old. So that's why. That's well, okay. But the the point and they right, wear down at the end of the season. That's why. The point I'm making you is as much is you know. Phil people say Phil Jackson made a deal with the devil because right after the Jordan, you know, years he had Kobe in his prime and he had Shaq still in his prime or Kobe maybe a little bit even before his prime uh, you, you put any kind of coach with those teams that Phil Jackson they're going to still win I mean you could put the worst NBA coach with those Jordan teams and those Lakers teams and they're still going to win championships just, I mean when I say worst I just mean a competent you know I, I don't know pick a coach uh, like Mike Dunleavy you know who's not I mean, he's a coach but he's not he's never won a championship or you understand what I'm saying. No, I understand I, I there's certain teams that are so good that are going to win no matter what, but I'm saying that there's some teams that, especially in a very competitive look, look, situation. Okay, look at, here's an example. Look at Luke Walton. Okay, he's never coached before. Okay, he's been an assistant for only two years. This is his second year being an assistant. He was in the NBA three years ago. Okay, he had Golden State get off to the best start ever. He was coach of the year twice so far this season as an interim coach. He's an interim coach now. Okay, this is true, and I mean, because I read it, you know, I read it in the paper, I read it on the news. He's the hottest coaching prospect going in the next year. They say that he can pick and choose where he wants to go, that he won't even go and consider going to your L.A. Lakers because there's such, and that's where he played. Well, I don't blame him because it's a fail team. Because there's such a fail team. He won't go under former coach and mentor Phil Jackson because the Knicks are such a mess, and, and you know, he wants a situation where they're competitive right away. He, and this is all based well, on. 40 no, I, I I agree that he he's overrated because there's not that some, he's overrated. It's just that he's, it's not rated. No, I mean, no. There, it's, there, there's some teams like this current Golden State when it's so good that yes, an average coach could be very successful with them. But there's other teams, especially in situations where, let's say you have uh, two excellent teams that that are relatively even talent wise. Okay. That 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 if there's a better coach, they're going to have a big edge over the one with the worst coach. Well, here, here, here's my next argument. So in baseball, for instance. Last year, the Chicago Cubs, after basically futility, except for maybe one or two seasons out of the last quarter century, they bring in arguably the best manager in baseball. Okay, I'm saying I said arguably, but I don't think you could argue that he's that he's not at least in the top five. I'm talking about Joe Madden, and comes in there to Chicago, he revamps the entire organization, uh, just the way things are done, the chemistry, and Look at them now. They're they're a team on the rise. They make it a couple games from making it to the World well, Series. Well, that's because that's because they they have all these uh, young players who, who came that, up. That, and that, but, I mean, listen. What they're the first team to spend 
and and I mean no, they had they, they had the perfect storm. They had a lot of really good young players come up who who became something, and, and they had some that they, they spent some money to get some uh, free agents to make the team. This team was expected to be very good last year, and was it, it wasn't a shock last year when it did so well. I mean, it was a shock they made it that they weren't they. You show me any sort of uh, oh, I saw a lot of predictions last year. They're going to predicted them to make it to. The championship game? No, I, I, I didn't no, I, I, no. I saw predictions that they were going to be an excellent team last year, and this year they're expected to be really good too. Well, the point I'm saying, I think in basketball more than anything. Okay, here's an example. You can take take Popovich and and you know my team, the Miami Heat. They're they're a perfect example. They're not going to be good enough with their current roster to advance out of. They'll maybe win the first round. Maybe maybe they'll win the first round in the playoffs. They're not going to get past. The first round, they're not, they, won't they probably won't get past the first. They're, they're like a five hundred team, pretty much. Yeah, they're like the two games above five hundred. Okay, they're not good enough, or they're not bad enough, rather, that they're going to be able to build through the draft. Okay, because they're going to get like you know eighteen pick, twenty pick, something like that, maybe even a little higher than that. Okay, so you take, and again, I'll agree, they're a five hundred team. You take Popovich and you put him there, okay, over Eric Sparola. How many more games do they win? In the eighty-two games, they'll season. win some. I don't know. They, they will win some more. They're not no, going to. No, they're, 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 they're not going to be. They're not going to be a, they're not gonna be a, a championship team. They won't because they. No, okay, how many? Okay, you know this is a better way to phrase it. How many wins is Popovich worth to a team? Meaning that if another coach was there, a lesser coach, they wouldn't have. They would. They would. They would not have garnered those wins. How many wins? Wins does he bring to a team? Would you guess? I I'd say five answer. to six. Yeah, I think that, I think it's around that too. Wow, I, that's way too. See, high. No, I, I think so because listen, listen, I, I, that's the thing. He he's not going to be a miracle worker where an average team like the Miami Heat definitely is this year. Uh, he's not going to be able to turn them into a champion because basketball talent is very very important, and if you just don't have it, I think it's more important than any other. It team. it is it is, but 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 once you're at the elite level, there's there's going to be a few really talented teams at the top. And and what's going to push you over the top to be the champion? A lot of times will ha- be having the better coach. Where uh, um, that, that's that's where it's such a big factor. You, well, it's you, like this: the Oklahoma Thunder. They're just as good as they had been in the last four or five years. Now, of course, granted, when Kevin Durant was healthy, and now they have a new coach. Uh, they have the guy from Florida, Billy Donovan, Billy Donovan. who replaced uh, Scotty Brooks. So is Donovan a better coach? Is he as just as good as Scotty Brooks? Because he has the same. Record more. No, it's probably about the same. I mean, there there, uh, there aren't that many really good coaches that are going to make a big difference, and uh, and and of course the Thunder are being overshadowed by by the Warriors and and also to some degree uh, the Spurs. But uh, the, the truth is, Golden State is just so good. Everybody's looks like crap compared to them. I mean, you could be a competent coach. You could even be a less than competent coach. And if you're there with Golden State right now, just not screwing it up. They're going to be, yeah, be the same if, record there and out. If you if you have a team that's so good that you put yourself in charge of, like, say, the New England Patriots, and they're not because there's more schemes but, involved and in, and in coaching's way more important in football than it is in basketball. It's not even close. No, but I'm talking about basketball versus baseball. That most mostly baseball for the most part it it manages itself. And in fact, I believe sometimes I watch the overmanaging. Of of the oh okay well here comes a left-handed hitter we got to bring up a left-handed pitcher and they change him out so they take out a pitcher who's pitching very well and getting everybody out and just because it's a lefty lefty situation uh, China, lefty- China maniac is basically saying my point you need stars and to win in the NBA more than any other sport yes that, I agree with that yeah and that 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 I but that's but that's not that's not changing my point. I'm saying that, yes, you have to have stars to win in the NBA. There's no question about it. You have to have the talent to win. There's only going to be a few teams each year that will really be competitive to, to, to be champions. 
there'll be one, a lot of make the playoffs, but there's only a few that'll be champions. But of those that ha- that are con- contented for championships, uh, if you have the best coach, that can be what puts you over the edge. Where in baseball, I don't think it matters that much, other especially if you can just avoid making big mistakes. If you make really dumb mistakes there, then yes, it can kill you. But uh, I've even, as I say, I've seen overmanaging. I've seen it where uh, they they try too much with matchups, especially lefty lefty righty righty. When instead of just leaving the pitcher who's doing well at the moment and isn't showing any signs of uh, of of decline or, or having a bad game. And then you know, leave him in instead of putting in an unknown just because he's got the he pitches with the, the correct arm for who he's facing. A lot of times I think that's a mistake. So I, I've seen a lot of times where less action is actually better than more with these managers in baseball. I've just seen a lot of times where uh, you you put anyone who who knows baseball relatively well there in the dugout, and they do just as well as a major league manager. So, well, I think out of all the th- out of the three major sports, the NBA coach. It's the most. It's most overrated. Okay, well, I, I disagree. Back. But anyway, back to the All Star Game. Uh, okay. I, I I just think that this is. It just wasn't fun to watch. It just wasn't, and not just because I lost money on it. It, it just wasn't fun. Yeah. I was just going. There's just nothing interesting if the if there's no defense at all. I'm not saying little defense. I mean no defense. If they actually back away as if they're not on the court, which is what pretty much what they're doing. They, if, the, the, it's, it's almost the only thing I see on defense is an attempt to get rebounds. That's the only thing they were doing is attempting to get rebounds. But, it's but, turned into the Pro Bowl, pretty much. Yeah, it, it's it's worse. I mean, I I just think it's this is something where they literally back off completely, Li- totally just back off completely for for every basket, except, except they try to get refound, rebounds. Otherwise, they might as well not be on the floor, and they, they might as well just go sit so down. So, what's your solution, Todd? Solution is either just not to have it, or or that's to not gonna happen. okay, or or or, t- or to encourage at least a little defense. And you could say, well, that's not realistic. Well, they did it all the way up until a few years ago. They had played a little defense, not a lot, but a little to where at least it was more interesting to watch. I watched it a few years ago versus watching it last year and this year, and I can tell you, especially this year, it was so boring because it, it was just okay. West runs up, East backs up, West shoots. They either miss or make it. Okay. Now East has it. They're going to run up. West is going to back up. Miss or make it. Okay, back the other way. It's back, back, back. It's over and over and over and over again. There's nothing interesting about it. Did you guys watch the skills competition, the three-point shot or the slam dunk by any chance? No, I didn't watch that. Okay, because the slam dunk, a lot of people were saying, is the best one in 15 or 20 years. Yeah, see, I didn't see that, so I, I can't comment. But uh, oh, there was some really good dunks. I would check it out. Yeah, see, I, that that can be interesting because that's where uh, yeah, you get to see some things that you normally don't get to see in the regular game. You get to see some skills yeah. you normally don't get to see. But but to see a whole regulation NBA game pass by where uh, there's zero defense being played, it really takes the fun out of watching. Oh, it, I couldn't make it past the first quarter. I shut it off. Yeah, I, I mean, there's actually a quarter where they scored 99 points together. That's that's insane. So I, I just I didn't like it. I said this is a. I'm sitting here watching, and not only am I seeing my bet losing, but I, I'm saying like, wow, this is just not fun to watch. There's nothing interesting here, uh, and and the whole point is this is supposed to be something very interesting. It's supposed to be you see all the big stars of the NBA, and and, and like China Maniac said, that the, the NBA is really all about stars. So you get to see all these stars on the floor competing against each other, where you never get to see that. Well, they're never going to eliminate it because of the money. It yeah, I know. In, and it's been around for however many years. So I think the only thing they can do to maybe make it more competitive is what they did in baseball. Well, no, they could just encourage. They can just say the league can go to the players Tomorrow, and the they, coaches, and they can they, say they can't control these guys. These guys are more important 
than the league is. I mean, it's really the truth. They run the league. The the other problem, by the way, with making it meaningful as far as who gets the home court advantage, number one, it screws the team with the best record. And the fans vote, too, which just messes it up. Yeah. yeah, Like with the baseball thing, not only does it screw the team with the best record, that they should always get home. There's a single guy that once – he single-handedly voted Nomar Garcia-Para into, like, do you remember that? Yeah. <laughs> guy at his home voted, like, he somehow rigged it, and he had, like, 14 million votes. Yeah. <laughs> Clearing his cash and re- yeah, something. I figured you out must, a way to you know, He must have written a script for it. But, yeah, I, yeah. I, I just think that, like, also, you hate it when other teams, uh, players, even contending well, teams, know, are screwing it up for you. Like, like do you want to uh, – but let's take a look at like the time when 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 Wayne Wright did groove the pitch to to Jeter. Like, do you want decisions by people who are not your teammates screwing you out of the home field advantage? It's not fair. If your team's going to lose the home field advantage, there should be things that people on your team do to you. Not. not I kind. I got to be honest. I kind of like it that they did it. No, I think it sucks. I I, I, it. I, I I have no problem with it. I have, I'd have no problem if they did it in basketball. I hate it. it, it it's not fair. But you, you went, you went, you went 120. Your idea is this. Your idea is we'll tell them to play harder. I mean, that's not going to happen. The, literally, and I'm not saying this in any sort of racist connotation at all, but the animals or the prisoners run the asylum. I mean, you can tell them to play harder. They're going to say, well, you know what? I don't want to hurt myself. You go fucking play harder. <laughs> you know. But I don't think – I don't even I mean, know if it's so much about hurting themselves. They just, they just don't – in like today's it. day and age, it isn't like how it was even, you know, even as far back or as close back as the Jordan era, where it was a legacy. You know, it was an honor. Literally, it was an honor to be in an All Star game. These days, after you've already been to a few, most players just kind of want to. They'd rather not go. Well, and then, have the time off. Well, have it go back four or five years. I'll even take that back. I'm not talking about go back to the Jordan era. I'm saying go back four or five years. No, but what I'm saying is. I stopped watching the All Star Game about ten years ago. Yeah, right? you did, but I'm just, I'm just saying that that I I can tell I you that never, I've never bet on an All Star Game in basketball. I'm not I'm not mocking you for it. I've never bet on a Pro Bowl. I've never been on an All Star Game in baseball just because. I, I just I think that I don't think it could be handy. But I'm not talking I'm not talking about different eras. I'm talking about like four or five years ago was a huge improvement over now. It it gets worse and worse every year. Well, I think this was a special. I, you know, I'll go and I'll find it on YouTube or somewhere, and, and I'll watch it because I, I, you know, I didn't see it, but I just I that I stopped watching it for that reason because I've seen enough alley oops and just you know behind the back passes and things of that nature that it just it's not interesting. Yeah, I've never I'd seen I've never seen the ball. defense like part like the Red Sea on almost every possession. It was amazing. It was like yeah. a, anyone comes near the basket, it's like, whoa, we better give him ten feet. <laughs> if I was going to watch anything, uh, if I was in front of a TV, I'd actually would have watched. Uh, Pebble Beach, the golf tournament on Sunday, <laughs> where Mickelson lost by a stroke to a guy that hadn't won in ten years. It just, it, to me, for all the reasons that you've stated, it's just not interesting, you know. And and I don't know. I trying to think. The last slam dunk contest I saw, jeez, uh, uh, I don't even think I saw it live, but I remember I saw when Dwight Howard won with the telephone booth and the Superman cape. I remember when Nate Robinson won, and I only watched that because he's like what five foot four, five foot five. Um, and then, of course, back in the day, I'd watch it when you know Larry Bird, Michael Jordan, Magic, all those guys, just because it, it just it's different. But were you talking about Spud Webb? Spud like, Webb, yeah, oh, not Nate Spud. Robinson. No, he's not Spud Webb. There's a guy from the New York Knicks, or he was with the Knicks at the time. His name was, I believe, Nate Robinson, and he was very, very short. Because his Spud Webb won the slam dunk contest yeah, one year. That, that, we were kids. We were yeah. like, Twelve or thirteen. His name's Nate Robinson, and it's been the, the slam. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He well, he's listed as he's listed as five nine. So 
he's not a short he's, he's a tall 5'9". Yeah, yeah, I know. I know he's probably he's not really 5'9". Five five nine. Nine. Uh, so I think, yeah. Yeah, he won it in 2010. So, But he was like a Spud Webb because he was so small. Like He weighs less than me. He's shorter than I am I mean, by far. Uh, the the yeah, the small the smallest basketball player I've seen is Muggsy Bogues, who's five yeah. three, and he's listed as five three. He could Charlotte he, Hornets. He, he could he could even be shorter than five three. He was listed as five three. It's amazing he was in the NBA. He's he's now fifty one years old, by the way. So wow, he's pretty old now, but. Uh, yeah, uh, well, actually, the I, I Stephen Curry uh, he he's listed as six foot three, and since they usually exaggerate the height, I believe I'm six, probably t- one and a half. I believe I, 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 I believe I'm probably taller than he is. That's funny to think that I'm probably taller than the best player in the NBA right now. Yeah, I, I don't think I don't think they'd want to trade me for for him though. So what's your answer then? Because uh, telling them to play harder isn't going to change anything. Uh, you know, the weekend in general, what do they have now besides the three-point contest and the dunk contest they have? Uh, they the have the skills, the skills competition. Which I know nothing of. I know the the one guy, uh, who won it? The guy from... Carl Anthony Towns, I think. Yeah, from uh, Minnesota. I, I don't even know what this is. What is it, like horse or something? No, they, so they, they start off, you, you like dribble through, you have to like weave through these little obstacles and you have to like shoot a pass through a, a basket and then dribble down to the court, do a layup, and then come back and make a three-pointer, some combination yeah. of things like that. Hmm. Well, I'll tell you, and it, maybe it's because I'm getting old because when I was young, when I was a teenager, the first thing I'd do every day when I'd wake up, this is like 12, 13, maybe even 11, is read the sports page. And I'd watch every game that I could uh, I subscribe to like Sports Illustrated, uh, Sp- Sports Digest, all these different sports magazines, the sporting news. And now to me, at my age, the only sport I enjoy that I think is even watchable, um, besides the postseason, are, is the NFL. Uh, baseball, I think the game, the season's too long. I think everyone can agree. And it's not going to change because of the money, the financial factor, but Jesus Christ, 162 games? I mean, that's a long fucking season. I mean, that's just its too many games, especially meaningless games. I mean, even if I had a team here in Vegas, would I really go out if I bought, you know, season tickets and am I going to go to 75, 70, even 70 games? It, it's a lot of games, but it is compacted in a short time. It's, it's, it's in six it's still months. It's it's, it's it's, you know, more than half the season. I know, but it's done, it's, done in, it's done in about six months, though, so it's not uh... – it's, yeah, it's not like they take a whole year to do it. It's still a long season. I mean, and, and you know, you go into a team like, like, okay, here's an example. At least in the NFL, you know, you can go in there and every team has a shot. Now, of course, you have teams like the Browns that you just kind of know aren't going to compete, but that's more just a failure of the organization than, than it is just, you know, anything else. It's just incompetency. But in baseball, like I could already tell you right now, you know, you look at a team like the Milwaukee Brewers or – uh, even the Pittsburgh Pirates, and I know they've been better. They're not going to win the World Series. Chances are they're going to be 20, 30 games out of first place by, you know, close to the All-Star break or a little bit after. Uh, b- basketball, you're all watching all this right now, and you're watching probably the greatest regular season team ever. They're, they're most likely going to surpass, if no one gets injured, Jordan's team yeah. that, that had the record. I mean, you know, and they've made it no secret that that actually is a goal for them. 
So to me, it's almost a foregone conclusion that, you know, they're going to battle it out in the West to see who plays Golden State. Golden State will probably win in, in maybe five, but more likely six games. And they're probably going to play a, a Cavaliers team that, if anything, is just a year older than they were last year. Yeah, they're not going to. It's, it's going to be good. In fact, I, I, I've, you know what's funny? Last I looked on Bovada, you can get Golden State for the championship at minus 110, and that just looks like a really good bet to me. I just can't see them losing, especially because the East doesn't really have nobody any any really strong teams. They have some moderately good teams, but... Uh, I mean, moderately good, there's one team. Like, Are you really saying that you're sold on Toronto? No, I'm not sold Toronto? on any of them. Cleveland's, is, Cleveland is inconsistent, too. Toronto is last year's Atlanta Hawks, who had... More wins in the regular season than they've ever had in their franchise, and they flamed out early in the playoffs. Uh, there's nobody in the East. Chicago, nope. The Heat, obviously, nope. Toronto, Atlanta, nope. So who do you have in the East besides Cleveland? I mean, who who do you, who do you even? No, I think it you, is going to be Cleveland. I'm just saying that, that Toronto is. Uh, they, now you tell me. The, the, Toronto has better? has a good record, but and they'll be the challenger for Cleveland. Probably Boston is inconsistent, but they're they're starting to look they're a little too better. Young. They're too young. They're, they're way too young. Yeah, I know it's going to be Cleveland, but the thing is, they're not. Uh, they're too inconsistent. How is Cleveland any better than they were last year? They're not. They're, they're, that's what I'm saying. They're they're, yeah. they're not going to compete with the Golden if State. I think Golden State is better than they were last. They year. are they're more experienced. They have another year under their belt. The one dude that uh, what's the one dude's name? Uh, Damon Green. Who's he's been a Draymond Green? Just, yeah, or Draymond Green has been throwing around triple doubles like fucking. Like they're going out of style. I mean, yeah. So it's so it's minus one ten. The only reason I haven't bet it yet, but I probably should anyway, is I I hate these futures bets. You just have to sit for a freaking eternity to collect. No, I, I agree. I don't like it. But I'm saying so. It's 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 a a Friday night or hell, we'll even make it a Wednesday night, okay? And you turn on your little TNT and Charles Barkley, Kenny Smith, all the guys are talking, and they're giving the intro into the. Uh, I don't know. We'll just say the first round between Memphis and uh, I don't know who's who's another mid team in the West. Oh, Memphis is in trouble now that they lost. Gasol. Yeah, Paul Gasol. Yeah, but I'm just saying Memphis and who else? And Marcus All actually. But yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Marcus All. Who else is who's in the who's like the eighth seed in the West right now? Probably Utah. Okay, Utah. So, like, you really have any interest in watching any of those games? Of course not. Okay, of course not. In football, it could be any wild card game, or right? Even two teams you most likely think are going to make it to the Super Bowl. You're going to still watch it, or at least yeah, I am. I, most I agree with you, Brandon. I think basketball, more than any other sport, the best team is more likely to win. In oh, the yeah, yeah. In, in basketball, there's, as I said, there's a few teams that you know are going to make it, and that's pretty much it. Yeah. I, mean, like, is, I think baseball is, is the most like momentum or streaky. We, thing. Yeah, baseball you have no clue beyond like especially with ten teams in the playoffs now. It's just whoever's hottest at the moment. Right. Well, that's and you know the other stupid thing. If I was the, the commissioner of baseball, and I don't get this, I think it's the stupidest thing in the world. This fucking one game playoffs. So yeah, it's a play, fail. You're gonna play 162 motherfucking games, and everything's gonna ride on one single game where anything can happen. You want to talk about a small sample size? You want to talk when about when that variance. happened? Is about when I quit watching uh, baseball. Well, he's a, he was, last year. Last year was an illustration of the problem because last year you had the Mets who only won ninety games, and you had uh, then you had the Cubs with with uh, ninety eight and the or the Pirates with ninety eight, the Cubs with ninety seven wins, and they're playing each other in a one game playoff 
for the that's wild card. Awful. And and yeah, so 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 the Mets get a full series with ninety games won, and these two have to battle it out in one game, and one of them has to go home when they have got a minimum seven game lead on the Mets in the standings, which is a awful. joke. So that awful. that's 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 a huge I like mistake. The North North California dude, I agree. I. I that was one of the. That was probably the last draw in baseball. I mean, I still follow it. I'll read about it, but I mean, I used to get excited when it was opening day, and whoever was on ESPN, I'd watch it just because it's the first game. I could care less now. Well, I think some I of it's also been the, the team you like the most has been kind of a fail for a while. I mean, but yeah, but not really because you have to remember, you know, even though I grew up in a big metropolitan, you know, city, up until I was. 15 of actually 16, 17. The only thing we had in town were the Dolphins and the Miami Hurricanes. Yeah, I know there was no until 93. We'd have a basketball team. We'd have a baseball team. We'd have a hockey team. And I still, you know, adopted other teams. Like I was a big Dodgers fan because I liked Lasorda. I liked Kirk Gibson. And in basketball, I was a big Celtics fan because I liked Larry Bird. And uh, so it's not only that. I mean, it, 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 you know, it's not like when – LeBron joined Miami. I was, you know, the biggest Heat fan. And, you know, I'm the same, same as I was. I'm not a bandwagon jumper. I don't dislike them now because, you know, they're a mediocre team. And it's the same thing. I mean, my only discontent with – or my only content that I have with the ownership of the Marlins is that he's so cheap. And he promised that if the city and the taxpayers bought, you know, built this spanking brand-new gorgeous stadium that he'd field a competitive team and spend money – and then he had a fire sale right away after. So he's just a fucking joke. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, how he is. No, I know he is. He's a guy that ran the expos and, and didn't spend money on them and, and let go of. Do you remember back in the 80s how many all-stars? Well, I remember the I remember they really blew in, in uh, 94 in the sh- strike shortened season. They had an excellent team, and then they just let all the players go. I mean, if you look, I mean, Christ, it's so long ago, it's hard to remember. All the stars that Montreal had, like, in the 80s and 90s. That, that well, yeah, especially the 94 season. They, they had Pedro yeah. Martinez, and they had Larry Pedro Walker. Martinez, and Larry Walker. Randy, Randy Johnson came through there. Larry Walker came through there. I mean, there, there's just, there's a mammoth list. Uh, but anyhow, to, to get back to your answer, I don't think there's a solution. I don't think next year, in terms of the NBA All-Star game, it's going to change. They can at least uh, so, encourage. Like they don't have to go into major defense if they just roll it back a few years and say and and say you know try to encourage them. And you can't force them. You're right, but but try to encourage them in some way to to play some defense and and say that uh, you know, kind of put the expectation out there and, and and put it in the coaches' heads too. We'd like to see some defense being played. And no, you're not going to be able to force these players who are afraid of getting hurt to to really throw out. Some, but 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 for them to at least not back off completely when the other team runs up to the score. There's no reason they can't play the same way they did four years ago or three years ago. They, they can at least do that. I'm not, I'm not looking for the 1995 All-Star game again. I'm just looking for maybe the, the 2012 All-Star game. That's not too much to ask. I mean, this is a, what, where are we going to have next year? A 200-point winner? We almost had it this year. It, it, how far does it go? Is it in two years are we going to have uh, 230 to 220, the score? Like, like it's it's insane. It's just it's it's unwatchable. So anyway, uh, anything with the chat room like to ask you? We're about done here, but anything in the chat room like to? How are we done? It's early. I don't know. You know, it, it, this is one of these times where the whole show has felt long when it hasn't been. Like I remember, I I looked at the clock and it was like eleven thirty, and it felt like it was two a.m. already. I felt like wow, we've been on a long time, and I look, it's eleven thirty. Yeah, I started late too. I started after eight. It's just. 
for some reason the time's moving slow today. It, it doesn't. We've only been on for only. I've only been on for about five and a half hours, but it feels like I've been on for eight. Well, we always do this every show, or at least we've been doing it for a while. So nothing's changed. Do we? Uh, we still view obviously Hillary on the Democratic side getting yes. the nomination, and then right now, if we have to rank them one, two, and three uh, in terms of our predictions to win the GOP nomination, I am going Trump. Rubio Cruz, what are you guys going? Yeah, it's um, I, I well Trump is number one for sure. Then Rubio Cruz, it's very close, whether two or three, very close. Northern California, dude. I'm gonna have to go with you, Brandon. Thank you. Well, we were very, I was very close to what yeah, Brandon we're said, all also. Pretty much <laughs> so. Ballpark, there's. Yeah, it's no you know I I, I I finally just. Accepting, in fact, I haven't been on it. That uh, the Trump doesn't look like he's going to fade. He looks like he's most likely going to get it, but not not, not to, like to Hillary standards, where she uh, it'd be shocking if she doesn't get it. But uh, but to where I, if I had to pick who's going to be, it's going to I would say Trump. I don't like it, but that's who it's looking like. And then there's Jeb Bush. <laughs> yeah, just won't give up. I don't know when he will. If he came out. The way he has recently, like at the South Carolina debates, if he showed that kind of fire from the beginning, it might be a different story today. But it's too little, too late. I don't know why he was I mean, so. It's and not he, even. It's not even natural fire. It's just. It's coaching. It's not. Well, I know, but they, how, how come he didn't do this at the beginning? Like, how, how did they? He. Did you see yesterday what he did? No. He tweeted. Oh, they got the gun. Yeah, that the was gun. weird. I mean, that was weird. Listen, he's a fucking former governor. I mean, he has secret, he has secret service around the rest of his life. He needs to go out and buy a gun, like he's. I mean, you know what I mean? Like, there's going to be someone that mugs no, him. Yeah, that was that I was mean, that was. On. No, it was really he's weird. So hard, and it's a ba- people then start tweeting lifesavers from like Star Wars, and <laughs> I don't I don't know if you saw some of the tweets. Yeah, see, I, you, you got to wonder. It was it was weird. Like he was just when he seemed to be just just when he seemed to be doing better as far as uh, res- the way he was responding to Trump and things like that. Uh, the, the gun thing was ridiculous because it's just what not did, him. What did he tweet it with? Like I'm American or no? Something just America, like that? America. Period. Yeah, I mean, give me a break. Like, okay, I get it. He's 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 pro guns. That's great. But like to go out and buy a gun in his, and you know what I mean? Like we, it's not. It was someone in his campaign staff who overthought this, and they got it wrong. It's embarrassing. They they thought, okay, let's let's try to make you look like. Uh, you're, you're a tough guy with a, you know, carries around a gun, and you've got your name engraved on it, and and that you see this as uh, symbolic of America, that you know everyone has a right to do it. He's trying to like look conservative and, and pro guns, and it just looks stupid because well, it's what? not him. I, I I'm not going to be surprised whatever happens because this has been the most unpredictable election cycle I've ever witnessed in my life. But there has to come a point where the Republican Party comes together and says look you know we have to get behind one of these guys either bush or rubio and because you know bush's votes for the most part if he drops out are going to rubio well that, that's what they, they've already tried and, and it would backfire they they tried when rubio had that good showing in iowa even though he came in third since well, he's, that, he had the momentum right. so they they tried to go to the candidates and like chris, chris christie. christie fucking 
mauled him. Well, that, I know they went to Chris Christie and said, "Okay, let's. Uh, we think Rubio's on the rise here. Let's coalesce around him and and uh, try to push him to be the nominee, and then she, then he can beat Hillary." And Chris Christie got so mad. He, Chris Christie already hated Rubio, and so he hated him even more after that suggestion, like just being said, "Sacrifice yourself, uh, get behind Christie." So he got not, I mean, get behind Rubio. So he got so mad. That's what encouraged him to go do what he did at the debate, and he planned it too. It wasn't spontaneous. He planned it. And this is the thing that really, 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 really tilts me is that Bush and Rubio used to be very close. In fact, Bush referred to himself countless times as Rubio's mentor. And they had a very close relationship. They were they were friendly. Uh, they spent time together, you know, just not even in terms of it being politically related, you know, vacations and just other things. They traveled the country together. Why did that relationship sour? Why, why all of a sudden now is Bush questioning his record and saying that he was an absentee senator and that he has no experience? Why is he trashing him now? What one thing changed? They're competing. That, they, that he was mad that Rubio entered the race at the same time Bush did. Now, if you tell me seriously, what the fuck kind of entitlement is that? That he feels as if – I mean, do you, know what, do you know what I'm saying? That's how, how bullshit and fake all this is that – if he hadn't jumped into this election, Bush would, would be begging for his endorsement and Bush would be saying – Well, of course, but they're, they're also just com- competing, so they've got to separate themselves and they've got to you – know, only one person can win. So they've got to uh, – and, and, right. the and, and they're competing for the same crowd. But what I, I mean – but what I'm saying is just the whole premise of how fake Bush is in the sense that he's trashing a guy that he otherwise would be complimentary towards if it wasn't the fact he's in the same race. Like it's just – it's not – I don't know. I mean, and, and again, that's why the allure of Trump is so popular because people can see through all that, and they've realized that at least, for better or worse, Trump is speaking his mind. He's he's not playing these political games, and and you know, and again, with Bush, this is the way I see. I would never vote for him. I never. It doesn't matter if if he was the nominee and I was a Republican and I'm going to vote. I just wouldn't vote, or I'd vote. I'd write in a candidate, or I'd. I'd I mean, he has this sense of this sense of entitlement that, to me, is so annoying, and it just. Uh, yeah, I don't agree. I don't see that sense of entitlement. I, I see more that this uh, that the, it, it's just become competitive, and that only one can win, and they're going for the same crowd. So they, uh, he may be a little annoyed, thinking I helped this guy Rubio come along, I mean, and now he's competing with me. Does, but you know, they talk about Rubio as just a puppet master, and and just you know, his advisors tell him what to say, and and he just memorizes his speech. Okay. Bush starts his election, distances himself from the Bush family. I'm my own man. I'm my own man. Okay, and then, you know, people don't really like that. And, and, and the polls show that George W. Bush, is, his numbers are high now. He's back, like, what is his popularity rating, like in the 70s or something? When he left office, it was like in the 30s. So now I'm proud to be a Bush. I love my mom. She's the best woman in the world. And my dad and my brother and our, my brother made the world safe. I mean, you want to talk about someone who flip-flops. It's, it's just someone like me that's educated, and I read about this, and I see him just changing his stances. And his, do you realize that? I mean, he went from, I'm my own man. I'm not part of this Bush legacy. I'm my own person to now embracing it. 
because I don't see that as much flip flip flopping is more on issues. These these are things about kind of defining himself and and, and what he's associated that's a, with. That's the whole point. No, but 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 that's that's, that's part. That, but that's part of that's an identity. No, but that's that's part of the whole campaigning. And he listens to advisors, and then they'll give him bad advice, and then it'll have a bad result, and they'll go crap. I can't continue on this course. I'm going to lose. So then they have to, which is a little different than than changing your opinion on things, where you say I feel this way about such and such issue, and then. You just change it and pretend you never had that opinion in the first place, and people go, "Oh crap! This person, uh, we don't know what he stands for." Here, it's someone who uh, it's it's more about who's he's associating himself with, and uh, and at first he thought maybe distancing himself. He's afraid at first that people are not going to want to elect a third Bush in such a short time, so he I disassociates mean, three himself. Websites that have Jeb Bush in it, Jeb Bush for president, Jeb Bush two thousand and sixteen. They redirected Donald Trump. That's pretty funny, huh? That that was actually amazing that somehow that got by them and and they were this, the website was able to be grabbed by somebody else and then Trump was able to buy it from them. <laughs> it's unbelievable. I can that was a huge oversight. I don't know how they let that happen. That was some severe incompetence there by by people on his staff. So uh, anyway, I I was Nikki Haley. I know that name. She's, she's anyhow. I guess oh, Nikki Haley is. Uh, I heard her name for vice president. She's somebody in South Carolina. Yeah. Uh, who is she? she she's in. She is, she's, in, she's, in, she's the governor she's of South governor? Carolina. Okay. Anyhow, she endorsed. She endorsed uh, Marco Marco Rubio today. Do you hear me? Yeah, I mean, that'll help him a little bit. But uh, I, I think endorsements are overrated. I don't think really? people. I don't think people care that much. So you don't think that I mean this will give you a small. It's better. It's better to South Carolina. The fact that he this will help some, but it's it's not. It's not. It's not going to make a huge difference. It'll be maybe help some. Hold on. Lost audio. I'm sorry. You there? Yeah, it'll help some, but not. It's not going to be a huge difference. Yeah. Uh, A lot of this actually is about momentum. It's not. It's not so much about so much because there's because it's different now with with so much on social media and the, the the. and these news stations that cover it twenty four seven, and there's so much focus, especially on this election cycle, because it's so weird. Uh, a lot of it is about momentum and and what the public perceives. If the public perceives that you've been winning, then people want to join in. They want to jump on the bandwagon of the winner. If they perceive that you're slipping, then they want to abandon you. This is how Trump has been doing. Trump, a lot of his campaign has just been, "I'm a winner. Everyone likes me. I've got a big following." You you better jump on the bandwagon too because everyone's going this way. This is the I'm, I'm beating everyone for a reason. It's, it's because I'm I'm the best, and that's basically been one of his big arguments. Is uh, and that's why he he was hurt a little bit in Iowa when he finished second and almost third after his whole routine was everyone's voting for me. I'm way ahead. I'm I'm the big winner. Uh, join the big winner. That that was what the message he was trying to get across. And then he wasn't the the very first contest. He he was he was the loser. So, yeah, fortunately for him, the next place was New Hampshire, where he was way ahead in the polls in the first place. So that allowed him to uh, actually win something. And then the next few are also places where he, uh, you know, South you know, Carolina, here's, Michigan. Here's a good trivia question. Uh, I knew this except for one part of it. Besides the 50 states that we know of, okay, what other territories of the United States issue – Republican delegates. There's, hold on, one, two, three, four, five territories. How well, many can you guys name? 
Uh, of the terror, how many five? How many territories? How many of the five can you name? Yeah, there's five oh. other territories besides well, fifty states this, this, that this, issue delegates. Well, Port- I, I named District four. of Columbia. Yeah, one? it's East DC, Puerto Rico, American Samoa. I'm sorry, you know, no counting counting DC. I'm sorry, there's five. So DC, now name five. What are they? DC, Puerto Rico. That's one. American Samoa. Oh, that's two. Uh, Virgin Islands. That's three. Two more. Hmm. I'll give you the obvious, the one that the obvious. The Guam. One. Guam. Yep, that's four. And the other one I didn't even know. I never would have even guessed. No, what, what is it? The Northern Mariana Islands. No, I wouldn't have thought of that. What either. the fuck? Where is that? I don't know. I haven't heard of that. I don't know what they the are. Northern Mary. I'm I'm googling as we speak. The Northern Mariana Islands. I mean, where could that even be? It's uh, it's a it's a, it's one of five inhabited American insular areas. Uh, where is it? Oh, I'm looking at it right now on a map. Let's see. It's 183 square miles. 53,000 people live there. Where is it? I don't... Oh, hold on. It's... Oh, yeah, it's... It's somewhere in the Philippine Sea. That's crazy shit. It really? is. It's, yeah, it's like above sea. Australia. Yeah. I had not heard of them. The Northern Mariana Islands. Neither have I. Did you just Google it, uh, Northern California? Uh, Yep. Yeah, it's part of the U.S. Weird. I did, I did not know that. Yeah, I'd, I'd always just thought it was, uh, as far as the ones outside of the mainland, that there aren't states. I thought it was uh, Puerto Rico, Virgin Islands, and Guam. I mean, the most popular, what's the most popular sport in the Mariana Islands? <laughs> Rowing? I'm making this up. Uh, cricket? No, baseball. <laughs> oh. <laughs> well, you know what? what? What's the population there? Uh, 53,000. Wow. Their proudest moment in sports, what do you think their proudest moment in sports has ever been? They had a team make the Little League World Series. <laughs> I'm not making this up. Wow. And their most, for culture or for cuisine, uh, their most notable island, or island, their most notable item is called pancit, I guess. P-A-N-C-I-T, which is a noodle dish from the Philippines. Uh, and I'm looking at them. Look at the if you look at them on Wikipedia at least, they're called I, I don't know why. It's just the Chim- Chamorro people, and they literally look like Hawaiians, right? I mean, they have like a face paint. I don't know. This is weird. It's also really, really out there. It's, it's far from everything. It's really far from. If you look at it on the on the map, it's it's not close to anything. Who do we steal these people from? How do we get this? <laughs> I hadn't heard of it before. Neither have I. How can we that? I mean, I'm, I, you know, they're not out there, but how can we be that uneducated that we don't even know a part of our country? That's crazy talk. Like, we sit here and we talk like we know what we're saying. Because it's like, it's like 8,000 miles away or something. That's but why. I mean, Guam isn't really fucking a hop, skip, and a jump either. And, you know, you nailed that one. I mean, what? I, I don't know. I'll have to research this for the next show. Maybe. How much do you think it costs a minute to call the Northern Mariana Islands on Skype? Uh, it's probably not that expensive because it's part of the U.S. Yeah. It, it could even be free. Let's see what the area code is. Yes, yeah, it's six seven zero. I don't know if that, I don't know if that's expensive. I just looked it up. I didn't know that one, but 
it, it may actually be free. They know Puerto Rico is free to call. Hold on. on Skype, I just. Uh, I mean, there's a fucking five-star Hyatt Regency in the Northern Mariana Islands. I mean, really? It's 195 a night. <laughs> I mean, that's look at it. I've never even heard of the, like Saipan is the capital. The good thing is, if you go there, you can use U.S. The dollars. There's there's no exchange rate. Just everything's in U.S. dollars. I'm actually going to be in Puerto Rico later this year. A seven-star thing? Sort of. Yeah. All right. I've been to Puerto Rico. I don't think it's anything special. No, it's not. I mean, I was there for was there one day for one day on a cruise, and then I was there on another thing for like three days. Uh, I mean, I, I I'm not I'm saying this not being racist. I, it wasn't for me. I'd never go back. No, I've it's, it's, it. not, it's, it's not. It's not. It's not that interesting. No. Well, you know what? If anything else, we learned tonight that uh, there's another territory that we've never <laughs> we have the Northern Mariana Islands. I mean, that's that's. So anyhow, when informed of uh, this Nikki girl endorsing Rubio, this is what Bush said. I mean, and I, don't, I think you can think of a better quote than this. I'd rather her endorse me. Trying to be Captain Obvious here. She's a good person. It doesn't change anything. I'm going to work hard. We're still within striking distance now of second place. I mean, he says that like it. it, it I don't know. It just. I, I, I'm not going to go as far. Well, as Well, at least he's not being uh, delusional, saying we're going to win. I mean, he's delusional to still be in this race. It's got to be just personal or ego. I, I, I mean, well, I'll tell you why he's staying in. It, it's he's hoping that uh, Cruz and Rubio melt down in some way, which is unlikely. But if they both melt down. Then he would be the beneficiary of it. And then he's hoping that when it actually comes to election time that people are going to say, oh, my God, I can't vote for Trump. Is this real? We need somebody that has leadership abilities and has been a politician. And you know what? I'm going to vote for Jeb. I mean, it, do you think – okay, you know what? Here's a question Then we'll get off this and we can end the show. You're Jeb Bush and you're waking up in the morning. And, you know, of course you have all these yes people and people telling you, you know, this and spinning things so it looks so positive. Do you think he really wakes up in the morning and thinks he realistically has a chance to be the next commander in chief? Or do you think he knows? No, I, I, no, I think he knows. I think he knows this is an outside shot. He's probably a little bit delusional in that, that he thinks he has more of a chance than we think he has a chance. But I, I think the way he's looking at it is that he believes that. Uh, that Cruz and Rubio are, uh, are are newcomers and and are could easily melt down, and that uh, and then it's just between him and Trump, and and that once the mainstream non-Trump lovers all you know fall to one candidate who's not Trump, he'll get the benefit the benefit of that and win. He's he's basically hoping to win the same way Rubio is hoping to hoping to win, and that is that uh, just wait for the other establishment candidates to fall out and then. Their supporters will go to him. That, that's what all these establishment candidates are looking for. Even though Rubio positions himself as an outsider, uh, he's really not. Even Cruz positioning himself as an outsider really. They're, they're really, there's only one real outsider in in the Republican race here, and that's uh, uh, at least of the viable candidates, and that's Trump. But uh, so the rest of them are, are kind of competing for the same crowd. The Trump people are, are going to. The thing with Trump is, I don't think he's going to gain that many people from now, but he may not lose many people. And that's what's that's what uh, is going to be interesting to see once the other candidates drop, if they do. If if Jeb loses this, which we 
all seem to no, he will. That he will. Yes. Is this the end of his political career? Or does he have a shot in four years challenging Hillary? Uh, I think this he's is done. It. Yeah. I mean, he's only young enough to, to go one more. You know, to I mean, what is he? I think he's either sixty-one or sixty-two. He'll be sixty-six, which isn't unheard of at all by any means. I mean, Hillary's older than that. But you think this is it if he doesn't win it? I think it probably is. Yeah. And who's who's the rising star in the Republic? I mean, people were saying before this that even if he loses, Rubio will still be the face of the Republican Party for many, many years. Yeah, provided he doesn't screw up something major, then yeah, he'll he'll be he'll get another shot. Uh, and uh, and Cruz will probably take another shot if he loses. Yeah. But uh, I, I don't know who else. There's all these supposed rising stars that don't go anywhere. Like like Bobby Jindal was one for a while that. Uh, Went nowhere just because what, so, kill, what killed him was just because he made a, a response to the uh, to a State of the Union address that didn't sound good. Just like you know, what else is interesting? I wanted to get you know, I don't mean to get on here and just talk about politics, but this is actually interesting, and this happened since we last did radio with uh, the Supreme Court justice dying last week. Uh, yeah, Ant- Ant- Anton Scalia. 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 And now, obviously, you've heard what's gone on with the Republicans saying that they'll, they won't allow any nomination of Obama to be confirmed and that they're saying he shouldn't even nominate anybody and, and even though he has a right to. What, what do you both think about this? I think it's fucking bullshit. I'm not even going to say whether, whether I'm a Republican or Democrat or not. It doesn't matter. I mean, to come up with these bullshit Excuses stating that because he's a all of a sudden because he's a lame duck president he doesn't have the right he has the right okay whether I, I and I don't I'm not an Obama supporter but I'm saying he has the constitutional right you know or, or you know the executive authority to nominate somebody he, he, he does have and, the right I, I agree the, the the reasons that are being given are BS but the truth is that the politics have become so divided. In recent times, it's not even like twenty or thirty years ago. It's 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 more divided now than ever, and the Democrats would be doing the same thing if they were in the same situation. It's it's so competitive now, and it's so divided that uh, each party wants the other to lose, and each party wants to uh, have the upper hand so badly that they'll do anything to get there. So the Republicans they, they see the truth. The truth is that uh, they lost a conservative justice. And that now it's uh, now it's four to four as far as uh, the Republicans and Democrats on the, side, on the Supreme Court. Right. And so they realize if Obama appoints someone, obviously it's not going to be a conservative justice; it'll be a liberal one, and that's going to tilt it to five to four. And uh, and then this is actually something that can be very meaningful to the country if, if once the once the majority goes the other way. That's huge. So they just don't want to allow it now. You could say that's terrible. You know, the Republicans are being sore losers. They're 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 trying to interfere with the with, with for, the Constitution. But for Rubio to go on on these on these you know t- talk shows, these early morning talk shows, and say that he shouldn't have the right because he's a lame duck president, he still has eleven months to go. Well, I know they're, they're tr- so I mean, they're trying to find any excuse. They're trying to find any excuse to give. I, I actually said this when I, I was discussing it on the forum. I said I wish they would just come out and, and be honest about it and say and say. We're gonna. Yes, we're attempting to stop it because we we believe that uh, 
Uh, it's going to affect the Supreme Court, and there's going to be a lot of decisions that uh, we don't feel are right for the country. Uh, we'd like to maintain the majority, and, and the truth is that the Democrats would do the same thing uh, to, to preserve their position. That's just the way politics currently is. We can have a discussion at another time, but maybe change the whole system to prevent things like this. But uh, but as long as this is the system, if we don't if we don't do this, then we're never going to have a majority because then the Democrats will do it whenever we have the chance to. Uh, near the end of a term to get, to get someone in. And uh, so, so we're kind of forced by the current system to do it. And, and, but if you want to discuss changing the current system, uh, we're opening to discussing that. We agree the current system isn't ideal. That, they, they should just be honest and level with it. Like, uh, this is the way the system is. It kind of sucks. Uh, but this is what we've got to do. Otherwise, right. otherwise we're at a huge disadvantage. And that's, and that's yep. the truth. And I, but I, I don't like there's Democrats saying, oh, my God, this is so awful. We would never do such a thing. Of course they would. Of course the Democrats would do the same thing. If, if it was a reverse, if, they, if there's a Republican president in his last year and, and, a, uh, and, and the Democrats had the uh, majority in the Supreme Court and one of them died, uh, of course they would be trying to bend over backwards to block it. I mean, it would never, ever happen. I mean, but, it, you know, but we talk hypothetical a lot. Could technically could Obama nominate himself? I mean, being, you know, he is in a, he is a lawyer. And he specialized in the U.S. Constitution. I, I don't know if you're allowed to do that. Yeah, I don't know if you're allowed to do that. But but there's been talk of you know, what if he gets, uh, you know, could he be nominated in the future, like to replace, uh, like if Hillary wins, and then uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg is she's not going to be there much longer. She's uh, not in good health herself, and she's like 82. Wow. So if if she leaves, she's that old. Are you sure? Yeah. Jeez. If she leaves, then uh, what's wrong with her health? She's just had a number. I forget about this. She's had a number of problems. She's someone who uh, very soon is going to be retiring, and uh, so she was like the one guy's best friend. I read. Yeah, she was Scalia's good friend. Yeah, yeah. Imagine that party, huh? (laughs) What are they doing? Getting drunk on New Year's Eve, talking Constitution to the crack of dawn. I mean, what's going on? Yeah, in fact, she's almost eighty-three. She's born in nineteen thirty-three in March. So she was nominated by Clinton. So she will be, uh, yeah, she'll be 83 very soon. So she, she's not uh, the best health either, not just old, but also not the best health. So uh, it, it is possible that, like, if Hillary gets it, that she could nominate Obama and that he could, uh, he could have been the, he could be the first one to be a senator, a Supreme Court justice, and a president. Oh, she's had, Jesus, look at this. She had colon cancer. Her husband died of testicular cancer. In 1999, she had colon cancer. Didn't miss a day on the bench, mind you. 2009, she had pancreatic cancer and survived that. Wow, that's, 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 the, yeah. that's unusual. And then she, she, after having surgery for pancreatic cancer, she returned to the bench and heard oral arguments four days later. She, she must have uh, caught it early. That, that's what killed Steve Jobs. He's and uh, not even a year and a half ago, she had a stent placed in her right artery, uh, right coronary artery, after experiencing discomfort while exercising in the Supreme Court gym. Yeah, so you wow. see that it's yeah. not that much longer for her. I guess if you had to have had a donk down uh, death pool for the Supreme Court, she would have had to be number one. She would have huh? been number one, yeah. Uh, Scalia, was, he was overweight in, in 79, so that uh, yeah. that... that that one was a decent chance too. But she's much. She's had so many health problems. So, yeah, it, it could happen. But uh, there's also what the Republicans are doing could end up being a moot point if if Hillary takes a big lead during the election. They may just give up and just let the, let Obama appoint someone she, because it won't is matter. She the only Jew on the Supreme Court. No, uh, no, uh, Kagan is Jew too. 
She's also a lesbian, but she won't admit it. Kagan's a lesbian, not Ginsburg. What was the chick's name? I remember just real fast. The chick's name that uh, claimed that Clarence Thomas sexually harassed her? Oh, is that Anita Hill? Very good. Very yeah. Good. That whole thing seemed like BS, by the way. I didn't believe that. There's God, kinda... the old George Bush nominated him. He's been on the bench forever. Yeah, but that that whole sexual harassment thing was very yeah. many, many, very manufactured. I remember I had to watch it on TV. It's awful. Now, awful. Remember the whole remember the whole thing about that he put a pubic hair on a Coca Cola can. Yeah. T Buck, are you still with us? You know, you know what's funny is that, that that could have actually happened, but it could have been totally an accident. Like, let's say he was itching down there and scratched it, and then they're like, uh, like he reached, like he reached for a Coca Cola can, and just, like, it just somehow it fell on there or whatever. whatever. Like, a, it could have been anything. It could have not even been a pubic hair. It could have been a hair from his head. Like, it, it was such a ridiculous accusation. Do you uh, do you know a player on WSOP.com named Seven Stars? No. And he has a Star of David as his. No. Okay. He's sitting at thirty six. People would think that's me. Butters is up over four thousand in, in this game. Yeah, according to according to uh, Ryland, Butters has won like seventy five k in this game, like in two thousand sixteen alone, which is insane. Thirty sixty. Yes. God, so this game really is going often. That's what he's insisting. Well, he said, start? I mean, is is there one higher than thirty sixty that can go? Isn't there like a fifty hundred? So. But he, he, Ryland just said, that, "How did like did someone just say, hey, let's start playing 360? I don't know how it happened. Ryland alerted me to it. And I'm like, well, I can't play there, but uh, it, it's going apparently. So five hand, it's been five handed since for about five hours now. Um, there's there's a 4080, and then there's a 50 100, and then there's LOL a 200 400 no limit, which I've never even seen anyone sitting at. You know, you know what? By the way, speaking of, is that Vic B guy still there? Uh, yep, he's sitting. He's, you know what's so weird about he has a weird play style, and the first time I saw him, I thought he was a fish or like a like a not terrible fish, but like a semi fish. But after I played with him a long time, I determined he just has a weird play style, but he's probably winning. Like it, it's just a really weird play style that that when you play with him initially, you get the impression that he sucks, and he actually isn't bad. He just has a weird play style. It's not even like like a, kind of a weird passive play style. It's not even like an over aggressive play. Though I've seen him occasionally go nuts, but it's just the best way I can describe it is a weird play style. But I I think he either wins or breaks even. He's he's not a he's actually not a bad player. He raises under the gun. He gets three bet by Guppy. Flop is Jack seven three. He checks. Who Vic B? Yep. Then he raises on a Jack seven three flop queen on the turn, and then now there's a flush, and he had nothing. He had king high. And he, he raised on the gun with king six offsuit. Yeah, see, that's what I mean. Like he's a, he's he repopped a... the flop and then let out in the turn river, and he got called down with a pair of something. But but I've seen him, like, really passive before, too. So this is, like, the weird... That was like, pretty spewy what he just I did. know, that's weird. Like, as I say, he's, like, a weird play style. Like, he does things like that, but he's, he's hard to read because he'll also be really passive. So, right. like, a, like, I never knew what he had. That was the problem. Like I had, it, it was kind of hard to tell what to do. Because like, there'd be times he, like he would play things super passive. I'm like scratching my head, like how could he've never raised me here? And then other times I'll see stuff, things like that. So that's what I remember. I haven't played him in many months, but that's what I remember seeing out of him. But he's like always there, and he was, like I, I don't believe he's like spewing money off there. So I, I and then Butters, he just uh, I don't know. Like I never loses, <laughs> even at the main event. Though, though he had a disappointing thing because he was the leader with 27 left and didn't make the final table. That's kind of crappy. Like, th- think if you go to sleep 
the night, you know, of, the, of that second to last day before the November 9, you go to sleep with a chip leader with 27 people left. You, you dream about winning the whole thing. You don't think about missing the final table completely. Right. But that's what he did. Like, uh, so... But, you know, I, I, he was right next to me at, at uh, one of the events that, uh, I think, The Millionaire Maker. And uh, and I got, he didn't know, know who I was, or at least if he did, he didn't say anything. So he was tweeting, and I was just following his tweets when he's tweeting about the table. And I was waiting for him to tweet something about me, this butters. But he he said nothing about me while we played. We, I actually bluffed him in one hand because I was in, uh, I was getting, I was so card dead at that table. I looked like I was super tight. So... When I got in like a small blind, big blind thing, I just flatted the the from the big like I flatted the flop with complete air, no pair, no draw, and then just raised them on the turn and he folded. Hmm. And that was uh, I don't even do that stuff that much at the World Series, but uh, that was like the perfect opportunity because I knew he was like observing everyone closely at the table. I knew that I looked like the super tight middle aged guy, so I thought this is perfect. I just got to wait for uh... kind of like with that hand with Antonio. <laughs> So, oh, well, I'm gonna watch this game more and see if it's. I don't even know. Yeah, maybe. I mean, Ryland said it was good, but I don't know how I mean, well. I probably would be a dog in this game. Yeah, I, I, but yeah. I, I mean, there's some of the names though, they're like a regulars there, and I'll tell you, I I don't like games where there's a lot of good regulars, even if there are a few fish, because that that makes it so much harder. The games where I re- I don't know about you, Brandon, but mm-hmm. when when I play the games where I just dominate are the ones where there's no good players there. I'd rather have like me and five mediocre players than me. Two good players and, and or three good players and two fish. Right. Well, you know what? Let me ask you this because you play these games way more than I do. I, I, on Bovada, the only games that I've been playing, uh, you know, serious hours, I've been playing a lot. And this is the primary game I play on Bovada. And I, it's, I mean, I, I'm not saying this to sound silly or, you know, whatever. I've put in a lot of time now. It's been over a year. And the 3060 Omaha Eater better on Bovada is the softest mid-level Omaha game I've ever played online. It's even better than the games used to be on Stars. I mean, games on Stars, like Johnny Bax would play that game. Gank would play that game. I mean, there were some really good players. This game is, is – and I know you don't play Omaha Eater better except for when you accidentally sit in the Omaha Eater better. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I won last you, time when I did that. Yeah, right, you scooped the puck. <laughs> but I, the, the games are, are amazing. I mean, I've had I've had multiple three thousand, four thousand dollar wins. Um, and again, this is you know over three, four, five hours of playing. But that's a lot in a split pot game. I mean, that is a lot. That's a lot. Yeah. Uh, you know, because most of the time, you know, especially if there's a low. Uh, you know, you're going to be splitting the pot. Yeah. You know, yeah. You're not, it's, you know, it, it is very rare to scoop, meaning, you know, win the high and the low. So I, I, that game, and I think others have even said, what is that noise? Somebody I, think, I think it's Northern, Northern California. California. It's got to be him. It's not me. What noise? I don't hear anything. Yeah. Um, anyhow, that game is, is very juicy, and I, others have told me that as well, and I, I, I saw why pretty fast. But in the other game I play on there, I'll play some mid PLO, like two four, sometimes five ten. But I did play a little bit over the last couple of weeks uh, in terms of limit hold'em, the eight sixteen eight sixteen game. And I did quite well in that, but sure, obviously there's a big drop off between thirty sixty and eight sixteen. Um, and I would probably say that I'm a dog, obviously, in the thirty sixty because I haven't played 
shorthanded or six max limit hold'em in a number of years. But uh, what would you say? Have you played anything lower, like the ten twenty? I played a little bit of that. No, I've only played. I, I've only played the twenty forty. I haven't and the thirty sixty. Not not, okay. not anything lower. But but uh, you know you, now you're going to find that there aren't many top limit hold'em players that are playing the eight sixteen or the ten twenty because the thirty sixty goes. They just don't want to waste their time with it. So. And that that includes me. Like, I, Wait, like, what do you mean they don't want to wait? Well, oh, because you're saying that, like, you're like, saying the better. Okay, I get. I, I the, the reason I don't play it, I'm not being arrogant about the limits. I just, it, it's, it's, it feels like I'm wasting my time playing 1020 or 816 when I when there's a 3060 running and everything moves three times as fast. So right, like, but if there isn't a 3060 game going. I'm sure a lot of the guys that play 36 are probably playing two or three games of 1020. No, I don't think they are because oh, really? okay. what's so frustrating, what's so annoying is that. You play ten twenty, you run really well, and then later in the day you play thirty sixty, and, and if you run bad in a few hands, it's gone, and it's so irritating. Like like you feel like you've wasted your time because, and that's that's why I, I in general I like to stick to the same limits for, for like not same limits for eternity, but I like to generally stick to the same limits whatever I'm used to at the moment because of that reason because I I don't want to have it to where I run really well at the lower limit and then run poorly at the higher limit and then. Uh, I've just shot off what I spent so long earning. So I know it can happen the other way, but but I just even the fear of that happening sucks. And I know it's you can just put it out of your head and say, "Oh, money is money." I, I'm just going to ignore uh, what I did before and play now. But it, it's very hard to do. So I, I like to just whatever limit I'm playing at the moment. Moment being like you know last few months, what have I been playing mostly? Then I like to stick to that. Except for live and online, that those are two different things because. Online moves so much faster, so I don't mind playing higher live than I do online because uh, they're different. But so, I, and most of the the online pros think like me on Bovada. Most of the other pro limit hold'em players are going to be at thirty sixty and twenty forty, and not bother with ten twenty or below. So there may be some exceptions, but that's so. The reason that this is notable is that. Yes, you'll probably have some players at eight sixteen and ten twenty that are, are good and just don't have the bankroll to be at thirty sixty or twenty forty. But for the most part, the best players you're going to be facing on the site will not be in those games, and that's why it can be a bit of a shock that uh, you know. You, then you go up to the higher game and you'll be facing a combination of some very good players and some fish. So there are there's plenty of fish at the thirty sixty, and 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 plenty of players who are kind of uh, you know. Mediocre, but then of course there there are a number who are very good too. So you've you've got to that that's what I found big on Bovada is that uh, if you can get in one of these games, at least for my play style, if I get in one of these games where the good players are absent for whatever reason, they, they couldn't get in because it's full or or it's a time of day they're not around, or I just lucked into you know being the only good player to sit down. If it's lacking good players, I can completely run over the game, and as long as I run like average or better in the game, I completely destroy it. But you put me in a game with with me, four other good players, and one fish. A lot of different things can happen, including not some some do, not do good. Do you recall things. from back in the day when WSOP.com first started, roughly how many hours you'd have to put in if you're playing like I don't know, say say you're playing one thirty sixty game and like one other no limit hold'em game. How many hours you'd have to average a day to get, and how long to get seven stars? Uh, I think it, I think it's just about impossible unless you play like massive tables at the same time. Uh, limit hold'em helps because it moves faster than no limit as far as accumulating points. But right. yeah, I think I think Crazy Mike, who was there like all day and all night, complained about that that he he didn't think he could get there even with his 
play. Uh, so I, I do miss on WSOP.com, they used to have these, like, promotions to where whoever rakes the most gets a bonus and pretty good bonuses. And it was really skewed towards the limit players because provided the limit games went, which back then they did, uh, you you pay a lot more rake on an absolute basis because hands move a lot faster. So there's not people tanking for minutes at a time and crap like that. Just limit games moves much faster than no limit games. So the limit players were all the ones finishing in the top. Even one month I finished in the top 20. Do you remember the time you and I almost put a limit hand together in WSOP.com? Yes. <laughs> you didn't even tell me who you were, yet I knew. Just all you had to write is LOL, and I knew it was you. Yeah, well, but I wasn't going to play you, though. I, like, I knew it was you, so I wasn't going to play you. I mean, I would hope you wouldn't. I mean, no, no, was, I wouldn't. No. Yeah, that was pretty That's why I sat out and said LOL. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I... <laughs> it was, All you had to do was write LOL, and I knew it was you because you were in Vegas. That's funny. Yeah, well, uh, so... Um, Anyway, uh, North, Mr. Northern California, I'm uh, glad you st- stuck around he the whole time. He's better than that Trader Ruski does. Yeah, he didn't that. fall asleep. It's true. Oh, no. This this show, I think, has the opposite effect for me. It definitely doesn't put me to sleep. I usually listen to it when I'm at work, if I'm doing some mundane task or something. So, so honestly, uh, Northern California, you don't – I mean, if you do, you don't have to say it. You don't have an, any sort of dupe or name or anything on uh... – like I'm not talking to T Gull or Bottom Set. Like you don't have an account on the forum. Oh no, no. I've uh, it's so weird because I've been around like forever. Like I was saying, and I just I don't know. I just never got into the forum thing. I've just been a, a radio guy. No, there's been a lot of people like that. A lot of the radio listeners are not forum people, and that's fine. You, you know what's weird? Some nights we we keep good ratings headed late at night. Like I think uh, two weeks ago. At like 3 a.m., we had surprisingly good ratings. We, we've really uh, – the ratings during the peak hours were good, but, but boy, are they struggling right now. We've uh, – we've. Do you ever even release that information? What uh... – No, no, I don't release the information, but, uh, but I'll say you that – right, tell me off the air? Right, right, yeah, I can tell you off the air, but right now we have the lowest ratings that this show has, has had, you know, this regular show, not, not any kind of uh, spontaneous show or anything like that, but uh, our regularly scheduled show – Right now, we have the lowest ratings. Right at this moment, not not for tonight's show. Tonight's show. Well, it's two thirty. Well, morning. I know, but right now, I think we have the lowest ratings we've had in a long time. Well, there's one explanation for all that that is pretty clear to me: is that TMMLK hasn't called to bring the hits and save well, the show. No, he actually did. I just didn't answer his call. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I know he's going to be mad, but he kept hammering at the at the beginning when I wasn't ready to take his call, and then. He was trying to call during that interview, and then after that, when I was willing to take his call, he just stopped calling. So, I don't know. Maybe, maybe he fell asleep. Yeah, maybe he had right. a t- he had a tough day of the Chinese laundry. I don't know. How how long have you been a part of the forums for uh, Northern California? <laughs> <laughs> well, I haven't been on the forums, but I've no, but been... I mean, like reading. Just that's what I mean. Just you know, you know, I, I joined I joined the site back when uh, Eversol and uh, and those guys were doing the radio. You've been around that long, just well, reading. I, well, I don't really read the forums, to be honest. He just listens to the radio. Just listen to the radio. Yeah, I don't. I don't really read the forums. That's why I don't know too much about what's going on in them because you have to like be paying attention to it. A lot of the times, I I put on the radio show the MP3 of the archives, like when I'm working on something else. What do you do for a living? Uh, I have rental properties, so oh, you know, so like not much. Yeah, pretty much. What, 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 do you never miss an episode? I mean, for the most part, do you listen to every episode? 
Oh, I've listened to every episode ever. Yeah, I don't. Let me let me just ask you, what would be your favorite part or the thing you enjoy the most of the show? Of the current show or of any point? No, this show right now. This 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 form of it. Um. Like what is it that's different from any other podcast? What is it you're like? Oh, well, I want to listen. Honest, this. honestly, it's yeah, the character. Honestly, it's the characters that call in. Like when we get Ken Scaler, you know, TMMOK's hit or miss, but like bad guy. It's just the different characters is honestly what what my favorite part of it. And, and if there's one thing that you could change, what do you dislike the most about the fraud show? One thing to change. Well, actually, before my biggest gripe was uh, the long intros. Although I never, <laughs> I never actually complained about it. Everyone like, hates that. No, but it's gotten a lot, it's gotten a lot better. So <laughs> I, I've made a conscious effort. See, I listen to the people here. I could, I could just take the approach of "f you." This is my show. Nobody's paying me. It's going to be an hour long intro. But I, I didn't do that. I said, uh, I said, it's, I, I realize everyone is uh, frustrated. By the way, I just got a text message about you. This is a Northern California guy. A Northern California guy. This is from 915 saying, the current caller from Northern California, he probably grows pot in his rental properties. <laughs> nope, actually. But uh, unlike most people in this county, uh, no. Uh, are you on the, the Twitter, Northern California guy? I'm not, on, I'm, not on the, I'm not on the social media game, man. Uh, I'm how, here. How, how would one reach you if... Druff and I needed someone in the Northern Californian area to to co-host. Uh, cause you, well, I have his phone number. Oh, you'd have yeah. My phone number is a good way to get a hold of me. Yeah, I have his number. It's in, it's in the seven zero seven. But uh, oh, you know you. Uh, I mean, I'm not gonna say your name, but or, I don't even know. Are you GB on Skype? Is that you? Yeah. Oh, you have him. Well, I mean, well, he's right there. Or, you got, oh, you have it right there. GB, I'm gonna add you. Okay. Okay. See, yeah. See, I, to be honest with you, I never even really use Skype for anything besides. Uh, I've used it twice in my life. For what this am I supposed show? to do if I want to befriend you? You just add him. Well, but he doesn't use Skype a lot. He doesn't have social well, then, media. Well, then you're kind of screwed. Well, no, you can you could you can chat me on Skype or whatever, or you can text my phone number. Are you like in the San Francisco? Are you like in the San Francisco? No, he's nor- he's north of there. Uh, a couple hours north of there. Yeah. The one guy that's from uh, San Francisco that did the. Uh, uh, Silk Road. He lived near you. Do you know him? The guy that's in jail, Russ. What is it, Russ Albrick? Albrick, Albrick, something. Do you know what I'm talking uh, about? The yeah. Silk Road dude, Dread Pirate. Yeah. Do you oh, no, know him? I no, I never. Uh, I'm not on the. Uh, I'm not on the dark web or whatever that is. The Bitcoin stuff. <laughs> are you Are you close to the the Redwood Forest? Oh yeah, yeah. I, I was ju- I was just there last year. So which, you're seven. Which two. one? There's a lot. I know. I was in the. Uh, I think I was in the Humboldt Redwood Forest. I'm trying to remember which okay, one. Okay, yeah, I'm not that far north, but I've definitely been through there. So what's the, what's the nearest big city by you? A uh, big city that you know of would probably be San Francisco or Sacramento. What about that Mountain View or that Jenny Anderson? No, that, that's, in the, that's, that's kind of by San Jose. Yeah, that's probably like two and a half, three hours from oh, me. Wow, I've been through that. Yeah, that's, that's south of San Francisco. Now, do you play poker? Do you gamble? I mean... What, I used to play. I used to play poker. I don't really play too much anymore, to be honest with you, because I I was mostly just an online player. I started playing when I was in in high school, and I was into it a lot when I was in high school and college. And then I don't know. Then just I it kind of faded out. Obviously, in the hey, hey Brandon, market. here's an important thing that just got yes. texted to me uh, that I think you'll be interested in. Though the limits aren't very high, but I was told you can bet on the primaries from the eight one three. You can bet on the primaries on a site called Predict It. 
It's the only regulated site that allows this in the U.S. There are some limitations. You can't bet more than 850 on any one question, but it's fully regulated and legal. I'm going to check it out. I mean, eight fifty—that's that's still enough. Like, a, I mean, eight fifty kind of sucked a bit on like minus six hundred, but if it's like minus one twenty, that's fine. Yeah. That, that's that's the only thing that's kind of fail. Like, like when it's like a a big like minus five hundred, minus six hundred. Like, when, you, you don't want to bet eight fifty because you hardly make anything. When you're on this Skype, and I'm, I just I noticed now I have about nine people trying to add me, but they're not—I know they're not real names. They're like crazy, like not even English. How, how does this happen? Oh, because they search you in the directory. But what are they trying to add me for? What's the spam? Uh, I, I get these like fake girls adding me all the time that are just bots that are saying, "Hey, how are you doing? So, are you you feeling like you want to have a little bit of fun tonight?" And then like if if you engage them after they make BS small talk with you, then you go. So anyway, uh, do you like seeing nude girls on cam? I've got this really nice cam, and it's totally free. But you just have to give your credit card to verify your age, and blah blah blah. Wait, you mean this Jessica Luis that added me? This like nice looking young blonde gal? You mean that's not somebody who I know? That's just uh, <laughs> a scamitar? I, th- I think you're out of luck. I think like, I got like, an ad from a girl just now. XXX baby cakes. Yeah. Harley. Yeah, there's zero percent chance that's real. Yeah, maybe she heard you're the you know, whisperer. You know what's strange? You just think how things have just changed over the years. Back in the day, you know, NWP mainly, and then I guess a little bit of Donk Down. The majority of people that were on there were actually poker players. And it was actually strange for people that were on there that posted a lot to have normal, regular jobs. Like, you know, do you remember that, Eric? Yes, yes. On a Sunday, everyone is posting, you know, their tournaments and how they're doing. And just – and now it's like you're kind of strange if you just play poker or – do other some other form of gambling for a living. You know, do you remember that? Yeah, in fact, a lot of – Someone like been staring. Like just grinded like five. What was it? What do you play? Like five dollars sitting and go. Yeah. Or, well, know, and he didn't work, and and just everyone played poker. And a Sunday, you know, a lot of people that are listening don't know this. And a Sunday would start, and and you know the guys in uh, England and in the Europe are already posting the results from what was it called the Sunday morning warm up? I think it was <laughs> on Stars, like the early tournament. Yep, and the and, Sunday brawl on on full yeah, tilt. Yeah, yeah, and then like the last tournament. What was that last tournament on full tilt? The Mulligan. Yeah, 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 the Sunday mulligan, yes. <laughs> yes, and then, like, now, and everyone's staking each other, and, I mean, I remember, God, Sundays were just amazing, and you had your football and your poker, and everyone would just kind of share the results, and now, I mean, who else even plays poker professionally? Well, see, uh, most of our listener base, from what I've seen, are, we do have some people in the poker world that just kind of quietly listen, which, by the way, I want to give someone credit here, who I assume is probably listening, Ari Engel who won that uh, massive... I said he listened to the show. I know. You said he listened. I wasn't sure if he still listened. In fact, you weren't sure if he still listened. And then he sent me a message on Facebook and said that, yes, he listens. He heard our talk about him. He sent me a message. He sent me a message that, yes, he listened. He said he's a semi-regular listener still. So he doesn't hear every single episode, but he still listens most of them. Caught that one and and said he still enjoys the show and, and thanked thanked us for the nice comments about him. So, so we have those type of people who still listen. I know Matt Glance. That was years and years ago. I really didn't know if he still listened. Yeah, I didn't. I wasn't sure either. And then uh, Matt Glance, I believe, still listens to every episode. And uh, so there's a number of poker players who, who quietly listen. But then there are a lot of people. I think the majority of our audience 
are people who have regular jobs that at one time had a connection to poker or played at one point professionally or just at one point played a lot recreationally, but that now have they've mostly fallen out of it, but they kind of still want a connection to poker to hear it, to to hear about it and to hear it uh, discussed in an entertaining and, and blunt fashion. And so they go to this show rather than something that's more, uh, you know, 100% serious. Do you remember his name on Twitter? That Ari Angle? Twitter? I don't know. He's on my Facebook. I don't really follow him on Twitter. See. Yeah, I never thought to follow him on Twitter. I just have him on Facebook. I figured that's enough. Angle. Like there's going to be a fake one. <laughs> <laughs> there, there may have been. Usually uh, when people do that. Angle, you, you not send me no Facebook message. <laughs> uh oh, Brandon's insulted. But you know, face. You know, I actually had for a while. I don't know if it's still there on my Twitter. I used to have on there. I may still have it. This is the real account of poker player Todd would tell us. That's because that. Uh, those guys on yeah. Boris created a fake me on Twitter before I even had a real account. They made twitter.com slash Todd Wittellis used to be the fake me. And then I, I was alerted to this and I'm like, oh crap. So I, I, I contacted Twitter and they had me send my ID to prove it was really me. I mean, really? And then they, then they deleted, <laughs> then they deleted the fake one and, and awarded that over to me. They, they transferred it to me. There's no cyber squatting on Twitter, I guess. Yeah, yeah. They so I, I got I reclaimed the account, and there's also a fake Brian Mike on, which to this day is gone. So that's why uh, uh, it's tweeting again. By the way, yeah, I see that. So if you go to Twitter.com/slash/MikeOn, I think it's suspended. Either it's MikeOn or B MikeOn. One of those is suspended because it was fake. So that, uh, but mine I just took back over. The Todd would tell us. Uh, real Ari Angle, you not send me no Facebook message. <laughs> uh, Todd would tell us. At Northern California guy, <laughs> at Anthony Jizzleneck. <laughs> Who's got to throw in your token comedian there? Anthony Jizzleneck. What the hell ever happened to that guy? He had a know, series on Comedy him. Central, and then I never heard from Look, him and they're guy. yelling at me now. I'm just looking at the Twitter. Uh, luck you, Tom Crusader on Twitter. At Brandon Gerson, can you at least tweet when the show starts? Like the actual start time, not the projected. That's not really up to you. I'm the one who starts it. So well, I don't that's why I'm saying they're yeah. yelling at me. I don't know. They're I'm yelling at the wrong guy. Now. You know, our, the weird thing is our ratings just went up in the last uh, few minutes. Maybe what the, does that mean? Like a handful? Yeah, but the Euro's probably waking up or something. I don't know. Maybe the East Coast is waking No, the East Coast is probably waking up. It's 530. And that kid with a dream, I guess he was upset. The yeah, I see. I didn't time. know if he's still listening or not. I was, I was. Uh, when he can get away from those rainbows, he comes on. Well, you know, I, I think. Listen, I, I think since Ryan Laplante is still listening, and he's, uh, he's like the, the king of the poker gays. I, I think if he's listening, he's okay with this. I think it should be fine. For, hey, for, random for, question because I just saw her name. Paris Hilton. She walks into any Hilton. Do you think they just give her a room? How does that work? Um, like, do you think that's part of the perk? She gets a lifetime, whatever, <laughs> or like, do you think they're gonna say sorry, we're sold out, or we need a credit? Like, how does that really work? She just walked into a Hilton anywhere in Vegas. There's like ten Hiltons in Vegas. Do they give her a room? Uh, some of these are not even owned by the Hilton Corporation. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, some are, some aren't. You know, and and, and secondly, and these are just Drexel's random thoughts. I would suggest if anyone that listened to us or a show has any inkling to take the family out for Northern Mariana Island vacation, to take heed to this. The number three restaurant rated on the island, okay, and two separate uh, 
polls, okay? Tony Roma's. <laughs> Tony Roma's. It's a place for ribs. I mean, it is, but Jesus. How can that be number three on a 173-mile radius island? Hmm. Well, that shows that the selection there for food is not very good. You know what else is interesting I seen on the news the other day? The Gaza Strip. Are you both familiar with that Gaza yes. Strip? Oh, yeah. They opened up their first five-star resort. The only problem is what? What do you think the only problem is? Uh, they they have no guests. Yeah, I was going to say, who's going to want to go there? <laughs> there's no guests because no one can get in. Yeah. No one can get in. And then there's the other problem. You know what the other problem is? The, 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 what do you want to call it? The, uh, the pearl of the resort. What do you think the, this, the jewel of the whole entire resort is? Uh, golf course? The swimming pool. I was going to say the, like an underground bunker. It's swimming pool. But what do you think the problem is? There's no water. No, nope, the men and women can't swim together, so they haven't <laughs> figured out that one yet. So it just doesn't get used. It hasn't been used. Because, <laughs> you know, they can't be in the bathing suit. They have to be swimming. They haven't made a, a, a swimsuit with the, what do they call that? The, the, the burka? Is that what it's called, Druff? Yeah. Well, get up. The, how do you swim in that? You can, just because wet. I mean, it, well, but doesn't it, then it's like a wet t-shirt gerba? I mean, that doesn't yeah. just... That might I, be I, I thought that was kind of odd. A five-star resort in the Gaza. Yes, Street. I don't know who came up with that idea. Uh, I think it was the Chinese. But anyhow, <laughs> the problem is they have no guests, so it's it's a little problematic. They're not. Uh, yeah. It's like the Ravel in uh, Atlantic City. So listen. So say you could get in there safe. Okay, you, they, they let you cross in. We'll even just say through Egypt through that. Or what is it called? The RAF. Or something with an R, I don't know, RAF pathway or border. So you cross in there through Egypt. You have to stay underground, meaning you, know, you have to live and not get killed for, we'll just say a year in the Gaza Strip. And, you know, you have a home or an apartment or something and, you know, internet and food. How much would someone have to pay you, Druff, to live in that Gaza no, Strip? No, I, I wouldn't do it. It doesn't matter how much you get paid if you get killed. <laughs> but you don't want, but the whole point is you don't want to get, okay, so if, if you had an escrow, through someone you trusted or, you know, a financial bank that, you know, outstanding reputation, a hundred million dollars, would you not do it? And you have to you know, say goodbye to the family. You can Skype. No, I probably would. I, if you're going to get killed, there's a good chance of it. I don't want, yeah. I, do you I, think that you would die if you, I mean, you survive in the Gaza Strip for a year? Being an American Jew, I don't like the chances of that. <laughs> Northern California, would you do it for a hundred million? You know, I got to say no. I got to just say that, you know, I'm pretty satisfied with my life the way it is. And it, you know, it's not worth it. If you if you can't collect and you can't spend the money, then just to me, it ain't worth it. Now, what about the little apartment complex right across from Gaza on the Israeli side where they just fire mortar mortars <laughs> at you? You're walking in your condo. And no, that, that I might do for $100 million. I, that, that I think I could chance. Can you imagine having to live that life where, like, rockets are coming into your apartment almost daily? Yeah, that's... <laughs> you got to call the fucking... The, you got to call the landlord. Hey, there's another rocket in the living room. Got some mortar shells in the kitchen. We need you to come in here. I mean, really? Yeah, I don't want that coming out of my security deposit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, what do you... I mean, what do you do? You call Allstate and you get, like, mortar insurance? How does that work? <laughs> that's some crazy... I mean, look, we, look, we're doing a podcast here. I'm in my office. It's warm, and I'm going to hang up. I'm going to have... 
uh, some leftover. I have some shrimp and I have some salmon. And, you know, you got to think how these, like, you know, we're very fortunate. Even the, look at you, Northern California. You're on a podcast that you admire. You have all the rental properties. You probably won't even wake up to noon. You hit the bong, probably have a big bowl of Wheaties and not roll out of bed till like two in the afternoon. Am I kind of right? Well, it's probably gonna, it's it's probably gonna it's probably gonna be blueberry granola, but you know, other than that, I think you're pretty. Are you are you kind of like a hippie or a former hippie? I kind of get uh, that. Uh, I don't I don't look like a hippie, but I probably have hippie tendencies. Do you smoke a lot of pot? Uh, medium amount, I'd say. Well, he has a good memory for someone who smokes pot. I'll say do, that. Do you have a bong within walking distance of you? <laughs> Um, no, but close. <laughs> so, so okay, uh, how old are you, by the way? I'm 28. Okay, so it's a youngster on here. Yep, I'm below the, I'm below the target Yeah, he's, he's, he's out of the demographic of the 35 to 55. What is your favorite all-time podcast that you've ever heard us do, the one that you just like? If you had to, like, it's a Friday or Saturday and you're sitting there, you're smoking the reefer and... You just want to listen to your favorite, like you know, Drop has, I'm sure, a favorite episode of All in the Family is, is you know, TV show that you know we end our, this podcast with. What's your favorite podcast of all time? It's okay. You can even say if it was one of the other channel. Yeah, it, I think it would definitely have to be one of the old ones. Oh God, there's yeah, there's so fine. many. I'd some I'd say one of the ones with Never Heeb. I was a I was a big fan of the Heeb. Now, was it because he's from the same part of the country as you, or what is it you took to the heat? Now, you know he's been battling addiction now for the greater part of a decade and a half, right? I've heard that. That's pretty unfortunate. I, I miss the days when that guy was just, you know, chucking javelins and uh, yeah, running it up big and time. And, they, they, you know, banging. they nailed him with that California three strikes law for stealing a, a ham sandwich from a Safeway in Northern <laughs> California. Did you know that? No, they I, didn't, they didn't I, get I it with the three strikes about though. That. I, you know, that's that's too bad, man. He should he should have came did. all the way yeah, up here. Tough, that's the truth. Him. He the, stole food. And they no, no, but there wasn't the three strikes law, was well, it? But it makes the story a little no. better. But either way, yeah. No, it, I know he got in trouble for stealing food, but he got sentenced. He was in jail for a couple of years. Yeah, I know. He should have came up here, man. I love to cook. He could have got a good meal. <laughs> you know, I I, uh, I met him twice. Uh, never heap. I met him. I went to his house. Yep, and. Uh, do you remember from radio, Northern California guy, what traumatic event happened to him the first time he ever came to Las Vegas? Let's see. Vegas, Vegas. I know. Um, There's a little uh, gift picture about it. That do we, Is that even still on the new site? Did, no. he, get, did he get rolled by yes. someone on Craigslist? No, he, yeah, a prostitute. Yeah. yeah, for all his money. Yeah, she just like took his money and ran. And then he got hella wasted afterwards. And then the <laughs> next morning he woke up where? Like the on the, on the, yeah, I was going to say on the, on the, on the lawn. Yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> God, I remember man. when he was stealing hella grapes. Yeah. God. Unbelievable. Yeah, he called in to give us an update and he said he was stealing hella grapes because they were like grapes that were hanging over the side of a fence. <laughs> And so just, what, what is the addiction that he's battling? Crack you know? cocaine. Oh, crack that's too cocaine. bad. I yeah. I got it. My friend's sister's, you know, been in the police logs, you know, every other week dealing with the same shit. It's just a bad, repetitive cycle. One, one of the saddest moments of all of our shows, uh, and this was like one of those episodes like 
if you can go back to you know at least when Druff and I were in kid, were kids and they'd say this is an NBC after school special this is very serious you know talk about it with your parents he came on the radio and admitted that he had sucked cock for crack cocaine yeah yeah that's got to be rock that's got to be rock bottom if ever no actually swallowing is probably the rock bottom but <laughs> yeah it's, it's I mean I'm just saying it, it, yeah. it, if sucking cock is close to the bottom of the swallowing yeah um shout out again to them anyhow uh he's still friends of mine on facebook but i don't i don't think he i don't think he is even out of jail i don't know is anyone well i can go take a look if he's posted recently well i looked i mean no not recently i looked a couple months ago we need a cameo on a heeb cameo on radio i'd love to hear from the guy well, when he gets you – know, once he's out of prison, if he is or will be soon, we can get him on here. Now, were you aware that he also uh, – and I'm not trying to make him not your idol. But were you aware that he actually performed in some pornography? Yes, I am. Do you remember his porno <laughs> name? Let's see. Heaves porno name. No, I think he got me on that one. Landon Mark. Landon <laughs> Mark. <laughs> that was his name. Huh. Well, some formula yeah. they used to come up with that, or did he I don't it? think so. No, I think they just gave it to him. I see his, he has a photo bucket account that's open. Uh, he has a Twitter account. Is this even him? Well, no, I listen on Facebook. He was active at the end of December, and in fact, uh, shared one of my status messages about Star Wars. When was this? This is on December seventeenth, and then on December eighteenth, he posted again: loud noises and dead bodies everywhere. What a strange dream. <laughs> All right, I, th- I think the more appropriate sound effect here is... God, he's 31 years old. So at least as of mid to late December, he was not in jail. I have no, a feeling he's know. out. I just Googled his name, and then this is what comes up. This is no lie. It's like maybe the eighth thing under Dan Boba. It's a link to Donkdown under... And there's a post. And you know how a donk down now you can't even read the thread, so it's yeah. kind of weird. But there's a post from a it says member, Rich Corbin. Okay? I mean, <laughs> either one of you know who that is. Yeah. I, mean, I actually friends with the real Rich Corbin. And it says, Dan Boba, you have been one of the few selected for a million-dollar free roll. Email dan at pokerstars.com <laughs> for details, and maybe you can be the next poker superstar. <laughs> and then Dan then never he wrote back or posted back in the thread hey Rich I just want to talk on the phone if so shoot me your cell number oh, via a private message this is in 2006 and then and then Wendy Miller if that's really Rich Corbin I'm closely related to Chew- Chewbacca who else is in this Wendy Miller never heard of that and look at these Mr. Vengeance I remember Harvester no, I remember Wendy Miller. He's from the UK. Oh, wow. Look who else posted this. Decal Zone. Remember him? Yeah. Wow. Decal well, Zone. Like on everyone. from the past. Yeah, time. Decal Zone was the guy in Everyone Poker. The only thing he really did was uh, bring the David Williams story over to Everyone Poker. The David Williams uh, foot and ass everyone story. hate him? I remember everyone mocked him for but, Because he brought over that story and then he kind of got uh, – he thought he was untouchable after that and posted a lot of stupid things, and then everyone started bashing him. And he was cheating on his wife or fiance too, right? Didn't you say you'd see him at the tables with other women? No, I never met him. David? Oh, David. I thought, no, you're t- he's, he's asking about Decalzone who brought the story oh, over there. Oh, I 
was talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, he was cheating on his girlfriend, David. Yeah. Well, you know what? Apparently, after uh, the grocery store, he got arrested again. Dan Boba, a 80... That's so sad when they use this word. Dan Boba, a 28-year-old transient, was arrested last week. This is a year and a half ago. After he allegedly tried to break into a residence. Yeah, I remember that. A residential neighborhood? Yeah, residential yeah. neighborhood. Yeah. What does it say about him? He's on probation for drug offenses. He was booked in the Santa Clara jail. Wow. And that's it. I mean, so maybe if you said he was tweeting about Star Wars, maybe he's. Uh... Well, in Dece- yeah, he was not in jail on December 17th or 18th. So I don't know where he's been for the last two months, but. He was well, out that, before. That, that uh, Winkler, she was post uh, posting from jail in Australia. Hmm. Let's see. Uh, uh, is Daniel Bobo? Oh, this isn't good. It's saying that he has arrest warrants right now in Mountain View. If you Google, Great. oh wow. Yeah, that's not good. Revocation, revoke. Yeah, it's his probation's been revoked. Oh. I'll run never he brunch. <laughs> get out of California. Get it, Go over to Nevada or something. Yikes. Actually, Nevada's probably not a good place. Go to Arizona. That's not really good either. It's kind of a police state. Maybe go to, uh, no, not Utah either. Maybe Colorado? What's a good state to go, a good country to go to if you don't want to be extradited? Like, you don't want to go to no Syria, you know, or Libya. What, what's a good... Uh, uh, I don't like know. If you, if you were going to be arrested, Druff... For something, and you knew, like, you know, I don't know, five years, ten years, and you knew you're not going to serve the time. Where it, maybe you're even framed like the one guy that the Harrison Ford played. Remember the one-armed yeah. man did it? What yeah. was that movie? The one-armed man. Uh, the Fugitive. Yeah. So where would you go? What country would you go? Would you get a passport? You, yeah, I had to research that. I'm not sure which ones don't extradite that aren't, like, enemies of the U.S. that hate Americans. So you have to find something in the middle that doesn't hate America but just doesn't cooperate. What about you, uh, Northern California? Um, t- t- Truthfully, Dan Boba doesn't have to run from the country. Since these are state-level warrants, he could just leave the state and he's probably pretty safe. Because they, they don't ship you back to the state, you know, to the other state where you're wanted, unless it's something really serious. So, like, if it's murder or something, they're going to ship you back, but... Just just a breaking and entering type thing or drug offenses, they're not going to ship you back. According to CNBC, these are the top countries to hide out in. Let's see. And we got... Yeah, these aren't good, though. So you're going to have your choice of Mongolia, <laughs> Russia, Somalia... United Arab Emirates, Yemen, Uganda, Syria. So far, Russia is the best one. Sudan. Really? Maybe maybe UAE. Yeah. No, uh, I'm, not, I'm not going to. And then you have Vietnam, the Vatican. What would you even do in the Vatican? Vatican. Isn't it very small? Yes. It's like one. How about built... Costa Rica? Like I bet they don't even have like a uh, uh, El Pollo Loco in the Vatican. <laughs> and then Niger. Like, no, yeah, Rwanda, Jesus Christ. 
So basically, well, if, I go to, go, if I go to Niger, I'm going to have to be sure to visit the capital, please. Yeah. Well, Ru- Russia is the best one. <laughs> please. You you guys remember that guy yes. in Avatar, right? That's uh, O. Yes, that's O. That's Colin. Is he, he still even around? Yeah, he's on our site. He posts occasionally. Yeah. Uh, I guess, what about all these Arab, like, do they all hate us? Omen, Qatar, uh, Yemen? Yeah, you pretty much want to stay away from all that. So that, it's, I'm saying Russia's the best one of those. What about Vietnam? I mean, that's probably that's probably the second best. Because I'm sure Karina's jet has some friends that could hook us up. Um, Somalia? No, What's, no, 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 no. They no. have the pirates over there, huh? They have a lot of problems over there. They don't have even a working government, do they? No. Uh, that's really it. Nambia? That doesn't sound no, good. No, Namibia. That's pretty bad too. I saw. Wasn't there especially like a really good hotel in that Rwanda? I remember I saw, there was some movie. I didn't see it, but it was Hotel Rwanda, I think. <laughs> no. No? That sounds like a movie. No, it is, but it's not about a good hotel. Oh, okay. Are you sure? Yeah. Hold on. Let me Google it. Hotel Rwanda. No, it's it's, a, no, it's, it's about people getting massacred. That's what I was going to say. It's about, gen- it's about, yes. No, it's, it's about, about a genocide. I thought maybe it was like a five-star hotel. It's so good. No, it's, it's, even, it's even worse than the Hotel thinking, California. Yeah, I'm thinking you go there, you get some room service at Hotel Rwanda, but no, that's not how it works. No, it's, it's even worse than the uh, the hotel refugee camp. <laughs> it's, it's worse than the one with the segregated swimming pool that doesn't function. You know what comes with your resort fees at Hotel Rwanda? Gas? D- Dial-up? Gen- no, genocide. <laughs> no, not like the girl, but like literally like genocide. Yeah, they... Yikes. No, that's not good. So I'm going to say, honestly, if you had to make a choice, go to the Northern Mariana Islands. Do not stay at Hotel Rwanda. I think do we all concur on that. Yeah, but, and, and for the, as, but as, not as, if you're looking for extradition protection. Yeah, extradition protection. I, I would go to Russia and live with Stickman. And then the other guys hanging out there that – well, yeah, obviously we know that Russia because the Snowden character that the one guy used to tweet about. Remember he was obsessed with the Snowden? Yes, yes. He's, he's hanging out. He lived at the Russian airport for like – Yeah, that's right. What are you doing at a Russian airport? For, and you know what the other guy – what do you think – this is so interesting to me. The one guy from Australia that was hanging out like the, the – what was it? Honduras or El Salvador or whatever the – he was hanging out in their embassy in England. But like he had, literally has been there for like four years. The Julian, what's his name? Oh, Assange. Assange? Yeah. yeah. He, he, he was also a pedophile, too. Yeah. Well, he was accused, accused, not convicted. <laughs> what do you do all day if you're just, like, an embassy, it's just like a couple, what is it, like a big, like a townhouse? Like, how big can an embassy be? <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it's probably not even, it's probably like just like a, it's probably a small building. Can you imagine having to live your life like the, I mean, that's amazing. Amazing. Hmm. Yeah, I agree. I guess it, would we just be in Moscow? We're in Russia. Yeah, I'd go to Moscow. I'd contact Stickman and say, "Look, you're balling. You're making a lot of money. You're... That'd be the irony. You could go there and play on the internet. Yeah, I see. You're obviously pretty happy. So they tell me where to go. Not only that, there's a lot. There's a lot of hot chicks there too. Yeah. There and actually they, are. There are, and and they want to be with you because you're an American with money. I've actually got a buddy who's had several girlfriends from Russia. And that you know, fly over oh. here and meet them and stuff. No, what I would do if, if I was there, I would I would pretend like like I'm looking for a wife, and then just uh, you know let all the gold diggers come out and have sex with them, and then not actually go through like not go through with any real relationship. Okay. There's a couple of uh, names here that have been updated that their extradition ran out and they weren't resigned. Um, also, we have Afghanistan. That's a great place. <laughs> well, it's a nice mountain view. Uh, 
All right. Algeria, are they bad? Yeah. All right. What about Andorra? That's the one lady's name from the Bewitched, or isn't that her name? <laughs> yes. Andorra? Yes. How can that be bad? Is that bad, too? Uh, I don't know much about Andorra, actually. Okay, what about Angola? Yeah, that's not... That's okay, not but here's thing. one. Those uh, Kardashian girls for, from here. Armenia. Yeah, Armenia. That's, it's not, I'd rather be in Russia, but Armenia is not terrible. Okay, what about Bosnia and Herzegovina? No, 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 no. 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 I've never even heard of this country. Burkina Faso? Oh, yeah, that's in Africa. That's no good. You've heard of this? Burkina yes. Faso? Yes. Mm, wow. Uh, okay, Cape Verde. That has to be decent. No. It's a cape. No. Come on, it's somewhere on the ocean. I'm what, sure there's no... What, what about the Ivory Coast? You'd think that would be good, and it's not. No, it isn't. Uh, Jordan? No, that's not Libya. Madagascar? Oh, yeah, that's actually not that bad. Is that really? I mean, I wouldn't want to live there, but yeah, compared to these others, it's not that bad. Hmm. Now, what about what's wrong with Mongolia? Is that is not part of, like, China, or what is yeah, it? Yeah, it's, it's like a, a big... Ha- it's a has-been area, and, uh, like, it was once uh, a very powerful... Force many many years ago. But I mean, no. I like their beef. Yeah, yeah, that's, I, yeah. You know, it's like a, it's like a has been country. Like no one thinks of them anymore. But it's I, yeah, it's I'm kind a... of associated with China in a way. But it's a different country. Yeah, it's just kind of desolate and it's cold and there's really not much there. You know, maybe there's just something wrong with me. Maybe I'm not that educated because there are a lot of these countries now that I'm looking. I've never heard of. Like, okay, there's a country called Vanuatu. V-A-N-U-A-T-U, oh, yeah, a, you've heard of this? Yeah, yeah. Where is that? That That's, uh, I, I think that's in Africa. I've heard of it, I'm forgetting exactly where it is. Okay, here's another one. Micronesia? Now tell me you... Yeah, that's, that's an island. That's, that's an island. Micronesia? Yes, that's I, an, I've actually heard yeah, of that's that. Yeah, that's an island. The last five or six you listed, no. Okay, here's one. If you know this one... Oh, that's right, Vanuatu, that's in, uh, that's actually, it's an island too. I can't even pronounce this. It's Sao, S-A-O, I'm just going to spell it, Sao, S-A-O, second word Tome, T-O-M-E, and then the word and Principit. It's P-R-I-N-C-I-P-E. No, I don't know where it is. Sao, Tome, Principit. It's probably an island. I haven't heard of that one. Okay, Maldives. Yeah, I've heard of them. Yeah, those are, that's islands, yeah. But are they bad islands? No, no, these are just little islands. They're, these okay, are. Well, we can go to Maldives if they have an airport or a dock, if we had to. Guinea-Bissau. Oh, Guinea, Guinea-Bissau. Yeah, that's that, that's Bissau. actually a pretty bad place. You know, Vanuatu. By the way, I've seen pictures of it. It's, it's actually very beautiful. Which one? It's, it's, it's Vanuatu. It's it's islands and there. It's some really nice looking water over there. Okay, well, so we have some choices other than Russia. Yeah. You like to cruise. You like to be on the ocean. All right, let's see. Uh, Sao Tome and Prince, or whatever. It's an African country. Uh, let's see, where is this at? It's near the equator. That would mean it's pretty hot, and it's amongst a thousand volcanoes <laughs> that are constantly striking rock. No, that's no, not going to be good. No, that's amazing. The average. Sao Tome and Principal makes eight dollars a month. The official language is Portuguese. Wow, I, I mean, I've never even heard of this, but at least it's not landlocked, which is good. Huh. All right. 
Well, anyhow, that's interesting. I think uh, I think if I had to pick, I'm gonna. What's the island again that you said was nice? It's the Vanuatu. I I hadn't really I'd heard of the name, but I never even knew where it was until you talked about it today. So I looked it up, and there's some very nice pictures of it. Some of them look like the colors kind of weird and adjusted, but there's a lot of like uh, tropical looking nice water that's clear, and there's light blue or green or. Uh, it just looks like a like almost like an island paradise. So that doesn't look like it's in the oh, south. Oh, it's Pacific. near Fiji, Australia. Yeah, New Zealand. It's, it's, yeah, it's a nice place. It's Solomon really sign me up. Yeah, man. Now hiking I, trails or scuba diving. Yeah, now I want to visit it. Vanuatu. Let's see. It doesn't. The problem is like you're in a remote place like that. It's a nice place to visit, but if you'd be like stuck there for forever, it'd be kind of crappy. The one guy was on that one island. Yeah, I know. He's going back there, supposedly. Yeah. Uh, 98.5 of the people that live on there, they're native Vanuatuians. Oh, okay, so I wouldn't fit in there. They, they wouldn't want the white guy there. I mean, if you can tell me what the official language is, I'll fucking just do that. No, no, I don't know. I it's Bislama. <laughs> Bislama. I don't know what that even is. Uh, my my Bislama is a little rusty. Yeah. yeah. The second language is uh, French, then English. Okay, well, at least I kind of be understood the water temperature of the ocean seems nice uh the water temperature ranges from 72 to 82 well see that's better um, than bahamas where it's cold they average the about here. four to five cyclones a year then they just rebuild and start over so that's not good well for that's, that's better bahamas. than hurricanes though now it says that they get southeasterly trade winds every may october what exactly is a trade wind is that what you all have in there that they call the Santa Ana winds out no, there? No, the, no, no, no. What's that trade wind? Uh, I, I believe the trade winds uh, blow differently than the normal wind patterns for an area, right? Yeah, and I think they bring cooler temperatures, if I remember. Hmm. And it averages 160 inches a year in rain. Is that a lot of rain? That's a lot of rain. Yeah, yeah. that's a lot. That's That's like four times what Seattle gets. They average seven earthquakes a year, which an average at least a 6.0 magnitude. Is that a lot? Mm, yeah. Six is Yeah, yeah, six is fairly So six. basically, if the natives don't kill you, the volcanoes. <laughs> yeah, the earthquakes will, yeah. The earthquakes and the hurricanes will, will knock you out? Yeah. Yeah, there's some dangers over there. Uh, let's see what the, the biggest economy... The, the, the biggest export is copra. C O P R A. What is a copra? A snake? <laughs> Let's see. Copra. Cobra? It's the dried meat of a coconut. That's their biggest export. So their okay. GPD can't be that good if coconut meat is their biggest. Well, maybe you can go there be the richest guy in the in Vanuatu. Let's see. And then, oh yeah, the other thing is after earthquakes come, the, if that doesn't get you, the tsunami that follows will. <laughs> Yikes. Oh, this is bad. Like, this is like hits, I mean, I'm just reading this. Earthquake, hurricane, earthquake, another earthquake. Wow. They have a mobile phone, they have internet. Uh, let's see. Males outnumber females. That's not good. Language, religion, what's a, a Christianity? Uh, it, 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 I guess it depends what the females look like. Maybe it is good. Yeah, there's... Oh, if, if they're mostly ugly, you actually prefer that there's fewer of them. There's no Jews on the island. Uh, the average age is 
46 years old. Hmm. It's going to be good. Well, that's that's, that's kind of like this show. <laughs> that's so the show. average age before you die. <laughs> like the average person lives at 46.85 years old. Can that really be true? Does it really say that? Yeah. That's life expectancy is 46? That's terrible. I know. Now, does it really say that for Vanuatu? Yeah. How's that possible? A 1999 estimate for literacy rate of people between 15 and 24 is 87%. Okay, at least they can read. That's good. Health education is not compulsory. What does that mean? That means you don't have to go to school. There's no truancy there. Okay. Uh, music. Uh, they like the most popular form of music is slit gongs, stamping tubes, and rattles. Stamping tubes. The main uh, cuisine. What do you think the main cuisine is? Mashed potatoes and anchovies. <laughs> fish. I was gonna say fish. That's close to anchovies. It's... Let's see the main sport. It's anchovies on coconut. Is association football, but I'm gonna take it. That's probably soccer. Yeah, it's fake football. Wow, so like when you're in your early forties, it's 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 just time to live it up. Yeah, I, I think I think I'm almost gone. If if I'd be living there, it'd be the very end for me. Yeah. Huh. Wow. Like you said, I'm looking at pictures. It looks quite lovely. I mean, yeah. Well, anyhow, boys, it's three o'clock. I think it's a. What do you think? It's a perfect time, or I mean, I could ride on bullshit, you know, to the morning. <laughs> I mean, we're talking about Vanuatu, the government of. Uh, a recent okay. Here's some Vanuatu news, guys. No, no. Yeah, let's do some Vanuatu. The Vanuatu minute. Um, there's a new contract uh, that was just signed to fix the country's airport. Um, they don't have a working runway right now, and repairs are. How do you get there? I don't. I guess by boat. Repairs are supposed to be finished in 56 days, aiming for an April 6th completion date. Uh, Ensuring all airlines are fully satisfied with our runway, blah, 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 blah. We're very happy we have a runway. Uh, let's see. The airways that will fly there are Solomon Airways. <laughs> really? Have you ever even heard of this? Have you heard of Solomon Airways? No, no but by the way, you're wrong about the life expectancy. I looked it up at 71. That's what it said on here. Well, I'm it's just wrong. Reading. I'm not – that's still kind of low. I'm just it reading. is low, but – Mystery of the 1983 Vanuatu nuclear free girl finally – no, that doesn't make sense. All right, yeah. By the, way, the U.S. life expectancy is uh, 78.74. Japan is 83. Pretty good. A lot of fish are dying. Okay, I'm done. A lot know. of fish are dying. Okay. That's what it said. There's a the – fi- it says that uh, – you know how we talk about the worst case scenario of climate change in Vanuatu, Vanuatu, uh, the fish are all dying and there's a picture of rotten fish. Huh. Thousands of fish washed up on Vanuatu and the coast of Fiji, uh, blah, 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 it's because the oceans are warmer, warming, don't eat the fish. Well, you can see that if you're in California. If you go to Vanuatu, the point is eat the chicken. Well, hold on. If you're in Palm Springs, where Brandon is, you can take a drive over to the Salton Sea and see the same thing. You can see millions of dead tilapia in the water. And, in fact, the beach is, is instead of sand, it's tilapia scales. I'm not even kidding. It's the weirdest thing. I don't like tilapia. I don't either, but it was really interesting to see that. Where is this at? This is the Salton, the Salton sea. sea. Yeah, it's, it's near Palm Springs. 
Yeah, it's more toward, like, to the east, I think, more by, like, India. Yeah, it's going to southeast. I can see it out from the window of my Marriott. Not quite. Anyway, we'll be back next week on February 24th, normal time. The providing- father says that the Vanuatuians are forest people, that we shouldn't go there. <laughs> February 24th, we'll be back, and I uh, can't guarantee that the Northern California guy here will be back, but you never know. He could be. Well, I, I got his number. It's a, it's a 712 number? Seven oh, no, 707. Who's 712? 712 is the guest we had earlier. What guest? The guy from the Kennel Club? Yeah, you weren't on no, here. It, but how do I see his number? Listen, I don't want to lose you forever there in Northern California. Can you... Text me or something, or you know what? I'm gonna do this. I can give you his number. Todd, Todd can text you my number. Yeah, that'll never happen. No, I can do it. Okay, so so people, thank you for listening. Whether it's live or in the archives, call to listen line, whatever it is, and remember we have California. Text me. We have 24 seven reruns. Two oh three. I feel like I'm gonna lose you. We bonded here over the Natuians. Two oh three. Two nine nine two four three six. That's two oh. Anyone can text me. This is the, the my office number. Two oh three two nine nine two four three six. Or Brandon Gerson on Twitter. The Ari Angle. He ain't ever gonna message me, but he sends. You know that was a show that you weren't even on. You weren't even here, and I wrote on the agenda. Ari Angle. Ari Angle. Ari Angle. I don't get no Facebook message. So you're talking after the show. The song's over. It's supposed to be over here. Well, you had a short clip. It was 2 minutes, 21 seconds, like all of these. Are we still on the radio? Yes. Well, let's start it again. <laughs> Northern California guy. Yo. Thanks for coming on. Hey, I thanks, need you. thanks for having me, man. Could you do this every other week now? Could you? What do you think? I could probably make a better commitment to be part of the live show. All right, I think... I like the kid spirit. We need a hippie. You ne- you'd never guess it if you saw me in person, Brad. Well, may- maybe we'll get a younger demographic if we have someone who's uh, in the twenties. Maybe we're just too old. They're just like we. The kids are like we can't relate to these guys over forty. I bet that Anna Kate would like our Northern California boy. She might. Well, she has a boyfriend at the moment. Maybe we have to wait till she breaks up. Well, that, then we'll get him hooked up with that cum liquor. <laughs> no, 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 no. Anna Kate, maybe, but no cum. No, you haven't seen this cum liquor. She was living on the streets in Baltimore, but she cleaned up nicely. What's her name? Oh, uh, Stitch Cum? Amanda Cum liquor, or Stitch Cum. Liquor. Yeah, yeah. Now, she wasn't bad looking. You know, Baltimore is the STD capital of the U.S. That's not hard to believe. And they also have the best crab cakes. Coincidence? <laughs> How much time do we have left, Ruff? Uh, well, we, we were done about three minutes ago. Well, do the announcement again. You said, what are, what's the new, that's on the schedule, the agenda? Nothing. We're just coming back next week. Oh, that's it? That's it. Oh, you know what? Can I, can I, can I, can you pause it again? I want to make a special announcement. Jason, what? Okay, listen. And I, I swear, and Druff will vouch for me, and if not, I'll have the Northern California kid to speak on my behalf. None of this is was planned. Druff knows nothing about what I'm about to say. Uh, it's never been announced before. Uh, I've been actually thinking about this for several weeks, but I'm going to actually say it now. Sometime before the World Series, so I'm thinking probably early May. He hates the idea, and but it's, so be it. We're going to do it. Sometime between now and the World Series, 
again, probably in May. We are going to host the first ever on any of the sites, uh, the Neverwind site, the Donkdown site, the first ever roast of anyone. It's going to be a live roast, just like you see on that comedy channel where there's a roast master. I'm going to be the roast master. And then people come on and they tell their favorite stories and they bash them and make fun of them. And then they obviously say how much they love them and respect them and appreciate them. We are going to have the roast to Todd Dandruff would tell us sometime now. Now, everyone's going to have their prepared material. They're going to call in. We're going to schedule it. So right now, I'm anyone listening, if you're a lurker, or, you know, you just have to know what's going on, been around for a while. You can PM me, you tweet at me, let me know that you're interested. We're going to start getting material. You've got to run this by me. You can't just uh, no, well, schedule it. But at least we you at least vouch that I never even discussed this with you. Well, that, that I can vouch for. Yeah. So that I can vouch we're for. Get roasted. No, I, I think we're going to do, we should do a Brandon roast first now, if we're going to come no, up with the idea. You're, you're, listen, you, you came on here because of the Mercedes with the one guy, and uh, you were around years before me. So, in Northern California, don't worry. Sometime in 2030 at this rate, you'll get roasted. Uh, Hey, let, let's let's not push it. Maybe I'll join the forum by 2030. Yeah. So anyhow, the first ever roast. It's going to be a live on radio roast, and I will be your roast master, Brandon Drexel Gerson. We will be roasting a living internet podcast poker WSOP bracelet winning legend. So uh, start thinking about it. PM me. Don't PM Druff. Don't be blowing up his box. If you want to be a part of this roast, if you've been in the forums. Uh, I, I, sh- I should have ended this show earlier. That's what I should have done here. I should have ended yeah. this five minutes ago. Do you feel a little embarrassed you're going to get roasted now? Well, no, I, I don't know if I like the whole idea. I may have to... Mm. I may have to... I mean, you know who the last person that has to roast you before it's over is, don't you? Yeah, it's got to be Marty, probably. Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, the, the, well, it's going to be a bloodbath. No, the, the, only, the only nice thing Marty has ever said about me, he said uh, a few months ago he called me a lightweight. <laughs> I thought that's nice. Marty is uh, Marty's trying to tell me that I don't look fat. I thought that was nice of him to say. But everything else. Start sending message on Facebook to get all your favorites out here. We'll get David Baker on here. The guys from <laughs> Poker News that called you unsavory. Who else have you we'll get Kathy Liebert on here? What, Jeff, who else are you? What are the other enemies? Well, no, no, but Kathy Liebert's not an enemy anymore. She was nice to me when I last saw her. She didn't lie. She blocked you on the. No, but she, she was nice when I last saw her. So I, th- I think she's over. David Baker. Who I, I don't need to give okay. you more ideas. I mean, that's uh, it's, it's bad enough already. Send me the name of that pizza company that you boycotted off. The <laughs> store. Call them. Babies are us. You shut up the store. <laughs> Subway uh, uh, spokesperson. Anyhow, it's it, like all roast are. It's all in good fun and out of respect and admiration for what you've done and contributed for a decade plus. So I'm going to do this. We're going to get it together. I'll have to get a working laptop in time. Uh, but look for this sometime in the uh, late spring, early summer of 2016. Yes. Make your all the music. I'm done. Jeez. Yeah. You're going to get roasted. I'm not going to have to review this idea. All right. I, I don't know if you should be encouraging. I, mean, I, codes, I, I don't know if I should be encouraging see. all the trolls here. No, it's not going to be like that. I mean, it's going to, you know, it's off China. It's not, you know, it's not going to be that kind of thing. Or it's just random people. It has to be people that have participated or, you know, it's, it's it's a roast. You know, they roasted that Donald Trump. You know that? Did you ever see that Donald Trump roast? Yeah, but I'm not running for president, though. Well, he wasn't either back then. 
Ball Hawk Net in the chat says the idea is gold. I don't even know who Ball Hawk Net is. <laughs> Who's Ball Hawk Net? Uh, he, he's just a user. He's, I don't know much about him, but he's been around. What about uh, Cat Out of the Bag? I've seen him around for years. He's, he's from uh, Ireland, I think. Blue Father thinks I need to get Anthony Jeselnik on the uh, dais for the roast. Well, if you do that, maybe. Okay. Cat in the bag doesn't think the roast is going to happen. Well, cat in the bag, let's escrow. Godspeed. Okay, man. that's it. I'm, I'm ending this. It's done. Shalom. Shalom.